Coming up tonight on Potterfig Weekly. For the next 15 years, I isn't making ever to not sound like an idiot. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> so you're standing next to an automatic door trying to open a window? Damn, I'm stupid. Was that a monologue? Because I'm all over the map. Hello, I'm Hermione's tits. Rowena, die! Everyone dies. You know, I it's never, saying yeah. that they die, it's not a spoiler. <laughs> I'm just like very dazed at the moment. I was slightly dazed. Ryan exaggerates. I enjoy any podcast where Rowena is the chipper one. I'm a very chipper person, damn it. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not the only idiot. Ryan, is if you're in a mental institution, I don't know what I am because I'm pretty sure I'm <laughs> you're, you're a figment of my demented imagination. No, I don't want to be a figment. <laughs> I didn't kill anybody. <laughs> Man hands. Because yeah. I talk about the fic because we're now doing Mork and Minty quotes. Nanu, nanu. Ryan, are you drunk? I think I might be drunk. <laughs> I don't even know what the hell is going on. <laughs> And now, Potterfic Weekly. Does it start right after Gryffindor is captured? Yes, because he's like all asleep and knocked out. He's all asleep and not. He's far out and groovy. All right. Yeah, I thought we we were going officially, officially 16, not what fan fiction says is 16. The schedule was done on fanfiction.net. Yeah, the schedule is done based on calling the prologue chapter one. So are we using the schedule or the schedule? We're using the the numbers that are on the thing. No, it's not. That's not how we did it. Yes, it is. The thing, the one, the schedule, it doesn't, the first episode is not starting with prologue, it's starting with one. So it's one back from Last week, we finished with Godric Gryffindor vanishing into thin air. Irrespective of the rest of it, on fanfiction, it's chapter 16 titled Night. Okay. Which is actually right. chapter 15, 15, but in the drop-down menu it says 16. In right. the text it says chapter 15, night, and we are waiting for Gryffindor to wake up. He's all knocked out in a sleep. Right. She used her mom voice on Death Roll. Did you hear that? And everyone was, like, talking all over each other, and they weren't paying attention. Then you called your mom voice out, and I wet myself. <laughs> I'm sorry. Not you. <laughs> Thank you for that. All right. This felt like somebody had to apologize. <laughs> Stop apologizing for the stuff you don't do. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you can hear now. Jameway the Voyager. Coming are you I still can't hear anybody. <laughs> Captain, we are being hailed. <laughs> Hello. I'm getting like every fifth word. I don't even know what the hell is going on. All right, so- can everyone hear everyone else now? <laughs> I think so. For April 24th, 2010, this is episode 104 of Tofu. I have no memory of recording this episode. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. I think I was a little drunk. Hey, Ron. The next time you're freaked at me for calling you out on the Quidditch pitch. Just remember that time. That she stole my 
Perfect weekly, everyone. We have nine episodes to go. I don't think we're going to make it. I'm Death Row. Uh, I'm PS. I'm Rena. I'm Keza. Oh my god, we actually did that like in reverse inverse order. In the fic that we are covering tonight, there is mail in it. They send letters in the fic. Did they have mail back then? Like what kind they of did, Apparently system? they had owls. They had owls. I, oh right, I forgot about owls. I was picturing... Us. Damn, I'm stupid. <laughs> I was picturing mailmen, like mailmen and mailmen. <laughs> <laughs> they did have messengers. Messengers brought them. Like, like, that's how like the little shorts, they walk up with the gas. I'm like, I'm like that's, kind of, that's kind of inaccurate for the Middle Ages, but then I remembered they were wizards. One of the things I think that Star of the North does really well is convey the fact that there are knights and there are likely round tables and people are gilded. And like, it, there is a lot of components that is you know, middle age-ish. But on some level, too, the dialogue is very contemporary, you know, other than the lords and the ladies. And, like, I was expecting these and thous, and it, it just seems very contemporary. The thing that bothers me about the whole thing is when people feel like in order to make their stories seem authentic or to seem more real, they try and use phonetic language. You know what I mean by that, right? Yeah. You spell everything out the way it sounds. Or... They try to use... Hagrid dialogue. They write the accent. Yeah. Hagrid yeah. and pass or dialogue. Try to pass Harry himself off Fleur. by writing in... Um, Harry. Oh, let her speak. <laughs> She's but, but, well, the whole thing is, when they try to pass themselves off as, oh, this is Middle Ages, so we're going to speak with these and thous and, and all this kind of stuff, and, and people almost never use them correctly the way they were supposed to be used. Yeah. So, on the one hand, I understand what you're saying about you would expect that from a period piece like this. But on the other hand, I almost feel like the author realized and acknowledged that most people do that rather badly and decided, you know what? I'm just not even going to go there. Oh, that's totally, and- that's totally cool. And she could be damned if she doesn't, damned if she doesn't. I think what, yeah. there were a couple of sections where I was expecting, like I joked about in the Half-Blood Prince commentary, I was expecting someone to be like, dude, this is far out than groovy. Like it seemed very <laughs> contemporary. I think she's actually struck a pretty good balance with the contemporary so that we'll understand it and find it an easy read and the formality and structure that might go along yeah. with a period fic. Because there are moments when it's worded a little bit differently, but it's still contemporary enough to understand but it's not something that you might use in a more modern fic sitting in a more modern era so i thought it was actually quite a good balance now one thing i do think is interesting is because there's no real technology at hogwarts it's all magic there was very little in because this is what that 1080 there's very little at hogwarts you know immediately after its creation that isn't also present in Dumbledore's Hogwarts and vice versa. So it almost makes Hogwarts seem a lot more timeless because, you know, yeah. whether, you know, the, the, the shields aren't as good and the magic is, isn't as perfected, but it's pretty much the exact same place. They're, they're powered by lanterns. You know what I mean? Like there's no real difference between them. And I think that's a yeah. really cool thing to show just how timeless Hogwarts is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, liked, I agree. I liked how the explanation came out, how the castle was alive. I was like, oh, I wouldn't have even thought of putting that in a Founders fic. And I think just weaving the the stuff that happens in the series into this story has been really well done. 
to, to explain the things that we know about the founders. Well, it was done in a very humorous way, too. It's like I'm picturing Leslie <laughs> Nielsen walking down the stairs and walking into a wall thinking it's like another hallway. This is a very yeah. realistic painting. The, the thing I thought was interesting, too, is at some point when you do a story like this, you're almost going to go down the checklist of explain where stuff in canon came from and it's okay we explained where we got all the founders we explained let's explain why the stairs move <laughs> and look yeah and on some level it was cool you know there's the trick step and there's little things that you know just are a little bit different or, or quirky or whatever and they're ready to abandon the castle and and give the whole thing up <laughs> and, and so we're all gonna like, be our beds <laughs> does anyone know why i can't get to the fifth floor on mondays <laughs> <laughs> the store only opens if you beg it. Like I just kind of like that. Hogwarts is freaking possessed by Satan. It's like the- <laughs> I, I did like that because it had the humor in it. Because it wasn't ever like, oh well, this is this big dramatic thing. It's yeah, it's like you said. Does anybody know why I can't get to the fifth floor on Mondays or you know whatever? When they were talking about the place that was disguised as a door, like pretending to be a door. I mean, honestly, the way I read it, I was half expecting them to have, like, a counseling session with the door, with the wall. <laughs> They'd be like, now, why do you feel like you need to be a door? <laughs> oh, my God, Ryan, that must have been my problem. What was your problem? I like how they the all, they were, right, the let's wall. all go. Oh, can I just say something? I have been concerned the PS needs medical attention for a week, because I literally thought that she had some form of stroke and was using the wrong words in the wrong places, because I've been getting messages from P.S. No, hold on. You know what? This needs to be a verbatim conversation because I'm literally, I was two seconds away from sending this conversation to Gen 2 and and Keza, seeing whether I needed to call an ambulance, being the only one who knows where P.S. lives. Hold on. Let me find this conversation here. Oh, no, Ryan. It wasn't that bad. It was very, very bad. She wrote to me. This is P.S. I had dot, 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 one of those days. That kind of day. I tried to open a wall because I thought it was a door. Now, I'm sitting here staring at this. And I'm like, I was momentarily trying to picture you trying to open a wall. Because I thought it was like, it was symbolism. You know what I mean? Like, I tried to, like, I had such a bad day, I thought the doors were walls and walls were doors. It was that hectic of a day, I didn't know if I was coming or going. P.S. responds, I swear it looked like a door. Now I'm thinking, is she talking about an actual wall? She's like, one of those glass deals where they try and trick you with a decoration that looks like a hand. And I'm like, are we talking about an actual door? P.S. responds, it wasn't a door. I'm like, no, I thought it was a metaphorical wall. She's like, it was a real wall. Though I guess being a glass wall, it counts as a window. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? Okay, okay, okay. Now, you It's like finding out you have a black kettle. You know what I mean? <laughs> Like okay, once upon a time... In a galaxy far, far away. At the library. The library has, like, two doors, but the whole front of it is glass. Is it a there's double like, door? There's, like, a deal running across the front of the, the windows that are, you know, the glass front of the building. Mm-hmm. And the parts that aren't doors, would you call them windows? 
Uh, well, if they're glass and they're on a building, then generally that is what they're considered. Does this yeah. mean that you could never work at the Apple store in Manhattan? So there's, like, constantly walk there, there's like a deal running across these windows that's at the same height as the, the handle on the door, and it looks the same. It really does. So the other day, I was leaving the library. And I was pushing on the thing because I thought it was the door. I thought it was, was going to open. And then next to me, the thing opens. It's an automatic door. And it just goes, <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So you're standing next to an automatic door trying to open a window? <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I, really, I swear, first of all, I but the, I have to just say this. This was like two days ago. I have this conversation. Today I'm talking to P.S. She's like, I am down. I am in a funk. I'm like, oh, P.S., why so blue? It's the door in the window. Now no, I'm thinking not. she had like a stroke and she's worried about why she couldn't tell the difference and she thinks she has neurological damage no. and I'll have to go with her to her to her CAT scan. Like I'm, uh, 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 I didn't I have a stroke. This. All I'm just saying is it's, I just felt like I was having one of those days where it's like you drop everything you pick up and you try to open the window when you think it's like you push on doors that say pull. It's like yeah, that. Yeah, I know what you mean. It's like that. I mean, I swear I'm not that stupid. Damn, I'm stupid. I, I swear I'm not that stupid. I'll Having take, another school for the gifted moment. I'll take a picture if you want me to show how, how <laughs> like this particular window looks. Well, now that we've met P.S., you know, uh, yes, she's willing I to demand take pictures proof. of everything for years. She's like, I don't have a camera. <laughs> P.S., we know what we all look like. I don't have a camera. I'll take a picture of the window. I'll go tomorrow to the library and take a picture. Well, if you need help leaving, call me, all right? I'll come get you. Brilliant! So the (sighs) castle is alive. Yes, the castle is alive. The castle is Uh, alive. Okay. And I like that, and it stayed alive. Well, it's not dead yet. What's up, Ryan? I was going to jump in with the chapter titled Night, but if we're not there yet, then I will hold my phone. We can do the chapter entitled Night. Chapter 15, entitled Night, where Godric Diffendor wakes up to find himself captured by an idiot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was reading this, and I mean, honestly, it's, it sounded to me like he was um, captured by, what is his name, from um, Andy Griffin. <laughs> the deputy. Marty Fife. I, I was actually wondering if he was an ancestor. I know it's the summer he's an ancestor of Malfoy somehow. I thought he was an ancestor of Goyle or Crowell. Goyle, I know. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, seriously, he's like, I've got my brilliant plan. His brilliant plan is literally to wait until all of the, the bad guys in his eyes, all the heroes, single file, come into his lawn. He will tie them up and throw them in the closet with the others. And then keep repeating until you capture everyone in the world that you want to capture. That was his game plan. We'll Never considered the- they might come simultaneously from all directions. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and it's I mean, not like it's- he doesn't know they exist. So I think it's interesting that they brought in that they're from the Roman line. And so we get to see that even within this culture that she has created, there are so many variations in it. And this is just an example of the difference between the Britons and the Romans. When the two men, what is it? Mark, I like that it gets smacked down. 
Marcus and Titus, is that it? Yeah, and Gryffindor's like, Gryffindor, but you know what? That doesn't make me better than you. The two things I loved about that scene is Gryffindor is the coolest captured guy ever because he's tied up on the ground and he is totally kicking his ass because he's just, like, cool and calm and collected. And not until he, like, reads him the details of what he's going to do to Rowena does he get a little sick and throw up in the potted plant in the corner. But up until that point, he's just really, really cool and you wouldn't expect that from Gryffindor you'd expect him to be more like Ron and be like banging his head against the table like trying to end it all is there a dog in yes there's a dog out in the backyard and he's stupid and he's blind and I was just making he's sure I wasn't years old and they need to put him to sleep you have an old and blind stupid dog I, I don't mother in law does he is old and blind and stupid, and he just barks because that's all he can hear is the sound of his own barking. <laughs> and so he just stands out in the backyard for hours and barks at nothing. Poor dog. <laughs> I've been my whole night. I don't know why. No. Oh, this is the dog that is allergic to his own dander. <laughs> Okay. His own he is allergic. His own dander. His own dog. fur. A dog that's allergic He's to allergic to himself. <laughs> and so they have to put him on steroids so that he won't like tear his own skin off because he's so itchy and miserable all the time. So he's got huge bald spots on him. And this is a dachshund, okay? He's a dachshund. <laughs> and so he's half bald and ugly and miserable. And he drives me up the freaking wall, and he's just annoying. I shouldn't laugh because it's sad, but... <laughs> I mean, honestly, I don't know why they don't just put this dog to sleep. And, I mean, I'm not for euthanizing animals oh, if they don't need it. Say. But I was going to say, it sounds kind of to put this dog down. It I does. know. I've been trying to argue that point for months, and it's just not working. I just kicked my dog in the head. <laughs> Oh my gosh, Brian, you know how I told you I bought that book earlier? Yes. I, I had a you? It's awful. And I don't care. The Battlestar Galactica one? No, th- this is the comic that I just, just ordered, not the okay. novel that I bought weeks ago. And I had to add, like, I was like, I'm going to get free shipping. Now, th- this is an $8 book, uh-huh. and f- free shipping is $50. <laughs> so I'm like... <laughs> Hold on, how does that work for free shipping? How does that work for, oh, free shipping is 50 and over? Yeah, if you get $50, you can no, get free shipping. I'll, I'll, so I'll I like, it's worth it. But I found other things I had bought anyway. Definitely. Actually, it's... Probably going to oh. suck because it actually has quite <laughs> ugly art. Hold on, I think I, Death Roll hurt himself. Death Roll? Slytherin actual reporting. Oh, thank God. I thought I heard someone in the background. <laughs> Hello? Hello? It's <laughs> <laughs> a freaking podcast from hell, man. This is ridiculous. This, this, <laughs> it took me like 50 years to figure out who these people were because they don't look like themselves. <laughs> I turned PS on the Battlestar Galactica. It's her new one true ship oh. or one true pairing or OTP, whatever the hell it is. This is you know, the book I bought. This is the one where all their heads are cube shaped, is it? No, that those were those things I didn't buy because mm-hmm. I didn't want them in my house because they scared the crap out of Who me. Who the hell are those people? See, here's the thing. It took I me a while to figure out. I think that Zarek, the president yeah, see, in it Starbuck? Was, it's Starbuck and Roslyn, and I f- tried after a long time, I figured out that was Tom Zarek, but I think he looks like Jay Leno. 
He look, that, that he just looked like is that a dama on the right with tie? Yes. That's a dama. Doesn't it not look like him at all? That doesn't. I don't even. I think that who the hell does that look like? I it hate to like say somebody, it. Doesn't it? It looks like Scott Brown. <laughs> See, I thought Varric looked more like a dama than a dama does, and he also kind of looks like Jay Leno. That's supposed to be Starbuck? Yeah. Who else would it be? Or if she's blonde, I guess it must be Starbuck. All right, well. (laughs) That looks nothing like Scott Brown. Let's find a picture of Scott Brown and compare. (laughs) Well, it doesn't look like Bill Adama, so I don't know. All right, so we're going to... It looks like Zarek. I can tell that's Zarek. No, Adama in the background. background. Bill is in the background. On the far right. is in the foreground. Uh, All right. It's still... (laughs) Can I just say this? Okay, Keza had a stroke. Keza is a rock star. Keza will try until midnight to get us back on track. I can't take any. I just tried to look up Scott Brown and get pictures of soccer players. Uh, oh, I you don't might... care about Scott Brown. And Why not? Little, it was the Scott heard around the world. Is this <laughs> yes, it is was. This, is this the right Scott Brown that looks like Adama or doesn't look and like I... Yes. Well, he's 27 feet away and he's blurry. It could be death roll for all we know on the cover. When I get the book, I'll tell you. It's not me. It's well. It probably would. We could see the stash from here, probably. All right. Yes. We're going to now. We've talked about mailmen and we've talked about Hogwarts being old, and that's it. And timeless. And timeless. Old and timeless, like an old woman who's still. No, can I tell you, I have pictures of my grandmother from the time she was 59 years old oh to the time gosh. she was 84. She looked the same in all of them. What the hell is okay, this well. podcast? So, I was going to say uh-huh. about 20 years ago that I disagree that Godric Gryffindor would not be calm in a situation where he's captured because he is a good warrior, right? And, like, he has to be calm to be all leading us up. And the only person who stresses him out enough to get all ragey is Rowena. Rowena? Rowena Wavenclaw. So he... Rowena Wavenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan, are you drunk? <laughs> it's R's and W's. I'm all over the map. So, no, I agree with what you're saying. I agree with what you're saying. You agree that you're drunk. Okay. No, I agree with the other thing. I, I can buy so, liquor again, though, on Monday. My new month think, starts on my credit card. I think I might be drunk. So but, I liked how he acted when he was captured, and I thought that was very good. But I will tell you this. I was unhappy with what they did to him because you're reading along, reading along, and all the author notes and everything are like, yes, you'll find out what happens to Marcus, and you'll be really happy about it. And, and all they did was just, like, hex him. And I was just like, well, I, I, think was, he, I, th- I felt I think they down. hexed him and hexed him and hexed him until they couldn't hex him anymore. I know, you know but I, mean. I was hoping that they would drag him through the forest until he was one big gravel rash that they would, you like, poke him with things. I don't know. She made it sound like they were going to do such bad, bad, bad things. It's like, yeah, he's a hexed up lump who can't leave his house. I'm like, he should be dead. You know? <laughs> they had to put him into okay. assisted Keza's living. out for blood. Well, no, the, the fun fact is when Keza was reading the story, uh, you know, ab- about dear Gregory here, she was picturing Mr. K, who has not left the house in oh. a month. <laughs> You're like, bud, baby, bud. Like, it was, it was very... It was awkward. Well, here's so the I thing. Just, 
I was out for blood. I was out for Marcus Gregory's blood. It's just the way that it was written. It's like, yeah, you're going to be all really impressed with what happens to him. And I just really wasn't. I was just like, eh, whatever. So well, he's like a sniveling mess. He should be dead. Now, here's the thing about Marcus Gregory. Now, Marcus Gregory is an idiot, okay? And he's in there with <laughs> Gryffindor, who is really smart but really tied up and laying on the floor, throwing up into his airbag, all right? So you've got, you've got them in there. Now, entering the house is Rowena Ravenclaw. Did that Very one good. on purpose for you guys. Well, one I said it wrong, but um, thanks for not noticing. Um, Helga Hufflepuff, Salazar Slytherin is there, Mama Gryffindor is there. Who's the dude with Mama Gryffindor? Cerise. Cerise. Cerise is there, and then, like, as many as four knights are there, right? Yeah. There's nine people in the house. Yeah. Surrounding Gregory. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He takes out, like, five of them before he is subdued. Mm-hmm. That's not bad for an idiot. That's my only point. He took out He's... five people. He is a man of action, and his name is Gregory <laughs> Goyle. But there's, but there, but the, that was literally the thing. I'm like, the entire purpose of the story is that these people are so powerful that the government is powerless to stop them for like ten. They've been here for ten years doing this. The government cannot stop them. But idiot guy takes out half of them before he is subdued. I just thought that was amusing. Because I thought it was to be like they were holograms or something, and they were really not stand- – they all got tied up. <laughs> was that a monologue? Did I, did I monologue? Yes. Yeah. All right. yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> now, I have a question. Does anyone else think – you know, they lived in, in the house on the front lawn of the castle for like five years, right? And then they moved into right. the, the castle. Yeah. Does anyone else think that's Hagrid's hut? Yes. Yes. I was oh, going to yeah. ask that. Oh, I didn't even think of that, but that's pretty awesome. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's, I heard the same. That's what it was. Hagrid is so chunky that he lives alone in the space that used to like that was like the original school was Hagrid's hut before he put in the jacuzzi room. You, sir, are rotund. Like that is pretty impressive. <laughs> that's something. Hey, I don't you know what I like about you know what I like about when they described like putting the quarters in the castle mm-hmm. and like the crests and all that, like how it sort of started off as a joke. Slytherin sort of like, yeah, 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 you should have like all red or something. And that's how Gryffindor colours came about because Salazar decided it would be a lovely joke to decorate the tower in red. And then the Hufflepuff badger, she's like, I don't care, just a badger, whatever. You can make me a badger for all I care. And I'm like, <laughs> and, <then laughs> and a, a dream is born. And I liked the description of how, you know, the Ravenclaw one had all the spaces for books and stuff, but the one I liked the best was the Hufflepuff ones, where they said it was just one level, there was no stairs, and mm-hmm. it was just like one long corridor. I thought that was pretty cool. I liked that. I'd like to that. point out the Hufflepuff house is handicapped accessible. <laughs> That's what I took from yes, that. It I, don't is. I don't know what the rest of you grabbed from that, but we're the friendly house. If people with- no, no, it just means that you get all the handicapped people. Students with disabilities are strongly encouraged to apply. And I also that- like that there's not too much black accent, that it's mostly yellow because the black would look kind of noxious. Because I kind of agree with that. I think it should be mostly yellow. But anyway, that's just personal opinion. And I'm still spun out about the hut. That, yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know how you would ever explain that unless it's through an author's note. They would have to be like, you know what? A fat man could live in here. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know how else you can get that into the dialogue. <laughs> yeah, like, oh, this house is flame returning. You can shoot this thing year after year. It's never going to burn down. Like, I don't know how else you can possibly... You know what I mean? <laughs> you could raise a dragon in here. <laughs> 
No, you couldn't. It's isn't it There's supposed to be a wooden house? In Canada, it's a wooden house. And they said it on fire. Well, was I the yeah. only one wondering when the first child was born? Like I was looking for some magical significance, no pun intended, to the name. Like like they would name the child Albus, and that would be you know the, the reason Dumbledore was named Albus. Or I was looking for this deep, mysterious meaning rooted in the Harry Potter mythos. His name was Ryan. This is Ryan. I enjoyed long walks on the beach. I was, and I'm like, ah, I am touched. And he's one of those guys that has 17 names. Oh, yeah. that was just really too long. But you know what I liked best about that scene? I'm reading along. I'm thinking, oh, this is nice. And I, I actually kind of liked it because they made up this ceremony with all the blessings and everything. And I thought it was pretty cool and fitting in with the time period and everything. And then at the end, Gryffindor holds his son up and basically is like, live a long and prosperous life. And I'm like, he's a Vulcan! Live long and prosper. That's <laughs> a circle of life! <laughs> I know. I thought of the Lion King. That is what I thought. I thought of the Lion King. I named him Simba. Well, she even says, look, guys, I swear to God, I did not do this after the Lion King. And my exact response in my head was that you know of. Yeah. Seriously, I didn't hear Lion King. I see Fox standing there going, Ryan, live long and prosper, my infant son. <laughs> Hi. This is Editor P.S. from the Future. The following clip got a little messed up in editing, but I can't change it because it is just too fucking funny. Hold him up in the hand. Gryffindor is not a Vulcan. From far beyond the galaxies, I've journeyed to this place to study the behavior patterns of the human race. And I find them highly illogical. Girl meets boy, they fall in love. She says he's everything. She's been done. If anything, he's a Romulan. Yeah, but they do Jolan True. They don't do, you know, Live Long and Prosper. Jolan True, no one would have gotten it but me and you. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not even you. Maybe just me. I don't no, know. not even me. Not even me at all. Brought to but you by the letter no, R. You would have gotten it? Okay, you... Well, Romulus, unfortunately, blew up in the last movie, so not... Oh, so what a shame. It's kind of a, um antiquated expression. Well, you know what it was? I, I've been watching The Vicar of Dibley, this British sitcom, and the main character's name is Geraldine Granger, and there, there comes a moment where they need to s- recite her full name, and her literal name, and this is all I could think about during the thing, hold on, is Bodicea, Geraldine, Julie Andrews, Dick Van Dyke, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, Chim Chimney, Chim Chimney, Chim Chim Cherie Granger. And all I could picture <laughs> is little Ryan's name comes in second to that. It's supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, even though the sound of it is something quite atrocious. If 
you say it loud enough, you're always sadly conscious. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Like, like, like anyone he's ever met. Like, just, like, just throw the name in there. You know what I mean? And then the second one is even worse. The second kid's name is even longer. I know they can't have a third child, but if they did, they should name it Bob. That's Hufflepuff. I would die. I would have to stop reading fan fiction. Candon would be complete for me. You know what I kept thinking, though, through this whole thing? Rosalind comes in and she's like, Godric, my son, you can't have any more children. I know you're devastated, but we are unable to bear any more. And he's like, okay. And she tells Rowena and they're like, okay, we won't have any more children. And they take a deep breath and they move on. And I'm like, what is stopping them getting pregnant again? And I'm thinking, they must have made some all-powerful contraception potion well, <laughs> or really... developed some fantastic charm because how else would they prevent the pregnancy like? It's all very well to say that. But in that day and age, how did they prevent it? Well, I'm assuming they're pro-life. But I'm, I'm reading this. I'm like, did they have condoms in the ninth century? <laughs> well, number one, imagine your day is going so bad that your mother-in-law sits you down and explains that you can't have sex with your wife anymore. That's how I was reading the scene. He's like, mm. oh, God. and then she goes and tells her daughter. Like, she's not even telling her daughter yet. That's going to be a surprise for later. Like, I just was like, this, <laughs> yeah. this, is, this is odd. But I'm, I'm not sure how they managed that because they're, they're you know, I'm just confused as to how they didn't have any more children. Did they stop? They would have succumbed. They're in Chap- love. They chapter 23, the-, the rhythm method. Like, I don't know what they were. <laughs> <laughs> they had to have thought of something. I mean, well, they had sheepskin back then. Yeah, that's what I found a picture. You of found a, a picture, of, a picture of the rhythm method? What did you find? Yeah, <laughs> a picture of pigskin condom. Yeah. Oh, I know the picture of Rowena and Godric going at it. Uh, is that true? Wow, that scale? is a huge contrast. In all seriousness, I think there would have been like, wow, there would have been like <laughs> herbs oh and stuff that they would have done maybe back then for, you know, maybe they knew about sponges or something. I don't know. But the only thing I could think was, is this Me where the hurt. contraceptive patient came from? Did they? Because now I feel that this is what I was telling you. Make it out. <laughs> All the contraceptive patients in town. Hold on. I think we just started losing people. Can everyone hear me? Yes, I, I can hear you. you. The second I said hello, everybody came back. <laughs> well I done, said, well done. I feel like this is one of those times when Thank the call you. is going to be dropped. And the call was nearly dropped moments later. I'm still staring at the giant condom. How big is that? Like, you could fit a kid in that thing. Yeah, it looks huge. No, 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 no. You, I'm you, sure you would keep all the kids very close out up because picture. of that. Uh, but it's very hard to tell scale, isn't it? It does it look, look enormous. It looks like a large stocking. A large what? Yeah, it looks like it could like fit a, on your whole foot. foot. Like a Christmas stocking. I can't hear anybody. A large what? <laughs> what that's... Is that supposed to be a picture of a condom? Because that's <laughs> I can't hear anybody. So it's a condom. <laughs> or is Kezo would call it a condom? <laughs> Made from animal intestine. All right, show of hands, who can hear me now? I can hear you now. now. I can hear you now. Rena. Now I can. Wait, what? I'm Hello? Unable. Hello? Rena, come Hello? in. Can I... Rena? Okay, I can hear you now, kind of. <laughs> it's like everyone but Rena can hear. I'm sorry. It keeps going away. Like, I'll hear two words, and then it'll go dead. 
thought you meant. I thought you meant the condom. The condom <gasps> keeps going. <laughs> I think the condom just broke. P.S. What? She hasn't got a condom on. What? <laughs> I thought she was actually hyperventilating. P.S. Shut up! Shut up! Shut up! It's just a picture of an enormous. Episode. I can't hear, you guys, I hear Ryan, and he sounds like he's talking from inside a sock. Or a giant condom, depending on Okay, so now that we've gotten in our discussion about prophylaxis, so... I'm voting for rhythm method. Did we decide on rhythm method? Well, that's very yeah. Catholic of you. Either that, or she's going to cut his balls off. Can we say That's balls on Pofork? Big brassy balls. Can we say We've that? said worse. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can say balls. What's wrong with balls? Stones. Cajones. Cajones. Gonads. The junk. Gonads. The junk. Family jewels. I like Many family jewels, but we're not business. calling them the junk. The family junks. <laughs> it's family business. Well, the, the thing I love is... Patrick Grissendor has a vasectomy. Well, or she traumatized him. I'm picturing like a nine century vasectomy and I'm seriously picturing like two stones that they just whack at it hoping to oh, oh. I don't even have them in that right <laughs> like, I'm, well that's why I'm thinking he didn't have one like it's just it doesn't seem like oh. a good idea for that time so I'm pretty sure that they that. had heard remedy type things that they would have used at that time they rub whiskey on it first to numb the area oh, and no. they, they they give Godric plenty of whiskey I think Rin is ordering dinner Rin she's talking to the dog this is like when she would not be able to hear us so she would just like sing to herself until I came back and we're trying to talk and it's like <laughs> so I think that there are two points that we have to actually talk about otherwise I'm going to go insane in amongst all this off-topic talk of ninth century vasectomies we need yes. to discuss the following two items uh-huh. the battle mm-hmm. and the salazar helga split Ooh. Ooh. i didn't get to either of those so i'm not going to be very helpful during the series <laughs> and i just spoiled you <laughs> well i figured there would be both because i figure salazar leaves at some point and if there's no battle it's the worst fic ever I, I have something I can talk about about Salazar, though. Hold on. Has yes. anyone finished the fic who can discuss those points with Keza? I did at one point finish it many it. moons ago. Rinna did, I've but she can't hear us. Rinna? I did up to chapter 24, Rinna? which is what's on the schedule for this season. The schedule. Well, it's the, the schedule. schedule. I'm never so, calling it the schedule again. Why I'm just calling it the schedule. Because we call because it the schedule. cranky. I'm not cranky. You just keep, you keep going to schedule, to schedule, like I'm saying something funny. What is wrong with you? That's the first time I've said anything. I've actually been making Ryan fun of Ryan says it all the time. Ryan's well, been making fun of your accent for three years. You're mocking my accent. Yeah, well, it's it's your accent. You say it differently than we do. The funny thing can, is, Rena has read all these... Can you hear that it's different? What, ha- say it for me properly without mocking me. Schedule. We say schedule. You say schedule. Schedule. Replace the CH with a K. We say schedule. We say schedule. No, it's yeah. a Yes, there you go. Not schedule. You say schedule, we say schedule. Okay, very good. So, on the schedule, it says... <laughs> chapter 20, that is where I read to you. I haven't read to the end of the fix. All I was trying to say. No, we agree I did yeah. that battle and the split with Helga and Salazar. And I would love for Rena to be able to discuss these points with you, but we haven't heard from Rena in 20 minutes. Rena. Yes. Somebody said my name. What? 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 It was yes, me. Did I you keep read up to losing people. Like I don't remember. Okay. Rina, Rina, yes. Did you finish the chapters for tonight? 
I've read the whole thing. Okay. Would you care to discuss the Babel and the Helga Salazar split? Sure. Say You want me to start? Uh, sure. (laughs) Okay. I would first like to say, and and this might be a little late because he's no longer participating, but I think it's very funny that Mike's prediction for how the story was going to end is so completely wrong, as we all knew it was. I wasn't there. When did Mike say that, like, Mike has ever been wrong about anything ever? Oh, right. Mike said that... was that... The split would occur because Salazar Slytherin and Rowena Ravenclaw were both in love with, with Godric Gryffindor. And that eventually yes. would become too much for Salazar to bear, and he would leave in a huff because he got his heart broken, and that it really didn't ever have anything to do with being muggle-born. Because what it was was this big gay love triangle Trying. thing. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, to be fair, the both of them do love Godric, so... Yeah. But, have you read up to chapter 24, Dethra? No. Okay, here's a quick synopsis. What happens is, you know how he's very friendly with Helga? Uh And, of course, Helga is, like, hanging out and waiting for him to propose. And then something happens and Salazar basically stands there, much like Snape and Draco, in the corridor. They have an argument and Salazar dumps her. So she goes off and gets married to somebody else because she has been putting her life on hold for a decade for this man and he's made it clear he's not interested. I heard that, And so then, of course, she gets married to someone else and he then decides, oh, damn, she was the best thing that ever happened to me and he goes a little bit crazy. Uh Uh-huh. Yes. Mike's theory was that Salazar loved Godric? Yeah. Yes. And because Godric is with Rowena, Salazar can't squeeze in. was jealous. He was yes. jealous. He was he so didn't... jealous that he was forced to leave. And it had nothing to do with nothing Muggle to do with Helga. Now, let me just throw this out here. If Godric did love Salazar, and if Godric also loved Rowena, and if Rowena also loved Helga, this could solve the whole vasectomy thing. <laughs> yes, it could. I'm no, sorry, Ryan. Out. You're going to need to draw me a flow chart for that here's one. Here's the thing. Monday <laughs> through Friday, Monday through Friday, everyone's with their significant other. Now, to burn off some tension over the weekend, it becomes a slash fic. Then on Monday <laughs> morning, they resume, hence fixing the problem that Rowena can't bear more children. So they're all slingers. Yes. Basically, yes. <laughs> Or, 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 just hear me out. Or you get Draco Malfoy from Barb's trilogy where he's sterile and you bring him in. Did someone say Draco Malfoy? Uh, So he comes into service for a week weekly to make sure Yes. (laughs) You make it sound like it's a car. (laughs) (laughs) You gotta take her in to get service. I said relieve her tensions. That's much, much, much nicer than... So here's the thing. Yes. Mike was also of the belief that the reason Slytherin walks out, it doesn't have anything to do with Muggleborns because Slytherin is a fine, upstanding young man who would never, ever be so mean. Because that, that is absolutely said, correct. Carry on. Note that I said Slytherin has gone a little bit insane because his heart is breaking into 20,000 little pieces. And he has indeed gone, you people are insane and crazy for letting the Muggleborns in here. They're going to kill us all. <laughs> so he is trying to go off to be by himself. He is watching the Muggles with his beady little eyes go and make sure that they don't contaminate 
the rest of them because he was the one who found Rhiannon, who was burnt alive by muggles. So while I don't agree with his ideas that the muggles are all dangerous and bad and everything. Since I you can are see, yourself a muggle. <laughs> I think it's been done really well and logically in the fic why he thinks that muggles are actually a danger to him and to his because family and the people that he cares about because they are. And so he is going off to be alone because he can't stand the sight of the people playing happy families and everything. And he's trying to find a way to rid the castle of muggle-borns because he thinks that that will protect the people that he loves. Right. So yeah. he is just trying nuts right now. Yeah, no, I just have a question here, and I'm wondering what everyone thinks. Now, I obviously didn't finish the chapters for tonight, but the one thing I thought was when he finds his niece, it's one of those scenes where you, you love the character of his niece, and you get so personally involved in the story that you can picture if you were in that position, and there was an angry mob, and they're literally burning your niece on the stake, and you have a wand, you would do anything, like if you had a gun, you would shoot everyone there just to protect your niece, and that's perfectly valid and reasonable thing to do, because you have a split second to think and you're and you're outnumbered and you have to use whatever you have and then like the moment's over and he's holding her and she's dying and everyone's dead around him because he was so violently angry for that moment i thought that was so cool not obviously you know the, the impact but i thought that was so great that it showed salazar slytherin you know you would picture if you were to write a story like this that slytherin would be like the evil guy in the corner like twiddling his thumbs the whole time trying to kill everybody like beat them over the head and stuff and he's a really good character. And then this happens to him. And it's not that he hates Muggleborns because of blood purity issues. And it's not what you would expect Salazar Slytherin to be like. It's that he wants to protect the witches and the wizards and the magical community from these animals who did this to his niece. And what I thought was a little disappointing was that that moment passed and it was sad and everyone was very upset. And, you know, the little girl's brother says something for you know his son when he's born and does the little blessing. But I would have loved at that moment for Slytherin to snap and say, we have to get rid of the Muggleborns. We can't have Muggleborns here at all. And they, it would have required reworking the story a little bit, but I thought that would have been the best moment to do it. Oh, you know, it, he does snap a bit later, though. I like it the way it has been because he's built up a bit more. It's been simmering under the surface. And so he's got things to distract him because they're still fighting against Ambrosius and the wedding and the babies. And so he's, he's a bit distracted with it. And so what happens is it's not until all these things are built up that he does snap. Okay. So I think it can work both ways. I thought the catalyst was great because it would be like if you're from the future and you find out that, say, like the United States suspended all civil liberties at one point because one person had that idea. And you think to yourself, this must have been a terrible person who would think that. I can't even get in the mind of a person who would do that. But then you go back in time and you read this prequel story and you find out it was the day after 9-11 and there was actually an event that prompted that emotional reaction. The closer you are to that event, the more you can buy into the fact that people just do crazy things. But if you have enough time to think about it sometimes you, you almost need that catalyst or else the, it becomes a little stereotypical and a little harder to i was actually wondering too because you had the scenes earlier where when slytherin sees his his sister and his, and his brother-in-law and they go over the whole thing about you would rather your you know risk your nieces and your nephews you know for your own life i would have loved to have seen a scene there where they deal with the fact that because they made this choice to start the school and come into their lives their daughter is dead and maybe she would have died anyway but i was interested in seeing more fallout there i feel like the fallout maybe just got pushed off a little too far but i'm not there yet so i really can't uh see i didn't want fallout there 
because this way they're all united when it comes time for the battle. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they if they sit there and go, oh, it's all your fault, you started this school and stuff, it just divides them. And I think that and then they wouldn't no have been able to. There was no way they would have been able. Yeah. There was no way they would yeah. have been able to defeat Ambrosius, and we wouldn't have a cannon. Oops. <laughs> I don't want to say that I disagree with you, Ryan, because to a point I do, but I am a little more. How do I say this without offending anyone? You can. I st- just go for it. Yeah, I still think Salazar. <laughs> we apologize. Big- yeah, apologize if it's. I still think Salazar's a big fat jackass for everything he did in here because. Oh, he is a complete. He is so mean to Helga, and he says yes. nasty things. You were about to say a bad word. What were you going to say? You stopped yourself at the last possible second. Keza doesn't hey. say bad words. Keza was about hey, to. You. I was about I to say she- a big word. No, I wasn't. To- you're like he is such a. <laughs> Bad man. <laughs> no, but he's, wow. he says, what, what was the thing he said to Helga? He's just, I can't remember what it was, but she just, can you remember what it was, Rena? I can't remember. But yeah, basically yeah. when he's talking about muggle-borns and stuff. Yeah, and yeah. He, and he said something about muggle-borns and he has to basically turn around and go, oh, well, I didn't mean you, Helga, you're exempt and stuff. He's like making racist jokes and he's like everybody but you. Like, yeah. yeah. And that's what kind of bothered me about the whole thing is that I understand that he's upset and I understand that this happened, you know, but at the same time, everybody else, everybody else is able to look past all of the, you know, he is attributing the characteristics of the muggles at that point to the muggle born wizards. Yeah. And he is damning this entire group of people. Exactly. Yeah. And everybody else, to- even though they all have this connection to Rihanna and everybody loved her and, you know, everybody was shocked by it and everybody else has even had, you know, I mean, my God, Rowena's father was killed by Muggles. Yeah. You know, yeah. she has just as much reason to have that same feeling, but she understands that it's not helping I anything. Guess- I guess this is just showing how there are, for some people, who that becomes the issue. And, and for right. Slytherin, this has become the issue, and he can't live with it. He can't get past it. And yeah. he has turned it into something that other people, they're going, oh, you know how it's anything. You can pick anything today that, that you'll get a group of people who will just be like, we can overcome this. This is a sad thing to happen, and now we're going to judge everybody else on their merits because they're not all bad. And then you've got this one person sitting there going, no, nope, they're all bad. You know, like maybe all black kids are in gangs and they don't give any of them a chance and they just assume that they're all bad. People do that here with the indigenous community. They're just like, oh, well, they're Aboriginal, therefore they must be drunk and unemployed. And there are people out there who do that now that just judge an entire group of people on what some people have done, you know, on the basis of nothing right throughout the whole story even they never come out and say that salazar never particularly cared for muggles to begin with but you get the feeling like if he would have known if helga had not been discovered as a witch before he met her i get the feeling that he wouldn't have even allowed for her to come with them even as a witch the fact that it's muggles that kill Brianna that explains the hatred he would feel as the dogs attack Brianna. you know that explains the hatred he would feel towards the muggles but it's like that extension then towards the muggle borns that's the part that you don't see the logical leap or the understandable leap so it just almost comes out that well he must just be a jackass even though you, yeah. know, you can kind of understand where he, where he comes to that point it's actually funny I was just watching um, 
I have Hulu now, so it's changed my life. I was just watching a rerun <laughs> of Picket Fences by David E. Kelly. Oh, that was it? such a good it show. It was such a good show. Now, the plot of the show is that the main character is um, Tom Skerritt plays the town sheriff, and uh, Kathy Baker plays his wife, the town doctor. And it's this episode where the bully at school beats up the sheriff's son, or he dunks his head in a toilet at school or whatever. So the sheriff's son, he takes a um, potato gun and shoots a potato at the kid's car, and the kid ends up, like, flipping over and getting paralyzed. So then the kid who just got paralyzed, younger brother, takes his dad's gun and shoots the sheriff's kid. So now you have this moment where, you know, everyone in the school has been traumatized. He shoots them in the middle of the classroom, and, you know, the the younger kid's on trial, and, and, you know, the older kid and the bully are both in surgery, and, you know, will they ever walk again? Will they live? And this is awful, awful story. And you have the town mayor saying, we're going to suspend civil liberties and we're going to control what our kids can watch on tv and we're going to do lockdowns on the internet and we're going to basically lock the town down because we think there's all these evil influences coming in and we're searching every locker and we're searching every home and we're taking all the guns and we're, we're having this reaction because we want to save our small community and you have the sheriff whose kid just got shot and his reaction to the whole thing is you can't do that this this town is where we have civil liberties and and we can't overreact to things and there's this moment where you know the mayor and the and the sheriff come head to head and the the judge you know in, in this trial that comes up even stands up and says he his kid got shot if anyone deserves to overreact it's him and he's the only one who's not everyone else's and it just reminds me of what we were just talking about. You have Rowena whose dad is burned at the stake and you have, you know, Salazar is the one who wants to rid the world of muggles and rid the world of muggle-borns and keep them separated. And even though he doesn't have the most personal reaction to it, some people just respond in weird ways. But I just wish that in this case it was more justified why he extends it to the muggle-borns. Well, he's going insane. Well, there's that. It's not necessarily a logical leap. And when you're acting emotionally, you don't always act rationally. That's true. true. I don't think there has to be a logical reason for Salazar to act this way. I think that sometimes it seems logical to you. Like, even if the rest of the world standing there is going, you are completely... I've done that. Like, Mike is a classic example. He will make (laughs) a logical leap from one point to another, and we're all sitting there scratching our heads, and he's going, it's perfectly logical, and we just have to pat him on the head and move on because we don't see it. And that's what I'm saying. Within Salazar's mind, he probably sees this as very logical. But I also think that he's going completely nuts because what's happening at the end of Chapter 24 is he's starting to create the chamber. And because it's written in his point of view, that particular chapter, you can sort of start to see his mind going. He doesn't see things how they really are. And he is so twisted up over the fact that he ditched Helga and she went off and found herself someone else and the thing is reading through the thing when Helga talks to Rowena she's like well you know I'm happy to wait for him but if he doesn't want me I'm happy to let him go and I'll move on to somewhere else so when he let her go she kind of went right well I've been waiting he said he didn't want me so I'm going to go find someone else and that's a perfectly logical thing for her to do and Salazar's sitting there going why has she gone to find somebody else this doesn't make any sense but I mean he dumped her so it makes perfect sense right I actually was having a great deal of difficulty until you (laughs) <laughs> Rena has still not found her mute button. Because my microphone does not work, so I have to use the mic on the computer, which means if you're down here watching the game and you make any noise, they're going to hear it. Well, I think we can hear her too, though. I don't think she's realized that yet. <laughs> but the one thing it's I... It's Thursday. Was... <laughs> on Thursday. Okay, I'm back. You were here the whole time. The mute button wasn't working. <laughs> 
Really? Yeah. He's like, it's yep. Thursday! Thursday! <laughs> Why are they going to hear Podcast you? Things on Thursday! Do not blaspheme! Well, <laughs> you know. The favorite part was keeping down, they're going to hear you. I'm like, it's alright. <laughs> um, I wasn't understanding the story until you compared it to Mike, and now I'm fine. <laughs> Salazar is like Mike. It makes sense to him. And you know what? It's exactly. Now, it's now realistic. And I can, wow, you know, it, it totally makes sense. I guess it could it's, happen. I mean, stranger things have I happened. Feel like, feel like it all depends on what paradigm you're in. Exactly. Or paradigm. 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 If you have to go like recruit a new viewer to Battlestar Galactica, you're going to open with, please watch it. Her hand isn't deformed. <laughs> well, well, the only picture Rinna has seen is the cover of that book, and it looks like she's got about eight fingers. Well, why don't you, in one sentence, try and sell it to Rinna? Okay. Rinna, you like yeah. Lost, right? Yeah. Oh, 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 I know how to do this. Oh, do it, do it. Are you a fan of Charlie in the Towel, Rinna? <laughs> Seriously? Not as much as some, but yes. Leah Dama gets around in a towel. At some point, I haven't come across it yet, but oh, I am uh, waiting for that uh, moment. She meant, she meant, oh, she meant that. I thought you were saying, I thought you said Charlie in the town, and I thought this was some other show I'd never heard of. <laughs> no, 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 when I said to Jed Two, I'm like, Ryan is trying to make me watch Battlestar Galactica. I don't know if I want to do this. He's trying to force me. Maybe we can't be friends anymore. Jen Two said, Keza. Hang on, wait, I know something that will help. And she showed me a picture of Leah Dahmer in a towel, and I was sold. (laughs) (laughs) Season two, like episode eight. Fair enough. Sorry. That is actually a lovely thing. Convince her with actual words and not blatant sexual references. He's British, well, too. Well, you can't tell he's British because of the way he talks. That's he talks true. like... Is he, he British? Talks. Is Leah Dama British? Leah Dama is the most British guy you'll ever meet. Huh. He does There's a very a new good accent. Your brain. Wow. And so is the I, guy from Flash Forward. He's even worse. Blows my mind how they do that. Well, his accent Oh, is Joseph Fiennes? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, he and the woman both. They're both British, and that just freaks me out. Who's the, Wait, hold on, who's, who's the woman? His wife. His wife? Oh my gosh, why didn't they make them British? She's British? Why yes. didn't they just say they're British? She because... is not. Yes, she is. She is? She what was Penny on Lost. Oh, oh, she's been British all this time? <laughs> you make it sound like... Ryan, they... I thought the one from Lost was the one... Who's v... who's the mother on That's v? Juliet. This is Penny. They look so much alike, that's confusing. Penny, I'd forgotten that. Yeah, yeah, wait a minute. Why didn't they just make them a a British couple? Who knows? Because they couldn't get a British little kid. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I forgot I was finishing sharing Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yes, P.S. Sorry. Okay, so it is the best story I have ever heard. And you haven't even finished it yet. It has all of the character development of Lost with also some nice plot twists. Nice. Rina, and it's like got Soul Tie and she's completely in love with him. That's really awesome. Rina, did you like Deep Space Nine? <laughs> yes. It's written by the guy who brought you Deep Space Nine. Oh, okay. It is so much better than Deep Space Nine. It's so much better than everything ever that ever existed. Yes. Well, well I think Rina has to watch it. Can we mail Rina Battlestar Galactica? Is that possible? Can we do that? <laughs> by the Middle Ages mail. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Well, the thing that cracked me up is it's been five years since they've seen Rosalind, and yes, I am picturing Laura Rosalind in my head wearing, like, a kills of some kind. Oh, by the way, also, FYI, an update on Laura's hand. I think she has her hands clasped. I don't think she has eight fingers. I think her hands are clasped. Well, I'm glad that we got to the bottom of that one, so let me know when the... the, Of course, of course, it's rather distressing that we can't see her other arm. Emma Watson's apparently an amputee, if you were following... Yes, I saw that. Yes, that was awesome. Wait, what? She took a photo with her brother, but the way her leg was in relation to his leg, it looked like she was missing a foot. This is starting to really bother me, because no matter how you draw this picture, we should be able to see Laura's other arm. Okay, I want you to... Speaking of drawing, speaking of drawing, Death Row has a very good point about drawing in the fic. Yes, I very much liked that Salazar (laughs) painted the coat of arms, and this answers the question we've always had about who the wizarding artists are. They're Slytherins, of course. (laughs) (laughs) The question I want to have answered to me is who the hell wrote Hogwarts a history? Because they tell me every damn chapter, no one knows. Author unknown. (laughs) It was was me. You wrote Hogwarts a history. (laughs) She went back in time and wrote Hogwarts I'm PS's beta, so I should have known this. No, the thing I thought was great is, okay, Roslyn Ravenclaw. Laura Roslyn Ravenclaw. Stop saying Roslyn. It's Rosalind, not Roslyn. tell it to my text reader, all right? One arm. So so Laura Roslyn Ravenclaw is out there somewhere. Now, they are in the witness protection program. They open their school. We cannot possibly talk to her. She's so far away so far away that we haven't talked to her in five years. Now, she shows up at the school and Rowan is, Mommy! And runs over and they have this this very meaningful meaningful embrace and everything. Which you have just totally, totally which ruined totally, all the which sentimentality I, of that It was moment. very yeah. sentimental. It was actually really cute, too, because then as soon as she mentioned that she mastered apparition, Rosalind's like, ooh, really? Now, did you repeat the spells? Or did you... Like, she totally geeks out. It was great. <laughs> well, I immediately <laughs> wondered what subject she was going to start teaching. Exactly. Just have apparition. everyone move into the castle. So then, and she have... just goes back home. I was so disappointed. I'm just like, it took her five years. Five years to get there. Now it's the Middle Ages. Remember when, like in the in the United States, if you had an election in November, you didn't swear the new guy until March because it took five months on horseback to get to Washington to get sworn in. So we're talking like very long distance. I'm picturing like Laura Rosalind Ravenclaw climbing up over mountains and, you know, you know, just like she's hard to do with one hand with one hand. And she's like fighting through the brush with a sword to get through because it's because it's not cultivated. There's no roads yet. This is where, where she is. They don't need roads. Hey, Doc, we better back up. We don't have enough roads to get up to 88 roads. Well, we're going. We don't need roads. And then you find out that her daughter is going to give birth, and we and we need you right away. She gets there in five days. It took her yeah. five years the first time. I'm like, wow. Like, you'd think she could come every weekend if it took her that short amount of time to get there. Yeah, I don't know. What? I don't know. What? We're talking Hello, about I'm the Karen's tits. Look at the book cover. Oh, my God. Oh, she oh is the goodness. most amazing. Why is it always me? Why is it never Chi? You never talk about Chi's breasts. He has his breasts are a fixture of Parfait Weekly. I mean, I went. I don't know what it is about this fic, right? It's a really, really good fic, and we're all enjoying it very, very much. And yet, we cannot seem to talk about it for more than two minutes. I've never. Well, I agree with you, and I've actually never heard P.S. use the word tit before, so I'm just amazed by that. Death Row used the word tits. 
I just think I think her bra must be amazing. I was actually quoting Jen too from when we were discussing Psychic Serpent. Hello, I'm Hermione's tits. Oh, you clever <laughs> thing. Yeah, her, Hermione had... of Hermione, does not Godric and Rowena's relationship remind you of Ron and Hermione, as Deathrow has said? Because oh, yes. I was going to say that, and then Deathrow said it, so now I know what I'm thinking in my head is logic. Not like Mike logic, but real logic. Yes, <laughs> I actually real saw logic. a lot of Harry Sense. and Ginny in there, because Rowena yes, has I red hair, too. and she blows up and oh, yells a lot. That reminds me, the bilious guy. Like, I kept thinking the guy guy was Baltar, right? And that kept, kept yeah. throwing me off, so I concentrated <laughs> on Billy's. <laughs> Billy! <laughs> <laughs> Does anyone else think that Lord Billius is Weasley dude? Yes. Yeah. Because he's, he's got really red hair and his name's Billius and he's like tall and wiry, not unlike Arthur Weasley. Yeah, I, was, I guess I just figured that that's where his connection was. Well, just, I was the only one who figured out where Hagrid's hut was, so I... I no, you were not. I then did, I guess I they just called too. it the no, hut because you're, you're Hagrid not. wasn't born yet. The so hut. They just called it. Like I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> Let's see how much we can cram into here. <laughs> Are there any other random fandom we want to discuss at this point? <laughs> so there's one time still... on Babylon 5. Oh, right. good show. Good show. All right, I'm going through the chapters now, and I'm going to pull out every little thing I wanted to say. Well, I, I will share this hysterical line from chapter 17. Quote, And then there was she, Helga the Muggleborn. Unlike her friends, she knew that not all people possessed the characteristics they favored. She did not badger the students into doing things above their abilities. <laughs> Get it? Because she's a badger. It was very, very bad. It was the part where they're talking about who took what students and whatever. Yeah, but well, do you know what? That makes it sound like Hufflepuff is full of special needs kids. <laughs> well, it is handicapped accessible. It, it is handicapped. It's all on one floor. We got ramps everywhere. It's crazy. That is true. <laughs> it's like they're going down the list of explaining things. Chapter 16, let's explain why the stairs moved. Chapter 17, where houses came from. And it was great the way it came. It's like Rowena comes in. We need to close the school. Because in the last chapter, they needed to close the school because the hallways kept moving. And that meant the bad yes. guys were coming. So we need to close the school. Why? My kids won't learn, and I'm a terrible teacher. Because they're, some of them are studious, and some of them are loyal, and some of them are brave, and some of them are calculating. I can't figure out what to do. <laughs> Damn it! If only there were a solution. I did kind you know of, what I like, that though? did kind of give me a little bit of pause when I read that. I was just like, okay. I think that's a bit of a cop out. But it's a little whatever. bit too convenient. <laughs> I but I really liked. I really liked how they said that the boys would misbehave for the women when they were teaching, and the girls would go all quiet when it was the men teaching. This I mean, that's good. more culturally for the time period. That would be more. You know, women were not taught to be. You know what I'm going at. They weren't taught yeah, to yeah. be outgoing around men at that well, point. Well, it's like in the girls are cooing over the baby and the guys are standing in the back of the room going, dude, what's up? Because <laughs> they don't want to look weaker. <laughs> well, I love the part where they're all meeting with Mama Gryffindor in town and all the kids get to the Great Hall in the morning and it's written in the air above them. Listen, we're not here. We're very busy. You will study or you will be killed. <laughs> I love how it's written. <laughs> and don't it's think written. about that. We will know. <laughs> I know everything that you do. Signed, The Heads. Yeah. The Heads. <laughs> well, I was trying to figure out, I'm like, who's in charge now? Like, technically, it's like they're all The Heads. 
They are. They're all called headmaster and headmistress. Headmistress Ravenclaw and headmistress. But see, if they're the head, doesn't headmistress imply there's some other mistress? It's like Chronicles of Narnia where you had the kings and queens. Hey, I've just thought of something. You know that thing they were talking about, the firstborns, and how when the firstborn gets married, they take, if it's a girl, they take the name of the husband and then the blessings and privileges and rights or whatever of firstborn move to the next child in the line. Yep. How is she still Rowena Ravenclaw? Shouldn't she be Rowena Gryffindor now? Because they got married and she should have taken his name as per the custom. Or is it take a she drink. didn't take his name? It's because she, she she, she's too famous or something. But is the fact that she didn't take the name relevant? I think it is because the way I read that segment, I was like, oh, it's her choice to take his name or not. She's like oh, a lawyer, okay. and she doesn't want to take his name because it will ruin all of her stationery. Well, see, it doesn't bother me that she didn't take her name. I just had read that, as in when the women got married, they did take the name. But it would obviously, screw up the canon. It would. Salazar, Slytherin, Hufflepuff. I forgot this wasn't canon, right? So she's pregnant, and she's going to have this kid, and I'm like, yeah, it's a letter. And it comes out, it's a boy. I'm like, that's wrong. <laughs> Ryan grew up to have a <laughs> Exactly. Little Ryan's born. He has a penis. Kaz is like, that's not right. He's not supposed to have that doll. But then I thought, oh, just because Helena was the child doesn't mean that she didn't have any siblings. So I was like, oh, that's okay. Then she gets pregnant again. I'm like, oh, she's going to have a girl and they're going to call it Helena. And then they didn't call it Helena. And then they couldn't have any more. I'm like, but. But what happened to Helena? And I had to remind myself <laughs> that it wasn't canon. Ryan has an affair with a bloody baron, and it all evens out. <laughs> all right. Oh, you added. But see, that's how much that's how much I enjoy this fic, and how much like we were. I think we said it last week or something. It, it is canon. Like I can't read another founder's fic because this is the way it happened. Well, it's not that really got- is good. Sorry? It's you're gonna read another yeah. one, and you're gonna see Helga walking around with her pet badger, and Rowena walking around <laughs> reading her book, and she can't see anything because the book is so huge. This actually <laughs> makes me want to read more founders fix because now I'm just curious to see more. Uh, you know, to see how they stack up exactly. To see other interpretations. Well, that's what it is. This is the standard for you because this was done well, and it's not cheesy. It's not cliche. Right. Hi, editor. P.S. Again. There was a little issue with this portion of the podcast. So here's a dramatic reading from Harry Potter and the Sword of the Hero. The ground was soaked red with the blood of the dead. A cool breeze blew through the stones as the crescent moon swam overhead. (laughs) Nothing broke the immense silence that hung over the entire land. It was here, on opposite sides of the circle, that two enemies prepared for the final showdown. Only one would be leaving Stonehenge alive. It was foolish of you to come, Gryffindor. You have led many to their death. My brothers have died honorably fighting your servant, Slytherin, though it is a pity I will be the only one returning. Gryffindor looked sadly at his fallen friends. So many dead. Anger rippled across the face of Salazar Slytherin. You know not of what you speak. My power far exceeds your own. I have created a curse that causes more pain than any other. It will be your end. Gryffindor remained calm as Slytherin threatened him. I fear no death. Slytherin now smiled. Very well, Godric. Then let us duel. 
Godric Gryffindor and Salazar Slytherin raised their wands and bowed to each other. Once old friends, now mortal enemies. Godric tried to forget the time spent as friends and tried to think of the death that the man in front of him had caused. The countless torture of muggles and muggleborns, all because of his prejudice over the purity of blood. This had to end now, and he was the only one brave enough to do it. The line must be drawn here. Whoa, that's not what I have. I have the wrong version. <laughs> what did you say? You're supposed to say about the Slytherin was quick to get on the offensive. As soon as the bow was over, he attacked. Avada Kedavra! Gryffindor jumped to the side and landed hard on his back. The curse <gasps> hit ancient stones behind him. Nothing happened to the stone, which was strange, because that curse should have destroyed it. Gryffindor <laughs> didn't have to think about this, though. Rising to his feet, he counterattacked. Reducto! The ground around Slytherin exploded and sent him flying backwards. He landed on soft grass. You will have to do better than that, old friend. Baited Slytherin. Our friendship ended a long time ago, Salazar. The part of you I once called friend is dead, replied Gryffindor, a fierce light in his eyes. The two of them circled each other. Gryffindor walked left, his eyes never leaving Slytherin, who walked right. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That's Harry and Voldemort. <laughs> they, they would it would have been much better if they both walked other. in the same direction and hit each other. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Oh, crap. I just closed a window. Don't you hate it when you do that and you don't even remember what it was? Oh, dear. For a second there, I thought you were talking about a window in the room, and I'm going... No, 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 no. that no, a problem? No. <laughs> I hate Oh, is this P.S.'s story where she got stuck in a pane of glass or whatever happened? That was last week. She tried to no, walk out of... No, it happened again. Happened. Rina, it happened again. <laughs> no, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. Ryan is... I, every time I see an ambulance and a fire engine speed past my house... Blowing out of that. proportion. Do you want me to tell the story? Tell the story. What happened to me? Yeah. Okay. Last weekend... Not long after I had tried to exit the library via the window, (laughs) I was returning home to my dwelling, my apartment dwelling, which has sliding doors on the front of it, automatic sliding doors. And usually they'll open for you when you stand in front of them because that's what they're trained to do. That's their job. I walk up sound like they're trained ponies or something. Okay, it's already open, okay? So I'm like, okay, this is unusual. This is not how it usually goes. There's, It's not doing what it's supposed to do. It slammed shut on you, didn't it? Then as I am passing through the door, it closes on me and slams me into the jet door jam. Oh, dear. <laughs> is it like the Star Trek doors where they like open in the middle and then they close towards no, the elevator it opens, doors? No, it opens across itself. Like, you know, like, <laughs> Oh, so you got pushed. Yes, towards- I got <laughs> got pushed into the wall. Like, it actually really hurt, and I was slightly dazed. <laughs> Did it hit you in the head? Oh, yeah. bless. It hit me in the head. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't mean to laugh, but... I'm, yes, I'm you g- do. I'm gonna laugh, because that's pretty bad. You, it was on Sunday, so I'm better now. <laughs> it's been five days. You're yeah. just now back to work, and you just act out like... Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. I, don't mean, I don't mean She to unwrapped laugh. the bandages yesterday. I, I, don't, I don't mean to laugh, but... Well, yes, I do. Okay. 
Jethro, I'm not sure where he went. I believe Rena may have, like, sent Jethro, him this... Jethro just posted on the forums, so he's alive. Where the hell is he? On the computer. Was he not down for tonight? Maybe it's just me. I do not know. Uh, he could be anywhere, really. Well, maybe he's celebrating the one-week anniversary of the Scott Brown victory. He really could be anywhere. <laughs> Keza, did you Keza, say you're in the, Keza, you're in the dryer. No, you're oh, not sorry. in the dryer. I'll... You're in our Antarctica. There we go. I fixed it now. How are I you, had my, Have you I had kids my gone back to school? Oh my god, that was like everyone asking Keza a question simultaneously. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear any of it. I said, have your kids gone back to school? They have. Congratulations. They went back uh, Wednesday. Now, is this ha- a relief? Um, yes, it is. <laughs> I still, I'm just like very dazed at the moment. I've got too many things on. Did a door plate. close on you? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Scott, I have to say this is like the best we've ever heard you. Oh, there you go. You still sound like you're in 1955, but we can live with that. <laughs> All right. Strange. So good luck with the intro. Oh, will there ever be again a podcast quite like this? One brought us together and started its own forum list Where the hosts are all our friends All the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend Part of it weekly where the story never ends mm-hmm. And welcome back to Parfic Weekly, this is Ryan I'm P.S. This is Rena. I'm Keza I'm Scott Holy crap, did you hear that? <laughs> what episode is this, like 108 and we finally got the damn thing down? I think it's 104 I don't know what that You're calling it 103.5. I have no idea why you're calling it. It's 103.5, that. that's what it is. Yeah. It's 103.5. It's actually the second half of 104, but who's counting? And we were doing fine, and then Mrs. Huggles, in a fit of rage, just threw a comb across the house. So, other than that, it was a flawless opening, and I'm proud of each and every one of you, including Scott, who is in 1955. <laughs> what can you say? It's a good year. Hey, that was the year my parents were born. <laughs> Scott could be your father. Ooh, how's that for Sweeps Week? Rin is a Canadian. <laughs> I know, I, I see potential. I see potential. All right, so we are here to do the final episode. Well, actually, aren't we merging this with the episode from last yeah, week? so this is the second half. So basically, the people listening to this right now have already sat through, like, us drunk doing our read of have, The Soul they, of they, the they, Hero. They have sat through my drunk laughter, so now I'm sober. So we are resuming <laughs> our discussion. Wait a minute, P.S., you were really drunk last week? I was really drunk. It's very... Very difficult to tell the difference. <laughs> She's denying it up and down. I thought she was kidding. No, that was actually <laughs> drunk. I actually was drunk. And I'm actually going to hype the episode as we're all drunk. I don't 
drink those. Neither so. do I. I'm drinking hazelnut coffee extra bold at the moment, but you'll never be extra able to bold. Know. How do you make coffee extra bold? I have a Keurig thing, and Danielle and I trekked like how far did we go? Like an hour away from our house to uh, to a store that sells little pods to a magical faraway land called Merrimack, as she's describing it. And we uh, got all these different pods, and some of them are kind of weak, and some of them are medium. I got the hazelnut extra bold one, so I'm going to be up talking to Keza all day now because it's daytime for her. <laughs> all right, so we are resuming our discussion of the final chapters of Tale of a Time Long Gone by Star of the North. Now, you may have noticed earlier in tonight's podcast uh, several things. Number one, I didn't know how it ended. Number two, I didn't seem to know there was a battle. Number three, I didn't seem to really know what was going on with Salazar or Helga. And number four, P.S. was very drunk and she was getting smacked by a door. Number five, she had no idea she was about to get smacked by another door the following day. And number six, we were we were we were laughing and we were joking and we and we had difficulty focusing. We all had ADHD for the evening. Now, fortunately, we're we're medicated to the brim and we're back and we know how the thick ends and we're ready to discuss the final chapters i just want to say i finished the story today and i was listening to the final chapters in the car on my way home and i was weepy it was so good i was so excited that i was in a daze much like p.s when she got slammed by a door going into her condo building just the other day i was so weepy that i'm throwing my phone into my man purse and i'm throwing my ipod and i'm just walking into the house not realizing my phone dialed and it called my uncle so i'm walking into my house and i'm trying to get the door open and danielle's inside and danielle had a migraine earlier today so danielle's asleep so she has the entire house very dark and all the shades are drawn. So I'm thinking Danielle's not home yet, but her car was in the driveway. So where is Danielle? Is she dead? Where is she? Is she being kidnapped? <laughs> what is going on here? So I open the door and I'm like, hello? <laughs> and I hear back, hello? And it's a man's <laughs> voice, which makes me a little nervous. I'm like, Who, who's there? And you hear, Uncle Bob. <laughs> I'm like, what? My phone dialed my uncle in the man purse. All he hears is rummaging with keys and hello. So he thinks I'm being killed. I think Danielle's being killed. I'm walking around. So then I finally reach Now I'm trying to get the phone out of the bag to talk to him. They're like, Bob? So I'm trying to get the phone out of the bag. Now he thinks I'm like struggling with the killer. <laughs> because the phone is wrestling around. So I finally get him straightened away, and I hang up on him. And I'm like, where the hell is Danielle? And I hear, hi! I'm like, ah! Because she was sleeping right in front of me, but it was so dark I didn't see her laying okay. right there. I have to tell, this is a story about my father. And when you hear this story, I think you're going to know where I get some of me you, from. Uh, okay. Yeah. Now, my father likes to play tricks on telemarketers and such. He also doesn't like to read the caller ID display before he answers. So one day, I called him, called his cell phone, and he answers. <laughs> and instead of saying hello, he starts making <laughs> these <laughs> robot noises because he thinks it's a telemarketer. And you're thinking Dad's having a stroke. <laughs> yes, I thought he was <laughs> crashing his car because he was in the car and he would like he like would hold the phone up to the radio. He would like you know make noises into it. 
That happened and, once to me, and it was actually my mother crashing the car. So I know what that sounds like, and it's it's a scary thing to hear. It is, and I was terrified. I was screaming at him, and he, <laughs> I had no idea what was going on. Danielle's mother, I don't know why Danielle's mother has a telephone, because she never answers it, because she's afraid it could be a telemarketer. Like, I'm not really sure. I think that's going too far. But the thing with telemarketers is, correct me if I'm wrong, if, if a telemarketer calls you, they can't hang up on you. Once you hang up on them, it just it dials another call. So her game is keep them on the phone as long as possible so they can't make any sales. So a telemarketer called her once, and she got it was it was a female telemarketer, and she's like, "You're that bitch that's sleeping with my husband, aren't you?" And she <laughs> lays into them, okay. and then she then she's like, "I'm going to talk to him right now, and I swear to God, if I hear your name, I'm gonna kill." And she does this entire thing. Oh my she, like, god! She I'm leaves so the phone. And she leaves I'm the phone off the hook for like so an hour, and the telemarketer is like, "I don't know if they can." I assume at some point they can disconnect the call. But the, I am going to do that next time, Ryan. You've given me a great idea. My mother, I told you on the podcast before, she's the woman that will call me 38 times, and I'll have 38 missed calls from her, and I'll be like, holy crap, half the family must have died. And I'll call her frantically, and she'll ask me to get her milk. And she just keeps getting redialed <laughs> to call me. One day, I had 38 missed calls, so I called her back, and it's, hello? Oh, crap! Look what you made me do! I crashed the car! So, it's <laughs> and then the other day she got her insurance um, rate for the year. She's like, "Why is my insurance so high?" I'm like, "Remember that three-year period where you hit everything that moved? That is why your insurance rate is so high." All right, enough I about my insurance. Oh, Rena, Rena though hit, got hit by a deer, so we're gonna go live to Rena. Rena, what do you got? Well, no, well, I did get hit by a deer once. Hey, and it was the story about the ninja deer. That's but what story. I was gonna I say story. is, I ran into a pole, or not really ran into, more like <laughs> scraped along the entire side of my vehicle. Okay, so you were in a car. Okay, it sounded like you just ran headfirst into a pole. <laughs> no, I was driving. That's something I would do. Oh yeah. No, I was driving to the pharmacy, and there's this pole that. I drive by all the time, and I just was not paying attention, and I drove not really into it, more like along it, (laughs) and it left seriously a three-foot-long and two-foot-wide scratch. Was it like that moment from Galaxy Quest where the guy scrapes the entire side of the ship up against the space dock as he's trying to pull it? Sort of, yeah. It was similar to that. I once hit the same guardrail twice in one day, so that's the most close (laughs) as I get. No, I did. I slid on ice, and I hit the thing, and then I'm driving back two hours later, and I slid on ice, and I went across (laughs) the highway. I'm like, no, no, no. I hit the same pole again, so it can happen. It's very upsetting when it does. So now I've got this huge scratch on the side of the car, and I have not decided if I'm going to try and tell Mr. Rinna about it or just wait and let him figure it out on his own. Well, it's like a three-foot dent in the side of the car. I mean, it's not like... See, my grandfather, the same man who likes to make robot noises at telemarketers, decided he was going to cover up his um, scraped paint job with some poster paint. Now, it's absolutely nothing the right shade. It it, it was red. I mean, it was a red car and it was red paint, but it was like bright red poster paint painted on the side of this red car. It had a dent the size of a basketball in it, too. He just tried to cover. He just painted inside the dent. What does your father do for work, if you don't mind my asking? He's in insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I need to tell you, I think he may suck at what he does, but I'm not sure. <laughs> not that kind. 
mind. I, okay, well, thank you, God. All right, all right. <laughs> Tale of a Time Long Gone. Now, I have many wonderful, wonderful things. I think it was a wonderful story. I think it's we're nearing the end of our little poofwa experience here. I think I'm I'm so glad we did this story. I have so many wonderful things to say, but I need to get the one thing that made me crack up out of the way first. Now. I copied all of the author's notes into my text reader, so I'm listening to the author's notes. And at one point, I'm sitting at my desk, and I'm just filing paperwork today so I could, I could listen all day, and I was so excited to do that. And at one of the, the author's notes, apparently she, Sarah the North, would publish every Tuesday near the end of the writing process for the last couple chapters, and she ended one of her notes with, See you next Tuesday! And it just made me laugh, and it just showed how juvenile I am that See you next Tuesday made me laugh. But it did, and I just wanted to open with that. Why, Why did Am oh, I missing something? Oh, you don't know the deal with See you next Tuesday? The expression, See you next Tuesday, is shorthand for a very bad word. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> All right. And what sorry. happens for me personally? I'm sorry, I'm stupid. Can somebody type type to me what is going on? All right, take. All right, see you next Tuesday. The leather suit. Oh. Now yeah. the now the reason I know this is I used to work in the grocery store and I used to have this older couple that worked with us. It was a husband and the wife, um, you know, team. I guess you could call them, and and they worked every. Tuesday and Thursday night with me, and on the Thursday night, I shouted across the store, Betty, see you next Tuesday, and they yelled at me. I'm like, I'm telling her I'll see her on Tuesday. So they said, you can never do that again, so I had to apologize to her the next Tuesday, and she laughed because she knew what it meant. So then when the day's over, I'm like, see you next Thursday. So that has always been a little joke. see you next Thursday would be the same. I know. That was the joke, because they told me not to say see you next Tuesday anymore. They never said anything about see you next Thursday. So when the thing said see you next Tuesday, I just started laughing at my text reader today, and it wasn't even that funny, but it was just, I don't, it clearly wasn't meant that way, but Danielle, for whatever reason... Ryan, stop drinking coffee right now. No. Danielle (laughs) is obsessed with Spongebob Squarepants, and she actually had me buy her one of the seasons on DVD, and there's an episode where Spongebob is annoying the hell out of his driving instructor who can't stand him, but he's oblivious and thinks that she loves him, so at the end of the driving lesson, he's like, see you next Tuesday! And that was obviously written for the parents of the kids to get a little chuckle out, which no one here seems to know about or get a chuckle out of. Okay, I'll say what I got a chuckle out of. What did you get a chuckle out of? Maeve is flat-chested because it's described she is lacking Helga's bouncy movements. Okay. <laughs> it cracked me up. So, so I'm amused by people who say acronyms for bad words, and you're amused by flat-chested women. You make me sound like a horrible person. You make me sound like a boring person, because I'm the only one who's getting this crap. Hold on. This is going to be a stupid question. This may be my text reader. Who was Maeve? His wife. Whose wife? Yeah, Salazar's wife. That's what the hell my text reader was trying to say all that time? What was it saying? Miave. I was trying to figure out who was going to Who the hell is no, Miave. 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 It was trying to say Miave. I'm like, ooh. <laughs> this is such a take from Maureen. Miave. Ooh. And now Maureen was the snake. Maureen was the I know, but it was... It's not... When you look at the snake, you don't think I name you Maureen. 
Maureen is what I call like my HR director. Didn't we talk about this last week? Yeah, this I seems mean, very. How is seems... Maureen any better than Sandy or Sal? Well, Sal was seemed like it was short for something. I think I don't remember. It's been a long. Um, Salazar. San, uh, uh, Sandy was short for. Cassandra. Cassandra, which was short oh, yeah, for she's Cassandra just Claire, head. which yeah, is Maureen, short for plagiarist. Blah. I don't know. And then we have... Well, maybe there's a deeper meaning behind Maureen. Let's let's try to find out. Uh, well, let's look into that. There may be a deeper meaning behind See You Next Tuesday and the fact that you got crushed with a door as well, but let's just leave that where it is. Now, just some points from the last set of chapters that we didn't get to. I really enjoyed the placement of the battle scene in the story because with most stories you would imagine that the big battle is at chapter 29 and chapter 30 is aftermath and then there's an epilogue so i like the fact that what i thought would be a story about the battle with the government and you know taking on town hall and all that good stuff was really like the middle of the story to like 60 percent of the way through the story and then everything after that point was the downfall of salazar slytherin and the, basically the hero building of all the other characters. So I, I really like the placement of that scene in the story. I agree with what you're saying, Ryan. And, I mean, it wasn't going to be possible for us to just have the battle and then the story end. There was always going to have to be more. They could have done it that way. It just would have been not good. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like... There needs to be the split oh, with yeah. Salazar to make any point for there to be a founder's story. Now, the question I have is, okay, the chapter that began with Aiden, which I really thought Aiden was going to die from the beginning of the chapter, just because, you know, this chapter is needed for the story to work, and it it just implied to me that, you know, like Aiden will adopt a puppy, and he'll donate a kidney to his best friend, and then he'll meet Salazar, and he'll be so excited, he'll walk up and hug him, and then it'll just kind of go downhill from there. So I I really enjoyed (laughs) Aiden's story. Now, let's play a game. The game is called How Dense is Ryan, okay? okay? Now, the scene next to is, I think, bombed, so I'm not going very well so far. So let's see if I can redeem myself. Now, the thing that Joe Rowling apparently blew out of the water, but she decided to keep in the story, is the fact that Harry is a descendant of Godric Gryffindor? Oh. I think so. Yeah, I think That's, so. I was wondering what this was that she was saying. It took me a while His to get it. Mary and then Aiden I was like, Aiden yeah. the Potter, oh, and then he hooked up with What's-Her-Face. So. It took me like four or five chapters after they'd been calling him Aiden the Potter's son for like five or six chapters to go, oh! Well, here's the thing. No, 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 here's the thing. How dumb are you? I needed her to introduce herself as Caridwin Gryffindor before I realized it because I forgot that it seemed like she was closer to her mother, so I assume, I associated her more with Ravenclaw, even though Gryffindor is equally her parent. Uh, this is how stupid I am. I'm still on the high from catching that the original house was Hagrid's hut, so I, I'm feeling pretty good <laughs> about myself. So I'm jotting down notes for the chapter, and I'm like, can they call him Aiden the Potter's son one more time during the damn wedding? Because is this like saying, like, seriously, this is like, you know, do, do, do you, Rinna, you know, Daughter of whatever, you know, heiress of the holy chalice of the thing, Hyatt, whatever. It made us that. And to you, Bob, accountant. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's like, can you mention, the, like, to you, Aiden, son of trash collector? Like, how much more can you remind us that he is into pottery? And I'm thinking, pottery. That sounds familiar. <laughs> That's Harry's last name, isn't it? Oh. It took me till the wedding chapter as well. 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> You're like my. I'm going to tell another father story. Oh God! It's like my father has not seen the new Battlestar Galactica, but he's seen the old one. But he has seen the first episode of Caprica anyway. And after watching it, he goes Adama. For, for, hold on, for Kez's benefit. For Kez's benefit, Caprica is the prequel to Battlestar Galactica, and it involves Adama when he's eleven. No, like, I, I had briefed it to him in terms he could understand. I was like, okay, this is like 50 years before. I mean, it's basically the same thing. It translates well enough. And then he goes, he looks at me and goes, Adama, wasn't he the guy from Battlestar Galactica? That's the point, Dad! That's the point! <laughs> this, this is, although my brother-in-law also missed that, and he has watched the entire series. So maybe it was just very cleverly hidden in the plot. <laughs> so I'm sitting here, I'm like, Aiden, son of the potter. And I'm like... Uh-oh. Here's the deal. If she hadn't mentioned it in the author's note, I would feel so proud of myself right now. But now I just feel like an idiot for not getting oh, that. You know what I'm an idiot for? What's that? I only skim the author's notes. And I latched onto what she said. JKR has trampled out one of my favorite theories on which I had somehow based the name or rather title of the new character. When she said new character, I assumed she meant... When JKR had put out this sample of Half-Blood Prince that had a description of Rufus in it. So I assume she was talking about that new character. Oh, I got to the end of the chapter going, who was the new character again? And I, <laughs> I, yeah, I assumed the whole time the new character was talking about the canon, the new canon character. So oh, I was expecting but- to see like some reference to Rufus. Well, I'm sitting there going, Aiden, what's wrong with Aiden? Why is that controversial? Or he's <laughs> young McLagan going off for his first year at Hogwarts. Well, then I didn't know when the story was written, so then I'm like, you know, young Elven Dork, son of the father, was getting ready to go on this. <laughs> so I didn't know where it placed in the entire in the entire thing. So, like, I was very, very proud. And that would have been great if, if Godric, while he's performing the marriage ceremony, was like, and Aiden, son of the father. You know what? That's very cumbersome. Can I call you Aiden Potter? I'm I'm glad you didn't get that hectic, but I would have been incredibly. I'm glad we're all. I'm glad I'm not the only idiot. Okay. Well, I'm picturing you getting smushed by a door right now. So there are different layers. There's different layers. Not really. Mm -hmm. So a few have, but it's all right. It was the door's fault. How was I to keep it from closing on me? Uh, put your hand out and say, stop. <laughs> but my body should do that. That's what the doors are supposed to do. They're supposed to respect us. Well, you are rather short, so maybe there's an upward, mo- like, scent. I don't know. That's right. I went after the height. All right, so we got that down. So we, we've established the lineage of Harry Potter. This is Harry. Harry Potter. This is Harry Potter. Oh, you're Harry Potter. You're the boy who lives. I did like the introduction of the sorting hat, that it was the annoying hat that Dr. Kate is wearing. <laughs> the really? I, well, then I'm picturing the sorting hat from the movie, and I'm like, really? That was the latest fashion in 987 AD or whatever the hell it is? <laughs> well, it is a thousand years old at the point of the movie, so, you know, it's probably gone downhill a bit. Well, it's true. It's, it's not very slimming, and it makes his butt look big. I, mean, I, I can't see that being the latest fashion at any time. We're... <laughs> I couldn't. It just, it was, it was, I don't know. I just, I couldn't see the Oh, no, I out. agree. I mean, I, I agree with that particular statement. I just think it's funny. Well, here's the thing, too, which I did think was interesting. Now, the founders have started the school. So all of us build things in our lives, but we all figure at some point we're going to die. 
so we're going to give it to someone else or sell it or something. I find it interesting that the founders, when they're preparing... Now, they're at this point in their late 30s, early 40s. Now, granted, you'd expect maybe a 1,000 years ago, you know, lifespans are not nearly as long, although Rowena lives to be 117, so and everyone else died at 95, so there's precedent to live longer. I found it interesting that they're all like, oh my god, how are we going to sort our students after we die? Because they must stay in the same types of groups that we have started here. Like, I found it interesting that they didn't consider, well, maybe the guy who comes after us will have a great idea. Maybe he'll go alphabetical. <laughs> yeah, a through we must F do it for the next 1,000 years or else. The entire society will be based on this, and children will become dysfunctional because of this. Because they didn't seem to have a great deal of faith in future generations. Because they, like Rowena at the end basically said, and I'm leaving a list of instructions for future headmasters. If you do not follow this, I will haunt you. And they'll yeah. believe it. They will believe it. So I'm like, wow, that's really like hardcore. Like, you're dead, but you're still like... God, a Rowena is my idol. She She's <laughs> making sure people don't screw this up. I'm picturing Headmaster Tristan or whoever the hell he is. Like, he's at the monthly staff meeting with Rowena's at the head of the table on the giant teleconference. Hello, I know I'm dead, but I'm here on this DVD to share some thoughts on today's lesson. Like, I just thought it was funny. I'm like, she probably invented the clipboard. She probably did. If you're watching this now, I'm dead, but I'm still telling you what to do. I thought that was interesting. One of the themes of the story is that old people with white hair should let younger people try new things. Because you have the overthrow <laughs> of the Council of the Warlocks, which is a good, a really intelligent thing that's in the story, is that when you overthrow stupid people, it is very likely that when you overthrow the stupid people, stupid people will take their place. Everyone's like, yay! It's we like a cycle. Like when the Republicans know? are thrown out of office, bad news. The Democrats will likely try and take over and screw it up, but in the other direction. So I like the fact that we have this entire thing where we overthrow the warlock, death, murder, locusts, and then more stupid people go and sit in his chair and then do more stupid things in the chair. So I like the fact that they're saying that Ryan, <laughs> Ryan should take over the world and he should attempt to reform the world. So I like the fact that they do that, but then with the four founders, I just did find it interesting that they're like, here are the lesson plans for the next 900 years, because we will be dead. Follow it to the leather. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that they were doing that. <laughs> here's, here's the way I saw it. A thousand years later, what is a better way to preserve the characteristics of the house? Because once the people are gone, it gets all open to interpretation right. by the, the headmasters, unless you have the inanimate object there who's been imbued with all the magic of those four, it will keep the integrity and we can't, of we can't, the houses. Well, see, no, but see, if we have, I mean, this is why we have the Supreme Court, or else we would have the ghosts of the Founding Fathers <laughs> telling us what the Constitution meant. <laughs> No, what they're saying basically is, okay, the four founders wrote the manual. So instead of having future headmasters like read the manual and say, here's what I think Helga meant when she wrote that, you have actually Helga, like her brain in a jar, uh, so they can poke okay. her with electrodes. And yeah, but see, it. from the point of view of the founders, this is what they're thinking. They're going to maintain the integrity of it, right? right. But if you look at the, where, what, is it Deathly Hallows? It's the canon. And Dumbledore, it must be Deathly Hallows. He talks about perhaps we suit 
sought too soon. Well, that would actually it be the Psychic Serpent Trilogy by Barb. Great. Was that the Psychic Serpent Trilogy? No, that what was that, canon. Is it, that was canon. canon. No, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of the part from the Psychic Serpent Trilogy where they do it basically by like a number system. I apologize. It was very re- recently done. Okay. See, this is what <laughs> yeah. I said about breaking the cycle. Because That's you what, have I'm, like an old-fashioned thing to do, and like they come along and change it, and then it still becomes old-fashioned, and we got to change it again. Yeah, so I'm not saying that they were right. What I'm saying is I can see their reason behind it. Yeah. Yes, And there's, there's nothing I, that the Wing of Scroll is 5,000 years of lesson plans. It might be like, uh, oh, by the way, watch the vanishing step on the way up to the headmaster's office. You can't <laughs> get through the door on the fifth floor because it's painted on. <laughs> well, I am an, I am now a big fan of, the, of a very Potter musical. I think it was the location of the hidden <laughs> swimming pool was what was on the little thing. Did you know that here at Hogwarts we've got a hidden swimming pool? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I thought that could have possibly been what was on there. Right. Well, no, it was. It's like usually what happens in the real world is you have, you know, four people run the school for 80 years and then they turn it over to the new guy. And the new guy comes up with like the Tom Ridge, you know, color coding system. Like, you know, on blue days, we're meeting in the Great Hall and like he tries his own way and then he dies. Then someone else tries something new. And maybe it doesn't work as well because there's no cohesion, whereas now you have a thousand years of Hufflepuffs and Gryffindors walking around. But worth mentioning the fact that they never consider well, what will the new people do? Here is how we will maintain it. And I did really like reading this after we just read the Psychic Serpent trilogy, where one of the things in the last chapters is Harry puts forward the theory, well, you're putting people in a house for seven years with people exactly like them. There's no diversity, you're never questioned, and it encourages people to assume things about you that aren't true, and maybe it's time we did away with that. So I actually, having just read that theory you know, a few weeks ago, it was interesting to see this and be like, you know what, the four heads here are portrayed, you know, obviously not Slytherin, but the other three are portrayed you know, as being you know, the wisest men of their age and all this stuff. So it's actually interesting to say, hey, after a thousand years, here's where your idea could hit some drags. So I did enjoy seeing you know, both why they came up with the idea for the hat and, and keeping everyone in these groups, but also the downside to it down the road was yeah. pretty good. No but reason for the groups was because... He didn't want to wear it all the time, so he came up with a different idea. <laughs> <laughs> but see, the original reason for the groups was because they only had the four of them and there was getting too many students, whereas I think that's why keeping the sorting hat means that they haven't allowed for the differences in the way the schools run. By the time Harry gets there, I mean, there's more than four teachers for a start. Right. Well, there's and, more than four um, teachers, but while they're still there, I mean, they hire extras who you never see or hear from who are presumably walking around. And I think it's a, a, you could go, get all philosophical and go, it's a commentary on change and being willing to adapt and all that sort of stuff. Or you could just say, like Scott said, Gryffindor just wanted to avoid wearing that damn I think that would be great if that was actually the reason why I put forward. You know what? I think we should let future generations choose the groups for themselves. But you know what? If we do that, I still have to wear the hat. So <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to have Gryffindors. Birds with one stone. Exactly. Well, it was actually interesting, too, because um, during the chapters where, you know, the poor little Muggleborns are being hunted, basically, in the corridors, and there's like a little civil war forming because Alzar's a prick. It was actually interesting. At one point, one of the kids was asked, who did this to you? And they're like, it was a Slytherin. And it was actually interesting to hear that because it's usually you hear a Gryffindor, but now we're like Godric's down the hall. So it's, it's, the, it's the surname. So it's actually interesting to hear people be referred to as a Slytherin, a Hufflepuff, because that would be like, you know, I'm Orion. 
and I'm standing right there. I'm like, ooh, that's weird. <laughs> Usually they said, you know, from the Hufflepuff group or from Salazar. Yeah, one of Godric's students or whatever, you know. Yes, it's like, uh, <laughs> yes, it's like I am the Potter's son. I found it really weird reading about Ryan. I don't know about any of you. Uh, it was very distracting. <laughs> now, was it Ryan the father who was the greatest man who ever lived, or was it Ryan the son who was politic- politically stooped and The first minister for magic. It was, it was the son. I, I just, like, reading about Ryan going around and doing stuff confused me. Well, he wasn't doing bad stuff. Let's not make it no, like doing drugs. No, 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 it just confused me because you're Ryan. I am. And welcome back to Perfect Weekly. This is Ryan. You know what confused me? When Ryan took on the personality traits of Ron Weasley, that was weird for me. Because I try to be unlike Ron every day. Now, because I did my text reader, I didn't get Maeve. Okay, Rowena's daughter's name is... Caradwen. 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 I'm not going to tell you how the thing pronounced Caradwen. So Caradwen... I want to know. You have to say. It, it said it really <laughs> fast. Like, I knew it was her, but I, it was impronounceable. So, so Caradwen is marrying Aiden, the son Potter. of the father. Now, stupidest thing she ever did, telling dad first. Stupid. So she goes in to tell Godric. And Godric, like, turns into Salazar when he was hating muggles. Like, he was, like, like, like glassy-eyed and, like, he was shooting fire, I believe, and there was... It's awesome in the every no, he's doing that. So you can understand, like, because there were references in all the previous chapters to Daddy's little girl. Oh, I hope she doesn't stop playing with dolls soon, even though she's 18. You know, like, like all that you can see where this is going. And I even love the one chapter where it's like, you know, Caradwen, she's, she's been very blushed lately. Do you think she has a cold and Rowena, like, chokes on a chicken bone or something in the background? So, like, <laughs> okay, Godric is not the sharpest crayon in the box. That's fine. He's dad, whatever. But then you have Ryan in the background with his hands folded across his chest going, I will kill him. I will rip out <laughs> his throat and I will stomp on it and he will be dead. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not cool with that. And I don't want you using my name. Like, I want to get an injunction. Like, it, it, it was not cool for, slander. for slander. I was fine with it when he was a military hero. I was fine with it when he burned alive to save young little Helga the Hufflepuff. What the hell is a Hufflepuff? I was fine with it when you name people after him. I was fine with it when he was a precocious little tot. I was even fine with it later on when he became a politician and, and, and you know, saved the world. I'm not fine with it when he's the goon squad in the background with the arms <laughs> folded. Like, he was like Goyle from a very Potter musical. He just spoke loudly and enunciated every vowel and didn't do anything else. It was annoying for me. Oh, Goyle rule! <laughs> Okay, thank you, Ryan. You're welcome. Now, now that we've heard the myriad of reasons why Ryan is not pleased that he has a named character in this particular story. <laughs> what did we leave off on last week? Oh, God, no. Uh, oh, God, you weren't here last week, were you, Scott? Um, no. Best, not to, best not to use that, that particular take with it. Are we actually starting from chapter 25 or whatever it was? That- we can pretty much We're cover, just kind of yeah. talking about the fic. Talking about the with fic. An okay. emphasis on, with an emphasis on the later bits. Okay. Because only some of us had read about the battle last week. This is true, because Kez is like, I'd like to talk about the battle and the creation of the chamber. And I'm like, I know nothing about either. <laughs> Although I do have something That's to say, but I don't, do. I, don't want, I don't want to monopolize. So you guys go and I will jump in. Speaking of the chamber, I like, I think it's the second last chapter or something like that, how they bring up the point that 
it's a secret chamber and nobody knows it exists and half the people don't believe it exists and yet there's a legend about it. And they got that because Salazar made a deathbed confession to Godric, apparently. Did Godric and hear it? No, because otherwise he'd have happened. tried to get rid of it. What happened, Kaz? He didn't hear enough. He sort of caught enough of it to spawn a legend, I would suppose. But uh... Well, see, when he was dying and he was holding Helga's hand and he was doing that thing where, you know, they're dying, so it's like, Ust, tell, uh, you. Uh. And it's like, Salazar, wake up. About. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Tell Stop us. Stop using us. prepositions. What is it? Use Rick made a mistake. Chamber. Yeah. Below castle. Danger. And then God. Made a mistake. <laughs> now Godric doesn't decide to investigate. Danger. Made a mistake. <laughs> and practically drew him a map. Do you realize <laughs> if Rowena was the one he told this to? The second movie never would have happened. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, <laughs> he's like, I need to tell someone who is inquisitive. This Chamber is a of book. Secrets. What? Well, this yeah, the, the, I'm picturing the BRI. Oh, show, stop it! You got stuck on the door. All right. <laughs> 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 Don't funny. lecture me. But no, like seriously, you're in a bed. You've got the love of your life. You've got your bonehead best friend who would follow you to hell and back unless you make fun of him in the entrance hall. And then you make fun of him being being stuck in a door. And then you've got your inquisitive friend who catches every detail and like never lets anything go. Like she won't die. Because she has stuff to finish. When she's done with her paperwork, then she'll die. Like, that's her motto. Who do you tell about the chamber under the school in six words or less? <laughs> yeah, well, in the his whole defense, point... Godric just happened to be closest at the time. I know, but the, I found it interesting that the entire yeah. purpose of the entire scene was to tell who Salazar may have told about the chamber to, which is necessary for the story to flow well. And... Godric's reaction is pat pat there 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 <laughs> like put him just in like you're wondering if like yeah. 25 years later he's laying in bed what the hell was he talking about <laughs> I should write yeah. this down yeah he rides off and they're 10 miles down the road and he's like what monster it's in the paperwork oh, that Rowena's sure. leaving the new he guy out, he says he says monster he says made mistake chamber below castle danger made mistake monster danger to mug yeah. mistake Ass. Look where they bury him. They bury him in a chamber underneath the castle. Yeah, well, maybe that's what he was trying to say. <laughs> like, is it possible? Like, he didn't know where they were going to bury him? Because Rowena's like, oh, it's fine. She's 117 years old walking down there with her walker that she leaves Dumbledore with the tennis balls on the bottom. And she's, like, walking around, and she's like, hey, the, nope, the monster jumps out and eats her. Like, it's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. It's the next level down. She just didn't go down the stairs. <laughs> That'd be a great, like, cinematography. You could see, like, the thing floating right, right beneath the floorboard. <laughs> She's, what is that? Is there a draft? <laughs> she, like, closes the door. But... <laughs> <A draft. laughs> I'm thinking to the beginning of the story, like, the reason the castle was abandoned at the beginning of the story was because of the monster that was there. Remember, yeah. it was haunted? I was picturing Here's when she went monster. out. I'm picturing when she went out at the end and she's got her little cane and she's got her little cloak on. I was picturing she was going to say farewell to the giant squid and thank it for protecting them all those years. Or oh something. yeah, when when she when Helga told her there was a thing for her, I don't mean to like discount it, but I thought it would be more interesting than just a note. A note. Some artifact of magical power. I thought it was gonna be not the diadem, but like whatever was supposed to be Ravenclaw's 
thing, you know, yeah, like because was- obviously when she gives the packages, because this was written post Half Blood Prince when they're talking about, you know, the the Horcruxes and how they're yeah. from each house. And, we never and hear about me, Helga's goblet or Ravenclaw's yeah, whatever. And to me, it was the packages because it was like giving them to the family or whatever. It was one Salazar's had to be sent to his daughter or whoever. Yeah. And so I thought it was going to be something that Helga had designed for Rowena and so she would go get it and then it would be found with her body or something and be given to Keridwen or something and you know it was supposed to be the heirloom that well I Raven really love I thought it was a beautiful sentiment the fact that it's yeah, a, I mean it was a nice the, sentiment at the moment of your death more interesting than well that. at the moment of your death it's a note saying that you know we love you and death isn't scary and we're all waiting for you and to have that be the last thing that you ever think of and, and you this world hopeful. I think it's a very positive thing. The only question I have with it, and I really didn't think about this until we're talking about it now, was there any reason she had to stick it under a tree in the middle of a marshland? Why could she have left her in her deathbed a box? Keep this, open it. Because if the theory was, I don't want you to open it until it's time, couldn't she have walked out to the marshland 30 years ago and, or sent one of the strapping young, young lads from 7th? Go get me the box. I just thought that was... That's why I thought it would be something more. Yeah. You don't hide a message written on a piece of parchment. No, and I want to point out, I think it was a beautiful ending. I was, I, I love the ending of the story. I think it's... Well, I cried. I thought it was so good, and, and it, I love the OCs in it, but I'm picturing poor Rowena Ravenclaw, founder of Hogwarts, most brilliant of the four, a thousand years later, she's still beloved. She died like a homeless person in Marshland because <laughs> Pelka made her, like, slap out there and, like, her feet just frostbite. And, like, but she was happy, but I'm like, you left it like it's in the a, sauna. It's a bookend at the beginning, though, because the very first thing is Helga made her come down from the valley and cross the river to go see the new people right. who are in the uh, village. So now she's making her come down from the castle and cross the river to go and get this whatever it is. Oh. It's great symmetry. It does imply, however, that Helga is a pain in the ass. Hey, she may be a pain in the ass, but she's my pain in the ass. <laughs> Yeah. You probably didn't expect her to be a hundred and whatever at the time. I thought you'd die at ninety. Who lives to be a hundred and seventeen years old? Who does that? <laughs> I, I don't did... care who you are, Ravenclaw. You're living way the hell too long. <laughs> well, I misread the thing. It's like when hell is. She said something like she turned a hundred two decades ago. I thought it said she turned a hundred two centuries ago. Oh my god! I'm like, me holy too. shit! Me what the too. hell is she having? I was in like, her she's like living for thousands of years. I'm like hell, I'm like Rowena, die. <laughs> That's yeah. making she, it into the. She was the headmistress right before Divot. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like here you go, little Albus. Like here's your arithmetic. Like it was just like ridiculous. <laughs> Well, then I'm like, even like she outlived her children. She out, like her grandkid just got his first social security check. I mean, like she's living really, really long. And then like, I actually but- was thinking that the ad, I didn't sit there and do it because I couldn't be bothered. But the numbers didn't actually add up for me because at one point she's like her children's children's grandchildren. I'm like, that's like Harry's generation by then. Hold on, her children. Her children's okay, her children's. Children, no, that works. Those are, that works. Those are her great great grandchildren. Her children. Children's children is her grandchild, which is the the sixty five year old dude that she saw at the end. So his yeah. grandchild, which actually does make sense. 
So if he's oh, 65, okay. It just seemed like a lot of generations. Harry's playing <laughs> in the in Seventeen years. That's all. She's grandma from Coven of Echoes at this point. <laughs> so old. No, it just seemed <laughs> like a lot of a lot of descendants to fit in 117 years. Why is that? Was because so sad. they're sort of they're not lining them up quite. They're going with the wizards have really long lifespans, but also people in the 900 whatever mostly lived for like 50 years, and that was it. So right. you had your kids at like 20. Right. Is that? Yeah, yeah, I know. It just didn't seem like enough space. That's yeah. I mean, it makes perfect sense because there's even references to when Helga's having, like, child number four and, like, oh, you're getting on there in years, huh? Not saying, like, you know, to give birth to a child, saying, like, you're, you're, you're approaching the end of your life. And she was, like, 42. <laughs> so, yeah. like, imagine their surprise when she lived another 50 years. But if you even think about it, Godric's years older than her and he only died six months before she did. So he lived to be, like, 120 something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't make yeah. a big deal about that. I think Ryan yeah. like got the flu. He got like smallpox or something because they outlived their kids, which is not mm-hmm. something you'd ever hope to do. But well, this is when now, everybody thought Albus was 150. That Ryan so. died early. <laughs> well, no, but I'm actually thinking of the end of it, and it was really it. It was sad. Well, it was sad, but it was hopeful because think about this: of the four founders, the one who is just the wisest of the four is obviously Rowena. So the fact that she outlived her husband, she outlived her kids, like her grandkid has a walker. She's lived so long, and it's it's so sad because you, you see her through all these chapters just full of energy with her children and Helga's kids, and it, it was so sad because it got me thinking, what would I do if everyone I knew, like if I outlived them all, and how do you go on with life, and what do you find is a source of happiness for yourself? And her thing was, you know what? I'm done. I just have a few parking tickets to pay, and I need to settle the mortgage on the house, and I'm not going until I'm done, and I'm serious about this. I will not die. I thought that was, it was sad, but it was so hopeful, because she so honestly believes that her life will continue, and that she will see everyone again. It's not even a question, and and throughout the story, every time someone dies, someone says to them, tell so-and-so, I say hello, and she is just she has absolute faith in an afterlife, which up until Deathly Hallows you didn't really see in Harry Potter because it was pretty much there wasn't a lot of religious you know connotations to it. And she just honestly believes that her life will go on, and, and she's fine with that, and she's looking forward to it. And it's just like the way her mother went. Her mother was like, "Dude, I'm done. I'm so sorry. Like I was waiting until you had the kid. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Bye." And, like, and Rosalind takes off. Adios. It was very sad, but it. it Plus, when you read so many chapters from characters' perspectives, it's not like the story where you spend seven years with characters like on a TV show, then the last episode is 20 years later, and everyone has, like, gray in their temples, you know, and they still look exactly the same, and it just feels weird, and, like, there was, like, a five-year-old, and now there's, like, a college kid playing him. It just, sometimes it can be really hammy and really badly done, but in this one, you honestly felt sad that, you know, Helga who is this really powerful presence, is gone, and Godric, who is a pain in the ass, is gone, and the kids are gone, and everyone... It, it was just sad. But it also showed that Dumbledore is just around the corner and life will go on, but I thought the ending was yeah, very I mean, powerful. It's like, you go into it thinking, well, okay, these people lived a thousand years ago, of course they're dead. You know, these are historical <laughs> right. characters from the canon, so you obviously expect them to die, but their deaths were very moving to me. Well, It's a weird thing with human nature, too. You always think people who lived hundreds of years ago were really stupid because they haven't discovered flat-screen TVs yet. 
and and they were so you know what I mean and they were so primitive and you know they all up until 200 years ago everyone apparently you know just like walked around hunting and gathering and you never really consider the fact that we're just like you know a cog in that machine and that we will one day be looked at back at the, as these very primitive people you're going to think I'm weird I do this sometimes like I'll watch an old episode of say like I love Lucy and you know someone will say meet me tomorrow at noon at the bookstore and I think to myself, if that character, like, you know, like, if it were, like, a little, like, Outer Limits episode or The Twilight Zone and someone just snapped their fingers and they appeared in the room today, that was 55 years ago or whatever. Those people are all dead and the bookstore is gone and everything. It's, like, everything it's changes. It's fictional, Ryan. I Love Lucy is a fictional story. No, there, they, really, there really is no book story and there's no Lucy. <laughs> okay, you're what we call a downer and that's why you get hit by doors. But, no, seriously, I mean... <laughs> I think with that sometimes it's like things that mattered 50 years ago. No one thinks about anymore. You know, like what, well, I always well, I'm depressed now. About, like, my Jesus. grandmother, you well, know, like, my grandmother swing. lived 50 years ago. So like the world of 50 years ago was experienced by my grandmother, but the world of today is also experienced by my grandmother. Right. I guess my point is, 50 years ago, everything that was on the front page of every newspaper in the country that was very important stuff at the time today no one really remembers it unless you go and you find the microfilm footage of what happened 50 years no one really cares yeah now see that makes me wonder like what would it be like to be alive back then and to like think that your life was history right and our life but there are some things that don't sort of i guess move off the front page that people remember there are big things. If you've lived it, there are going to be things that you'll remember, whether they were big or small. Well, like my grandmother remembers before, but like yeah. I don't know that she really thinks about it more than... Well, I was thinking about this yeah. fic today, because I'm at work and I'm reading the newspaper at lunch, and there was a typo on the front page of the newspaper. The Senate Minority Leader in the United States is a guy named Mitch McConnell, and the front page of the newspaper called him the Senate Majority Leader. And all I'm picturing is, because I'm, I'm listening to the story as I'm doing it, I'm like, you know what's going to happen? Like a thousand million years from now, they're going to find, the only thing that will survive is a copy of this newspaper. It's the only thing they're going to find you know, from the wreckage or whatever. <laughs> and, and they're going to think that that prick got to be the Senate Majority Leader because of the typo on the front page of the... He's a very... Oh yeah, I think about that too. But it's like, like I always wonder like, what's going to survive from our culture that yeah. will like make everyone think what we were all like? And I sure as hell hope it's not this podcast. Exactly. The book is all that survive. <laughs> well, think of it. We have, like, think of Perfect Weekly. Just Perfect Weekly, as long as, you know, a computer survives. Like, if Death Roll has all these on this computer. If Death Roll's computer survives, all of Puffle will. So when I one day lose my voice from excessive monologuing, I can survive in Pufwa. And we've got the internet, and we've got Hulu. Like, everything is, is, is available, you know, through digital copies and on the internet. And we save all of our newspaper. Everything is preserved. So as long as someone has a backup tape of something somewhere, we'll, we'll preserve that information. You know, for, for Helga, if they find the pot, <laughs> you know, that, like, she had her breakfast out of, like, that's big news. Because, granted, Hogwarts, you know, survived. But for everyone else, like, I love the fact that at the beginning of every chapter, they say, we really don't know what happened when they went to see Slytherin. We presume they went to see Slytherin. And we really don't know where they're buried. And we really don't know what happened here. And was there a battle on Hogwarts? Who knows? Like, they have no wreckage of the memory of the battle. I mean, so what will survive us? Like, I hate well, to say it. I forget what I had for lunch. So I, I, mean. well, I know, but a freaking battle on the front lawn. I mean, you, you write that down. You know what I mean? But... <laughs> what actually frightens me, you know, Rinna said she was depressed. What actually frightens me is 
decades after I'm gone, I might only survive through this podcast. Yeah, that's so. a sobering thought. Well, I'm serious. Well, I need to write more why? shit down. I need isn't to make an effort to not sound like an idiot. <laughs> isn't that why we have children, though? Well, I'm working uh, on that. Is, is that why we have children? <laughs> no, no. I'm just saying, it, in a deep philosophical sense, I can just imagine so my grandchild and Ryan's grandchild are debating whether. I actually got stuck in the door. <laughs> <laughs> your you your grandchild and my grandchild and little Scott, little Render are all gathered together listening to this podcast going, what were Grandpa and Grandma on? Like, what is <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm talking about your legacy. That That's what you leave, your, your legacy. All the things that you do in your life. Like, my dad, he's looked after a, a couple of, of old folk at church, right, who, who yeah. don't have any children or family. And so my dad sort of takes on that role. My mum reckons it's because his dad died in England and he wasn't able to do it for his own father, so he takes on the role of these old men. Uh, one of them went into a nursing home. He was no longer able to be cared for at home. And so dad found him a nursing home and they moved him to the nursing home and dad brought all his stuff that didn't fit in his nursing home room. He stored it, so he brought it all over to our shed. Anyway, the man died, and we went through all this stuff in the shed, and it just all got chucked out because there was no one to give it to. Like, his whole legacy of everything that he had just went nowhere because he had a lot of stuff. He had photos and things that he'd written down and books that he was interested in, and his whole life was packed up into a box into someone's garage and then it was eventually just thrown out because we, you know, most of his books were in German because he was from Germany and we had no use for them and, and they didn't have any connection to us or any meaning to us. So that's what I mean when we have kids, right. that we have There's someone nothing. to give our legacy to, someone who it's going to mean something to, who'll preserve it for us. And There's nothing why, more depressing when, than pictures uh, where nobody knows who they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just rented on uh, Netflix, I just rented the John Adams miniseries on HBO. Now, I'm from Boston, and I love politics and presidential history. I had no idea up until this week that John Adams was the defense counsel for the Boston Massacre. Oh my god, that's like... I didn't know that? I I, I never knew that. But my thing is, is that he's one of the most famous people ever, and I didn't (laughs) know that, and a lot of people who I know who... Love Paul, like they just never knew that little facet about him. They know about Washington and they know about Jefferson, but they don't know about the guy in the middle. And he's really famous. I mean, look at through the context of the story. You have Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, Slytherin. They're the founders of Hogwarts. They ended the reign of the Council of Warlocks. They're probably the most famous people of the last thousand years. Whether they remembered for a thousand years later, well, Hufflepuff was a really nice lady. Ravenclaw liked to read books. Gryffindor was really brave, and Slytherin was a jackass. And when you actually go back and you see the events from their eyes, you find out, well, yes, Slytherin was a jackass, and yes, he was very you know, racist against Muggleborns, but he was also, you know, while that was incredibly wrong, and while he did deserve to be labeled as such, he was also someone who made a terrible mistake and tried very yeah, actively to, and he tried to atone for it. Now the problem is he warned the the stupidest guy ever you know to stop the thing so unfortunately it didn't work too well but there was no record of him trying to atone for it but he you find out he actually did how does he remember the thought and, and they made amends with them and they went and they were buried with them and that they wished he could have been there to marry off gryffindor and ravenclaw's daughter and and everything worked out okay except the fact he's going to be remembered as a jackass for the rest of his life you know, for, until the end of time, Slytherin will be known as the greatest jackass ever. And 
he's really famous. I mean, how many other people are just absolutely forgot? I mean, it's it's interesting, and yes, it's sad, and not everyone will be remembered, but it's interesting how the time we're at in the world, information is so readily available, and there's 500,000 TV stations. We don't have to think anymore. People do the thinking for us, and we just have to read their blogs. And people lie, and people get things wrong. I mean, we can't even... No one in this country knows what is in you know, the, the, the health care bill that the Democrats wanted to pass. It's online, and anyone in the world can read it, and half the people don't even know what's in it. But we're worried about how are people going to be remembered a thousand years down the road. We can't even remember things that are happening now. So it's... Yeah. I just felt it was Martin, very... the spy in the council, nobody knows anything about him. Yeah. He was just some guy who helped them out, and he didn't get into Hogwarts of history because they don't know how they did that. They figure, oh, they must have had really great mind-reading powers to mind-read all the way from Stonehenge to Hogwarts or whatever. Yeah. And the butler was a spy the whole time, and he's instantly forgotten. Um, yeah, the chief warlock. I think it's like that with history, though, that there's all these people who are in history, and we only find out about the big people who do all the big stuff, and there are a whole bunch of people that just get lost. Yeah, mm-hmm. their contribution isn't seen as worthwhile or worthy at the time, and and we don't even you, know. Like, I mean, you know all that, but it made, it makes you wonder what will history forget about the times we've lived in? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, I'm thinking uh, the Second World War, the Diary of Anne Frank. We only have that because she wrote it down. Right. Otherwise, how many other families? Because her were father out- lived to publish it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how many other families out there? Like, they had people helping them, you know, the people who brought them the food and and hid them and stuff. How many are they, like, those people are heroes. And how many are out there? We don't know who they are. We don't know where they went because of whatever happened. Like, you know, there are so many that would have been killed and all these people that they're just lost. And we just hear about the big stuff. I mean, there's people, like, you know, pictures of my grandfather with people in the war. And I don't know who they are. Did they die? You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what did they do? Like, I think I've told this story before. My great uncle, he went off to World War Two, and he was uh, missing, presumed dead, because his entire platoon or battalion or whatever they're called, platoon is something else. I think it's American. I don't know. Battalion, I think. Anyway, they were all wiped out uh, in somewhere near, like in the war zone, wherever it was at the time. And... My um, great aunt was saying, no, he's not dead. He's still... And of course, you know, they thought, oh, yeah, auntie's lost her mind. Um, But he made it all the way. Like, he made it to Egypt, which was a friendly country, and he sent her something from Egypt in code to let her know that he was still alive. But I'm thinking, what happened? And he would never talk about it when he got back to England. They never found out what happened. It's just, you know, there was a battle that battalion got wiped out and he was, I think, basically the sole survivor of it, but he would never talk about it. And it's like, well, what happened? What did all those people do? How did they die? You know, we, it's all just gone and who knows how significant it may have been. There's pieces missing in it, in it you know, because he wouldn't talk about it. Yeah, I actually, um, I just grabbed a book off my bookshelf. Um, I heard a woman speak when I was in high school and again in college. She actually, looking at this, she actually is an adjunct professor at the graduate school I went to. Um, her name is Sonia Weitz, uh, W-E-I-T-Z, and she wrote a book. It's a purple book, in case you want to buy it. It's called uh, <laughs> I Promised I Would Tell, and she was a child during the Holocaust, and she essentially promised her uh, fa- I 
haven't read it in years. I believe her family um, was killed. I think she survived with a sister. She and another family member made it. Um, and she promised those who didn't survive that she would tell what happened there. And one of the things she said when I heard her speak, uh, this is about 15 years ago, and it really stuck with me, was there will be people in this world who will tell you that the Holocaust never happened. And they will be very loud, and they will be very articulate, and they will sound very smart, and they will have pie charts, and they will be, you know, have proof that the Holocaust never happened. And I am here now, I am here to tell you it happened, and I am getting older, and I will die, and we will run out of people who were actually there. And then there will be no one left who can say I was there at the Holocaust, and they will have a stronger argument. I promised my family, I would tell, I need you to make the same promise to me. Tell people about me. Tell your grandkids that you saw me speak at this school today. Remind people that there's a human face to this. And it's, that just really struck me. It's what do you do when you have people in the world who want to push a particular idea and they just very loudly say, we see it now. People lie about everything and if people on the news say it and they have suits and they have you know teleprompters people just believe everything everyone says and it scares me how will we be remembered in 500 years where you only grab the sound bite i mean there's countries that have existed on this planet that people don't remember anymore and wars you know what i mean it's just there's so much that's happened in the history of this world it, i just I think that fascinated me more about the story than maybe anything else. Just the fact that what is remembered a thousand years later. And yeah. I, I, that just, it just endlessly And how it creates, me. how it creates rumors and yep. Voldemort, you know, like based his entire thing on the, you know, what Salazar Slytherin, what he thought Salazar Slytherin thought. And it turns out that on his deathbed, he turned good and he, he loved a muggle-born. What he, loved a, he loved a muggle-born, and his pet snake died. <laughs> and as a result, Voldemort, a thousand years later, tried to take over the world. How the hell do you predict I mean, you wonder, really? like, would Voldemort have found something else to base his crazy on? Like, is he... I mean, you know, I think... Well, first of all, he's descendant of him. Well, I'm so. thinking that Voldemort wasn't just because Salazar said so, though. Like... Voldemort was, you know, if we looked he at how Salazar was... his own good, sort Yeah, of it was his father rejected him, and so he sort of bought into it, and he was treated badly by muggles in the orphanage and stuff. So he gets a, a, a little sliver of what he thinks Salazar Slytherin thinks, because he goes to school in Hogwarts where they're all pure blood, because that's the thing that survived. That's the, the that's Slytherin's legacy that he's managed to leave behind. True or not, that's what's left behind, and, and Voldemort's built on that. If he hadn't been a Slytherin and he had taken Gryffindor's legacy, Voldemort could have been a really different person because he might have seen his muggle father in a different light. Mm-hmm. Well, the other thing that's interesting is, is the people you associate with. He wants to associate himself with the ideals of Salazar Slytherin, but if you think about it, Slytherin's ideals are to, for a time, hate Muggleborns, whereas he's in love with one. And I, I, I was pointing that out to Keza when I read the other day. I would love someone to ask him when he was in ultra prick mode, why is Helga different? And have him be like, you know, cuz. Yeah. I mean, there's there's no explanation for it. Whereas you have Vold- Voldemort, Tom Riddle, who hates, you know, Muggleborns, and, you know, look at his own family history. And, and look at and Hitler, the guy with one nut, 
was a short little <laughs> guy with black hair, and he tried to push the Aryan nation. I mean, sometimes you 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 use things as kind of this is my slogan, this is my platform, but you yourself don't live up to it. Well, that's what I, I said. I wondered. I was saying, like, would I'm sure that Voldemort would have found some other kind of crazy if Salazar Slytherin hadn't existed, or somebody else would have come along that was, you know, even crazier. That's like that's like all those stories where they go back and try to kill Hitler, and it winds up worse. Yeah. If he was right. a Gryffindor, he could have easily gone the way of Barty Crouch and just been um, completely yeah, nuts, wow. but gone through the ministry. Or, you know, if he was a Ravenclaw, maybe he becomes the magic equivalent of a mad scientist. Or, you know, Here's a question. Here's a question. Say Salazar told Helga he loved her, and they got married, and they had lots of kids together. A thousand years later, could Tom Riddle have turned out to be a Hufflepuff? That would have been fun. Well, here's the question, though. Is Tom Riddle a Slytherin because he's a descendant of Slytherin or because his characteristics uh, fit the house? I think it's characteristics. Mm -hmm. I mean, being a Parcelmouth was probably a plus. That's one reason the hat looked at Harry as a Slytherin, but he had other reasons to be a possible Slytherin as well, and so did Tom, probably. Because of the ambition and all that sort of stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, I wonder, like, I mean, if, if even if the mother was Helga, what, I mean, there's still nothing keeping Tom Riddle from turning out the same way. I mean, it's thousands of years ago, you know. I mean, it's not like Helga's DNA would have saved him. I've read plenty. I mean, I've seen plenty of stories where the founders are all paired up within themselves that in one of those stories, I mean, it's either going to be Rowena Helga. I mean, it can't be Rowena Helga. I mean, they can't have children. <laughs> oh, God, the ship Helga. I've never considered in my sorry, life. Sorry, sorry. I didn't mean to say that it was impossible. I just meant they can't have children. Um, well, that yeah, that, that does okay. If you're right. gonna, what basically what I'm trying to say is, there's plenty of fix that pair up the four founders into two ships. You have two guys and, and two girls. Fix, you only have two possibilities for Salazar head, and head yeah. is the thing that produces children. So, I mean, either it's Rowena or Helga, and one of them was the mother, you know, and one of them was the great grandmother of Tom Riddle and all those fix. So, I don't think saying if he had married Helga, it would have all been better. I'm just glad that we got yeah. to have episode 103 and a half of Pyrific Weekly, and P.S. has finally admitted that heterosexual relationships are the ones that create the children. <laughs> I'm, I'm never very, denied that. I'm very proud of the fact that we finally have that, you know, in writing on air. Right. That was nice. <laughs> you know, in uh, writing on air. <laughs> in writing on air. Now, can we make fun of Brian for that, and can we stop making fun <laughs> of me? I'm sorry, I'm visualizing you getting pushed <laughs> by the what's giant door. The, uh, the, uh, the, the girl who wrote the Dangerverse, what's her name? Yes. Mm -hmm. She has a weird kind of AU story that she wrote. Where the founders go to Narnia? I don't really. What? Where the founders go to Narnia? Mm hmm. No, 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 no. But it's it's an alternate universe kind of story, but Tom Riddle was good in the alternate universe. Mm -hmm. Where Tom Riddle is like the defense against the dark arts teacher. He's a professor, and he's married to McGonagall, I think. <laughs> That's actually yeah. – kind of, yeah. I, I have read so many Tom McGonagall pics, and it's actually really – I've read one where um, she was, like, almost a Death Eater, but she, she, like, she was in the group, and then when she realized how crazy he was, she quit, and she has a dark mark. Huh. Wow. That's oh. depressing yeah. a little bit. But, but, 
Yeah, it's a very odd thing when you think see. of it, but it does work fairly well in that story. But yeah, yeah but it's just, it just really there's all sorts of things that could happen. Um, you never really know why Tom turned out the way he did. Like maybe if the orphanage was better, maybe if his mother wasn't quite so insane herself. Um, yeah, I mean, budget I mean, cuts. You, you, if only that orphanage had more funding. All of you get, I, I, I get the impression that it wasn't so much being a descendant of Slytherin, it was the fact that the descendants of Slytherin were so inbred. And obviously your average run-of-the-mill pure blood is going to look like it got hit upside the head with an ugly stick, you know? Yeah, but it would be really hard to find inbred people to play the part. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, they, produce, they produce uh, a crazy child. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I mean, when you compare... Harry himself does it. You compare Tom Riddle's background and Harry's background, and they're orphaned, and they're left to be raised by people who don't like them. They don't have a lot of love and stuff in their childhoods, and one turns out a raving megalomaniac idiot with a megaphone, and one turns out to be a hero dude, right? And Dumbledore says it. It's our choices. It's the choices. It's, and that's, that's what the series is about. So that's what I'm saying. And, and that's why I'm getting back to the hat when Dumbledore says in, in Deathly Hallows, we, we, we sort people too soon because it puts you in a box. You think, well, I'm a Slytherin, so I have to behave this way. Can you imagine being a little 11-year-old? You're a half-blood. Let's say, let's say you're Snape. And yeah, you're that in Slytherin. Yeah. And you're like, oh, well, I have to behave this way. I have to be like this. I have to hide my parentage because otherwise they won't like me and I need to be liked because they're my house and it shapes because who you are and it starts shaping yeah. you know I'm kind of pissed at the damn hat now because the hat only gave, <laughs> the hat only gave Harry a choice why didn't he give Snape a how choice how do we know it doesn't give uh, well but Snape wanted a different choice though it's been a while since I read Deathly Hallows but I felt like when he saw Lily go into Gryffindor it wasn't as if he thought he couldn't. I just think he, he immediately went to the fact that he thought he couldn't be in Gryffindor, and I feel like if the hat had given him a choice, he might have chosen Gryffindor because he didn't realize it was an option open to him. But if if he felt like he couldn't be in Gryffindor, would he have chosen it? Well, Even if the hat gave him a choice, doesn't it have to be something that's you know take canon? You know, the hat wants to put you into the house that you have the traits for. I mean, Harry could have done... He certainly had the prerequisites to be in Slytherin based on his personality and based on the fact that he has the Horcrux living in him. But both houses were kind of worked, but he really had a strong preference for Gryffindor. But it's not like Snape could have gone up and said, put me in Hufflepuff. I feel like hugging people. Like, I don't think that would... I think... When it's a little more nebulous when you're 11, you know, because we're all adults here and we've kind of cemented our personalities. But I think when you're 11, it's more. Hold on, I'm going to be like this forever. I'm done. <laughs> yeah, you're done. that cemented. You're doomed. Oh, I just cement. Yeah. yeah. But you know, the other thing is, like, 11 year olds go to Hogwarts not even knowing how they're going to be sorted. Like, older siblings don't even seem to tell them. Ron didn't know. That could so I'm be like, is it a secret? Siblings, I, that, I don't know whether it was like keep the that twins. A secret just because. So why <laughs> is Percy and Bill and Charlie? None of the the you know, why isn't it common knowledge? Why do they talk about the sorting hat, like, on the radio and stuff? Like, you know, I mean, yeah. like. You'd think if it was... But that's what, it wasn't beat just the, a sweet Beat the Everyone. sorting hat today. Tell <laughs> Everyone in the country goes to the same school. Why isn't the sorting hat n- known publicly? And Why it's not it? just the twins. I mean, Percy, Bill, and Charlie and his parents all went to Hogwarts. Why did none of them tell Ron about the sorting hat? Right. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's sort of... 
They signed I'm a non-disclosure sure agreement well, when they but, left the school. Yeah, it's the, <laughs> like, I mean, when you think about all the, kind of thing. They're all the school full traditions that you had at your school, I mean, everyone knew about them, you know? Yeah, that's true too. Because I can see the twins not. Well, I can see the twins not telling him, but like the soaring, like for us, the soaring hat's a big deal because we see it every year. But maybe that's just part of the unspoiled. I mean, let me put it this way: no one ever spoiled the sixth sense for you know anyone that. But like we kept the secret on that pretty good for people who hadn't seen the movie yet. <laughs> so maybe it's kind of like the same. Well, we just won't mention the soaring hat. It'd be a surprise. <laughs> no spoilers. There's spoiler tags on this one. When I went to college, um, I went to a school, I went to the University of Arkansas, and there are a lot of people that go to school there that are legacies. And, you know, their parents and grandparents and every single person of their fam- in their family has gone to the U of A. You know, it's what happens when you live in a small state like Arkansas. I was in the marching band, and there was this tradition that they did in the marching band every year, and it was called the Razorback Run, and it was this big deal. And there was all this stuff that you had to do for your rookie week, and, you know, you had to... I'm sorry, is Rena becoming a Dalek, or is it me? I hear something oh, frying, a cr- frying on the air. Yeah. Frying? <laughs> Someone's frying an egg. Oh, Rena, I think you're actually becoming a Dalek. This is new for me. Uh, I am. I just... Well, damn. While we're waiting for Rena to stop frying, I just went and got Deathly Hallows, and... Harry doesn't keep the secret because he tells Albus the sorting hat takes your choice into account. So Albus, little Albus Potter went to school knowing that he wouldn't have to fight a troll. So mm. there you go. He was spoiled. Yeah. Harry's a spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert. <laughs> yes. It's like the kids but, can't check Wikipedia and just find out for themselves. Well, see, I mean, no, because that's the thing. I mean, I just wonder why the sorting hat isn't, say, a cultural tradition. Because if you think about everybody goes to the same school, so it's like how our world would be if everybody went Oh my to god, our- it's like the wizarding equivalent of a national ID card. The sorting I mean, hat scans everyone's You know, brain. it's like... Big Brother is watching you. It's like, I mean, it's a school tradition like, you know, an April Fool's prank. No, you know, it's not. It's a school cats. tradition like a CAT scan. They scan every single kid <laughs> in the history of for the it's last thousand cats. years. Has had this damn hat put on their head. Mm, I Ew, that's so much. gross. Oh, God. <laughs> is Rinna not a Dalek? Rinna, hold is on. Is not able to talk? Rinna sounds like a Dalek. Rinna, like, can you do whatever it is you do to adjust your microphone beyond just sitting there staring at it? Like, <laughs> is that what I sound like? Yes, you yes. sound like a Dalek. Oh, this is so interesting to have it not be me. <laughs> How about now? Oh, dear. Okay, is it better? Oh, no. Um, oh, really. Hang on, Rinna. Let, 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 let me hang up on you and I'll put you back in the call. Hang on. Okay. I have to say I'm vaguely amused because in the peanut cast series we just did, it would probably be the week before or the one before that for this podcast. Uh-huh. Um, it's the sorting hat actually has versions of the founders inside it. Just Hello. no one ever hears those voices. They just hear the little hat voice. Oh, really? But they all, they all argue over every student that they get. And, um, oh, I've read that. That's good. And I That's think good. the second one, Godric, um, is telling Seldar, Salazar stop whining about him getting all the Weasleys and how he got that parcel mouth last year because, after all, he'd let him take some 
Gryffindor material before, and has, you don't see me whining about it years later. I still say that Snape boy should have been, and then they get interrupted. But that's so a great idea. But that's like an, that's my version of hell. So I would have to do that for the rest of my see, life. Because it'd be like if Ryan dies and he wakes up and it's like me, Keza, and Rinna are with him, and that's that's the rest <laughs> of the year. All you could do is talk to them. Yeah. No, well, my yeah. version of dying is I, I die and I edit Puffwa for the rest of the <laughs> Alright, Rinna, before we lose you, continue your point. Okay. But what I was gonna say was that there was this tradition that we did in the marching band. It was called the Razorback Run. And for somebody like me who came into the school and was not a legacy, my parents are from Massachusetts, so obviously they never went to the U of A. You know, I had no idea what was going on. And some of the people that were there that came in as students, they knew what was going on. Like their parents or siblings that had been there before had told them. But a lot of people, they're, you know, they just never said anything about it because it was supposed to be something special. And it was something that was unique. You know, your experience with this event was supposed to be kind of personal and you're supposed to think about it, you know, how you got to the point where you are and, you know, think about your life and all this kind of stuff. And it just seemed to me like that was kind of similar to the hat, you know? People didn't pass it on, not because it was supposed to be a national secret, but because they wanted each student, well, obviously, some people would tell their kids about it, but other families wanted their kids to learn about it on their own. I wonder if this is like a sacred, like these people don't really, I mean, there's no like wizarding religion. I wonder if this is like the closest they come to like a sacred experience. The hat is the closest they come to a sacred experience. (laughs) You know know what I mean? I mean, you know, like. No, I know what you mean. I just don't know if like sorting hat, like you picture like, you know, this is a sacred moment and they walk up and the lights on the hat and they put it on and the hat's like a grouchy. The the hat reminds me of Walter from the Jeff Dunham. It's like going to confession, you know, you don't like talk about Confession with Archie I mean, I, Bunker. It's, I, just, it's I a presume. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I'm not Catholic. But I don't know anything about going to confession. Me neither. I've been. You, you say that you murdered seven people and they have you do two Hail Marys and then our father. But, like, it's. It, that is not what happens, I Ryan. Know Stop it's lying. Not. <laughs> I can't tell what really happens. It's confession. It's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. It's like this ring. Do you ever wonder if there's, like, secrets they, like, keep from you? that nobody ever talks about because it's a secret. Gilderoy Lockhart would write a book on it. Hold on. So what you're basically saying, P.S., is if your life were the Truman Show? Yeah, something like that. I mean, not not like that because you'll make fun of me for the next 15 years if I say that, but something like that. I was watching um, an episode, I think it was Frasier the other day, and they were joking that, I think it was Frasier, that... Fraser told Niles when they were growing up that they were all figments of his imagination and they disappeared every time he left the room. So he would like spend his entire childhood like jumping into rooms really fast to see if he could see you beaming and stuff. So I mean like you know what I thought about one day at work? I'm sitting at work and I'm in my little cubicle and I look around and everyone else is in their cubicles. And I actually, and like the, the office I work at, we get a lot of calls from the outside and we have to go out, we do presentations and stuff. I actually started here thinking, I'm like, how do we know that we're not all psychotic and we're all in, you know, like a mental institution and we just think like, all this stuff is really happening, and, like, you know, like, we're just, like, you know what I mean? Like, how do you know your version I think version I read of that fic. Yeah. 
I did read that fic, but like how you realize, yeah, like Dumbledore is like the receptionist. Yeah, Yeah, I literally read a fic that turned out that Harry was crazy and he hallucinated the whole thing. Yeah, and Jimmy's a burn victim. I read that one too. But like, I actually think that, like, how do we know that we're not nuts and like we're not really talking to anyone on the phones and like, you know what I mean? Like, and we're just playing with our toys, but we think we're we're professionals and we're doing emergency. What if like your office was a front for like Torchwood or something, and you were the only one that wasn't in on it? So when everyone goes into the training room, that's a bad sign. <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's how you know you've hit a new low when you're the only guy in the undercover organization who really thinks that you're a flower shop. And what's you know worse what? is you know everyone else. That. But the, the the part that would be worse is if everyone else thinks that you think it's a spy organization. Oh my god! Yeah, like- <laughs> they think they think that you're in on it, but really you actually think it's a flower shop. Rena, Rena, you said you read a book like that. What was it called? I want to read it. It was called Make Him Look Good, and it was by... Oh, shit. I'm not going to be able to remember her name now. I'm going to have to Google it. Anyway, it was about a girl who worked in a record company for, like, a Hispanic music record company, and they were fronting a drug ring. Oh, that's that's not as exciting. (laughs) Or that's sorry. Not as, or that's kind of but illegal. she thought they really were just a record company. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious! And so her boss basically knew that she was clueless, and so he finds out that the feds are closing in on their organization, so they fire her, and she's just like devastated because she can't figure out why she got fired because everyone always told her what a good job she did, and you know all this stuff and. She's just so she's so upset by it, and then she watches the news the next day, and there was this raid, and all these people got arrested, and all of her coworkers are going to jail because they were all in on it, and she was literally the only person who thought it was just a record company. That's like The Simpsons, where he gets hired by this nuclear plant in this other town, and it turns out the guy, the his boss, is like an evil like Bond villain. He's completely oblivious. Like at the end, he has to leave and go back to Springfield because the rest of his family is miserable. And, like, the secret agents are, like, dropping into the building, and he's just, like, you know, quitting. He's just, like, walking out, and the boss is like, could you kill somebody on your way out? You could take this job and restaff it. Like, you know what? That would be really good if it was, like, a 10-year drama on NBC or whatever, and in the last episode, the person's like, what do you mean this isn't a flower shop? And, like, the entire time you thought yes. that was Like, that's yeah. like, that just... Hey, Bob, we're going for a coffee break, wink, wink. <laughs> Exactly. It's just like so. I actually do with those perceptions of reality. I do sometimes wonder if I'm like in the psych ward, and I'm like, "Oh, isn't this cute? He thinks he just got married, you know, it's his own home." The pat, pat, pat. <laughs> or that, like, I have my microphone on right now. It's not real. I'm not really talking to anyone. This thing. So really I guess so I'm like, like, oh, it's like, it's like, it's like lost. What about? Yes, me? I'm on season no, one, but you haven't so spoiled a thing. You haven't spoiled a thing. We'll really enjoy that episode when you get to that episode. That there is an episode in Lost with this sort of theme. And I've been sitting here racking my brains as you've been talking about it, going, I've heard this story, I've heard this story, heard this story. But at this point in Lost, you'll go, ah. Anyway. Yeah. Like, but I actually really love stuff. It's the Truman Show <laughs> premise. It's like, what if your, your foundation. Why are we talking about this? <laughs> because no idea. all i know ryan is if you're in a mental institution i don't know what i am because i'm pretty sure i'm <laughs> you're, real. you're a figment of my demented ma- imagination no, i don't want to be a figment <laughs> when you got crushed by the door that was them doing your monthly cats 
skin. And they whacked your head against the side of the machine. And you had to, like, work it into the dream, into the figment. Oh, I wish anyway. Mike were still here. I'd love to have oh, his God, thoughts. Oh, God, he would have the best, the best theory about this. The problem is Mike actually does believe this is all a dream. But, um, <laughs> so, poor Star of the North, she sat through the first half of this episode while we were all drunk. Now she's like, yes, chapter analysis, and we're talking about the Truman Show. Um, <laughs> damn. Oh, we, crap. we did get there from the sort of hats. Who sort else of. thought at the end of the epilogue, like, I thought the epilogue, well, I love that she was apologizing for stealing the, the line about, you know, the next great adventure. The next adventure. Because technically, this is a prequel to Harry Potter. How do you know Dumbledore didn't rip the line off from Helga? <laughs> like, yeah. no need to apologize. Yeah. Well, a scroll. Yeah, exactly. But here's the thing. I was really afraid that, you know, no one will ever find where we're buried, and that the end of the story would be a thousand years later, and it would be Hermione that would discover the damn fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. While looking for more places to store her books, she discovers the vault. Well, it didn't seem right. like the vault was that... I was waiting for them to be like, you know, they got buried under, like, the, the like the boar head outside or something. Like, I was there, waiting for them... There's only a finite number of places to hide something, yeah. you know? I, I mean, like, somebody's going to find it eventually. Use Google well, Earth. Then I thought it would be, like, really kind of skeevy, like they'd be buried, like, underneath the floor in the Great Hall or something, but then that's the kitchen. Like, I was trying to think of, like, And they weird... could be, like, rising up like zombies. Yeah, exactly. Like, they'd been... you eating your dinner? Oh, we read that fic. Never mind. I'm yeah, we remembering... did read that yeah, we fic. did read that fic. <laughs> but I'm trying to, like, picture, like, where the hell they could be buried. Like, they're in the wall of the Gryffindor common room or something, or they're in, like... Uh, like <laughs> you a... make it sound like they were just stuffed in the wall. <laughs> exactly. Like, I'm trying... Well, they're, like, something you know... Something starting to smell. They'll never find where we were buried. And I'm like, hmm, it's awkward. Oh, my dear yeah, Lord. They have magic. They can arrange these things. So, I, I don't know. So, just back to the story. I just, I thought the story was, like, the, just, I love the story so much because you would expect a story about the four founders to be one that focuses on these stereotypical, you know, one-dimensional people who each have one personality trait who lived a thousand years ago but it doesn't feel like a thousand years ago it it feels like you know it could be 20 years ago or 30 years it just you know be, before now and it's very simple and it doesn't mean anything and i was actually thinking today of all of the stories that we've covered on Powerific weekly the shoebox project and uh with all my love were the two that focused on the marauders there were a lot of ocs in uh i believe the coven of echoes and some like i was trying to think we haven't really had a story that took place entirely with four characters that we've never seen before in canon to the best of my knowledge, right. have we? So yeah, there are no canon characters apart not, from the four. They are canon characters, but it's like what we used to call. It's canon I've names. Been, yeah, right. it's like we we used to call them. I've never haven't seen this term in years, but we used to call them OCCs, original canon characters, and it would be like Blaze Zabini. Uh, before we found out, before we met Blaze Zabini, but it'd be like Sally Ann. Sally Ann said, "Yeah, like people <laughs> that are just names, so they're not OCs." But, like, they're just names. Yeah, and it, you know, it was this, like, Danger Granger I never really got attached to. And the Marauders, I thought, 
the Chewbox was was a fantastic story. I think with all my love was very well written. But we know James and Lily, and we've heard their backstory before. And we know exactly, you know, how they died, and we, we know we, how it we, ends. Yeah, you we've know, met Remus, and we've seen Wormtail. So we know the whole story. Well, we know how the founders end too. We they don't die. know how it ends. I mean, we know they die because they're you know not around today, and where they're presumably yeah. you know not zombies, right. ghosts, immortal, whatever. But like, we don't know what happened. I know? never thought I'd I mean, like everyone them. dies. You know, I it's never, saying yeah. that they die is not spoiler. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, but here's the thing: I didn't think I'd like them. Like, even in the beginning, like, in the first, like, for the chapters of the first podcast, Salazar and and Godric were pretty much interchangeable to me, because the thing I thought was creative about Salazar was he wasn't a prick. So he, he he wasn't like the guy in the background, like, beating Muggleborns over the head as he's walking down the street. So it's like, you, he, he was very similar to Godric and Rowena and Helgo. You know, Rowena was the wild child, and, and Helgo was the one with pretty hair or whatever. And they had differences, but not extensive differences so it wasn't really until they got to the point of the battle and they got into the years of building up hogwarts and having kids that they really took on very dominant personality traits but i never thought they'd really get attached to them i just thought they'd be like and i'll even i won't even lie when we first were told we were going to cover the fic on the podcast i wasn't that blown away by it because i thought it'd be interesting to do one say i read a founder's fic, but I really didn't care about these people. Like Melinda said the other day, she didn't really want to read a story like this because she doesn't care about those characters because they're not her quote unquote characters. And I'm forcing her to read the thing, but (laughs) I think that's just a different, like, that's like a, I mean, everybody has their own interpretation of, you know, what fan fiction means to them. I mean, there are days when I get so sick of Harry, you know, right. But I, I, I didn't expect to love the characters and because they, in, in the, like, I hate to say it, but the story almost had, like, the feel of a show like Driving Miss Daisy or something where 20 years just went by and you didn't realize that any time had passed until you notice people, like, have really big glasses and can't see. Like, it's just like, it the, the, like it didn't go five years later. Helga was walking down the hall. It really flowed very evenly. Oh, all of a sudden, yeah. The, the kid who was just I born all of a sudden was is kind dating. of jarred by the fact that we, you know, it would just sort of randomly skip through time. Willy and Helga oh. had six kids already, and she was just pregnant with her third. And it oh, just, I got it, used to that because I prefer that to little chapter headings that go five years later. Well, I don't even need years. five years later, but I kind of need some kind of indication that tells you that it's like, or yeah. otherwise, it's like you have you have this chapter, yeah. and then in the next chapter, like you wonder if you missed a chapter. Have a little paragraph that says the next four years passed fairly uneventfully. Such and such <laughs> happened, and such and such yeah. happened, and then. Well, how boring is it? Every year, all they do is teach and raise kids. Like it's just like there's nothing. Yeah. Like they get the leather from from Salazar, so that takes three days. Does anyone else think that Salazar's wife got totally shafted? Like, I yes. understand yes. he didn't love her. But at the end of it, so they literally sorry. dig up his body from probably, like, where they're spooning in their mutual crate. Like, he digs up his body and leaves her for all. And they move. flat-chested Maeve. Yeah, they move flat-chested Maeve. They leave her there. You know, like, she doesn't get to, like, be with her. Like, he dies in the arms of his ex-girlfriend, who he's still madly in love with. She's in the hallway cleaning up, like, the kids vomit In a way, though, I mean, it's kind of weird. I feel like... Salazar kind of pulls a Genji. I mean, like, none of you, I'm sure, have read this great classic of Japanese literature that I have been subjected to, The Tale of Genji. But basically, the plot of it is that. It's like, it's this guy that can't be with the woman he loves, so he finds this girl that looks just like her, and he, like, raises her to be just like her. 
and then he marries her. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Creepy well, and very we'll sure vanquish. Co- we'll <laughs> be sure to cover that on Puffwa Exchange at the first opportunity. This was in like the 10th century. Oh, but and by the, the way, um, Godric officially beats Hermione for worst interruption of all time. <laughs> <laughs> As he's like coming in with a sandwich in one hand and like a glass of water in the other, he's like, "What?" Salazar would die, never knowing. You felt, yeah. But I kind of like though that Helga was still happy. I'm glad that it didn't all end up. Oh, I need to be with Salazar, and she didn't leave her husband and everything. She was happy with him till the end, and I liked that. That she'd made her choice, she made her commitment, and she stuck to it. And there wasn't. Well, granted, all this. I didn't think she was going to leave him for the guy who had 20 minutes left of his life. Like, no, I mean even before that. I know, I know. Well, it was when, interesting. You know, because they talked about it and you know i mean well it was really interesting because you have helga who is basically her father writes her off you know and she can be burned at the stake and her mother really doesn't want her to be burned at the stake but she doesn't want it enough that she'll actually speak up and say it to anyone (laughs) like she's just really hoping she gets away but she doesn't facilitate that in any way and you have helga essentially write off her family and she won't go see them and she won't you know, reconcile with her mother and she wants something to do with that. Although even at the end of the story, when she's nine years old and about to die, she even admits that that will always be her home where she grew up, which uh, Rowena doesn't agree with. And then you have, you know, on his end, you have Salazar and with him, she will go back and she will reconcile and she will admit that mistakes were made, but you can still move on from that. But I was, I was thinking before, um, I just blank, I've been blanking all night. The name of the chief warlock who got killed? Ambrosius. Ambrosius. Ambrosius is forgotten. The, the Council of the Wizards of the Warlocks, whatever, that's forgotten. Um, you know, the, the four founders are remembered forever. When you think about it, too, Helga is very happy with her husband, and she had six kids, and she had a wonderful life, and everything worked out fine there. I think you can get the sense that although she had a very successful marriage, Salazar will always be the love of her life, and that will be what is eternally remembered. Even though it may not be remembered by actual people, that's kind of the thing that, if you had to do, like, the two-line bullet points on Helga Hufflepuff, you would remember Salazar more than you would her husband. So it, it kind of worked out, even though she still had a very happy marriage. Well, for example, I don't remember the name of Helga's husband. And neither do I. Do you know this? I've been doing that all night. I'm like, Helga's lovely husband. Was it Ifen? E-R, or Ilar. I have a question. Was he the guy at the beginning who was like the runner to the village? Remember in the beginning, you know, like the redcoats are coming, the redcoats are coming, and they sent that guy down to the village? Was Did she marry him? Is that him? Hell, I don't remember. Because if it is, she married Radar O'Reilly. Many times have I told you, you see, never to interrupt me when I'm doing the show. But yeah, we don't remember who the hell that guy was, even though she had a very lovely marriage to him, and he loved her and always took care of her. I love at the point is before he even apologizes, she's like, even though he's made me very happy, I still want the racist prick who thinks I'm an old hag whose husband will leave me because I got ran or whatever the hell he said before. They separated. I found it interesting that she always loved him even through his dark days, which I guess happens, but I don't understand that. <laughs> but I guess people will do that. I don't know. Yeah, well, until the whole, the actual break and he leaves, that doesn't get displayed to most of them. Like, they're not there watching him while he's cackling evilly over the chicken egg and the poisonous toad or whatever. Like, you know how you have a bad day? 
like usually you don't set a genocide. In pl- I got having- hit by a door and I didn't kill anybody. Yeah, he's like, I made a mistake. What did you do when you were? Ba- I left a bomb under the orphanage. I'm so I was angry at you because of the car keys. Like it just seems like staggering overreaction for whatever. But that's terrible. <laughs> no, it's like you're, you're thinking what, back. His on snake's that. last wish to him is that he stay friends with them. And he immediately goes nuts. Maureen. How did you betray Maureen? <laughs> and he's such a buffoon. He's like, listen to the snake's dying. Wh-. Well, then, no, it would be. I was picturing this, too, because I was trying to think. You can't listen to a snake. You know, I mean, if a snake is smarter than you, you must I was, it. I was afraid the way it would end would be, you know, the, the three friends would show up and they'd all hug and kiss. And hell, guy, I've always loved you. And, and your Salazar, I've always loved you. And too, too bad you're married. Oh, it's all right. He'll never know Spooch, and I thought they That's would have this. What I mean. I'm glad that didn't happen. But That's I was afraid saying. they would have that moment, and they're all hugging, and it's this, it's this perfect moment that he's like, "Right, I'm about to die. All right, here's the deal. I left a bomb under the orphanage. <laughs> you prick!" And that would be the end of it because now he'd have to confess. I forgot to mention, there's Please. a bomb. <laughs> Give the code to Codrick. He has short-term memory loss. We'll take care of that. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. Now, here's one question I have, which I couldn't figure out today. Now, I love the canon characters. I love the canon characters so much that once the canon is over, I am desperate to go out and read more about the canon characters, hence the freaking podcast. I love. It's nice to know that that's why we're here. That's why we're here, because of me. But now, I've read this fic... And I have no desire to read more Founder Fix. Me, I you don't want them to ruin it. I want to read more. I was trying to figure out all day why I'm so contradictory on that. Anyone know? Diagnose me. What's wrong with me? Here's what I'll say, and I'll just be the cynic. The cynic who, you know, likes more varied, probably has more varied taste than anybody here. I think you didn't like them from the beginning, and you were skeptical of them from the beginning, probably. You probably went into it thinking you'd probably only ever read one. You never had a desire to read one, and you had to because of the podcast. And I don't mean to make this sound that terrible, but I mean, like, you know, like, I have no desire to read any more Snape as Harry's father's fic. Yeah, I think we've covered all possible angles on that. Because we've, you know, covered, like, five. Well, no, because here's the thing. I am treating what I've read here as canon, because I'm never going to, unless she writes the Scottish book, I'm never going to get the actual canon. And I doubt the actual canon will be that interesting, because she told, she didn't tell, I started to say this before, she didn't tell the story of just the four guys in their chairs giving orders. She told about their children, their grandparents, and their fathers, and why they had difficulty peeing when they were younger, and you know, the the time about Helga and the Frisbee. And she made them into real people, so you cared about the whole freaking thing. Whereas... You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't know... Can you please pause and tell me the story of Helga and the Frisbee? It happened in her late 60s. It was in the missing period. I, I, well, that, that will be a... I'll write a short story about that. No, I don't remember then. learning about their urinary tract infections. <laughs> exactly. Well, can I just tell you, I was watching Picket Fences on Hulu, and there's the episode where the sheriff's son gets shot at school. You talked and... about this last... No, I didn't tell you this story. And he got paralyzed. So he's in a wheelchair for a few episodes. And then there's the point where they don't know if he'll have a catheter for the rest of his life. So he has to go to the bathroom. So his father runs him into the bathroom and he's sitting on the toilet. And he's like, and like the entire family is waiting with bated breath to see if he can pee on his own. It was similar to that, but with the founder. 
Um, <laughs> what what kind of show are you uh, watching? It's a very good show. It's by the creator of uh, well, uh, Ali McBeal. Uh, did David Kelly do Ali? Ali McBeal. I never watched Ali McBeal. Boston Legal, The Practice. I haven't watched any of those. Yeah. How have you never watched any of those? But you watched the Japanese one about the kid who raises his wife. <laughs> That's a thousand-year-old book. It's the first novel ever written in the oh world. Oh my god! It occurred around the same time. As the <laughs> you, oh my gosh, Ryan! It's the world's first novel. Really? The Tale of Genji is the first novel in the world. No one wrote anything before that. Not a novel. I mean, really? it was like little bits of stuff before that. We had the whole Bible thing. That was like a thousand years before the that. The Bible is not a novel. I understand that, but between, but someone looked at the Bible and they wrote the thing about Peter gave birth to, to well, Peter didn't give birth to anyone. Like, Peter's wife. <laughs> now he's writing him. I mean, like, but no one thought, mm, I can write a detective story now because we wrote all of this and it's a huge book. Like, no one thought that? I don't know. No, nobody thought that. A novel is fiction. Yeah. And yes. the people who were writing the Bible were writing they believed of true events. Like, it's always been a, a no, book. No, I understand I mean, the Bible. There's a was... difference between a novel and, like, a story. Like, a novel no, is a long story. thing with, like, a continuing story that's, like, developed and has a beginning, middle, and end, and plot and stuff. But my question is, between the years of 180 and 999 AD, no one sat down and wrote a detective story? No. No. that survived. I mean, it takes because, a while for culture story, to develop. Because you've got to look at the history of storytelling and the oral traditions, and oral traditions Traditions were not of novels and stories. They were moral tales. They mm-hmm. were um, the passion plays, the, the legends and the stories that shaped the world and religion of the day. They weren't meant to be fiction stories. They were supposed to have all these meanings and, and stuff. The thing with Tale of Genji is like it was sort of a semi like I forget. It's been a while since I you know took the class on it, but I think they consider it special because she wrote it before she told it. Like, she wrote a story, and it's not like she told stories and somebody wrote them down. She sat down and said, today, Lady Murasaki, I'm going to write a story, and I'm going to write it, and it's going to be really long, and I'm not going to stop until it's finished, and then you can read it. And that's how it happened. Because even the first novels that were created in the Western world were actually serials that were written a chapter at a time and put in the newspapers and stuff like that, yeah. And then they compiled them. I'm just going to say I am disappointed because Rowena had all of these bookshelves and I assumed Mm. she had, you know, all different types of... She books. had no novels, unless the wizards developed novels before we did, or Murasagi Shikiba was a witch. Hey, but I always imagine her more like um, Hermione. Like, I don't imagine that Hermione's got a lot of novels. Yeah, she oh, reads no. them. Hermione she reads, like, reads nonfiction. I know exactly. why. My, Hermione reads nonfiction. Hermione, that's something I, I can tell yeah, you. A bit of like reading. Where she pulls out what was that book with the Nicholas Flamel in it. That's her bit well, of like just, reading. I was just in a joke that Hermione reads a lot of Shakespeare because in the last... <laughs> That's not Shakespeare. something I buy. I mean, but, whenever people throw in that Hermione reads all these novels, I don't buy that at all. Well, the thing Hermione is, I can't, I can't say that Rowena does novels. that because Shakespeare hasn't been you know, born. Yeah. born yeah. Yeah. You were going to say invented, weren't you? I was going to say born. But I just do want to point out <laughs> the PS is turning me on to Doctor Who, and I just watched the episode where, where the Doctor and his companion go back in time and they meet William Shakespeare. And the Doctor's companion is a big Harry Potter fan, so they the you were going to say she was Harry. You said, I thought you were going to say that Martha was big and hairy because you said a big. Hairy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only seen her in three episodes. Afro, 
<laughs> I've only seen her in three episodes. But she's a big Harry Potter fan. There's even a, I guess it aired right before um, Half Blood Prince came out. There's even the point where the doctor's like, oh. Yeah. The part I loved it is at the very end, um, Shakespeare has to give this speech to cause the sci-fi plot or whatever to reverse itself and save the Earth or whatever. So he needs to just speak. And the doctor's like, <laughs> just talk. And he's like, what do I say? He's like, you're bloody William Shakespeare. Say whatever. Say see, the, 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 yeah, they, it was like they went through it. We'll see. It was, a, it was like a, an audio code to shut down right. the thing. So he so had he to say to that. But he had to end it on, with something. He, he needs a big he closing could. word. And, so and he, he looks at the ex- doctor. And the doctor looks at Martha. And Martha's like, expelliarmus. <laughs> 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 So you use Expelliarmus to close the thing. Uh, and the doctor looks at the camera you know and is like, bit, thanks, JK, or whatever. Good old JK. <laughs> you know the mm. bit I like in that episode, though, so. is that um, they're sitting there and she's like, oh, yeah, I can't wait for book seven. And you've got Buddy Crouch Jr. sitting there going, oh, yeah, book seven. I cried. <laughs> Actually, just... my favorite thing about that episode is, like, the doctor keeps quoting Shakespeare in it. And sometimes yes. the sh- Shakespeare will be like, I haven't heard that. Is it good? And the doctor's like, you can use it. And then one time he quotes somebody else, and the Shakespeare's like, that's good. Can I use that? And the doctor's like, no, that belongs to somebody else. And I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> you know the one I like? I don't know that it, you've seen it yet. I can't remember. I like the werewolf episode. Have you seen that, Ryan? Ryan's seen it. I've seen. I've seen. That's in season two. I've seen the werewolf. Okay, I couldn't remember where it was. I'm sorry. I I miss Rose. I miss Rose. Oh, Rose is boring. Rose is boring. I'm watching the one. I'm watching the one from 1962 right now. Rose is very interesting. (laughs) But the thing about the Uh, 1962 one is the guy who's the companion, who's now like this 88 year old white guy. I looked him up on Wiki. He's Dean Thomas's father. You've told this story three (laughs) times. Every podcast since, so we can cut it from one. I'll give you that. Rose Tyler is more interesting than the 1960. To companions, yes, and, they're and a little Martha. bit cardboard. Some and of those. Martha. She's a little more interesting. I like I like the um, Runaway Bride though, so hopefully she'll be back. But anyway, back to yeah. Star of the North's ta- Tale of Time Long Gone. Um, I love the fact that she writes a prequel, by the way, to the really, really, really old story. I thought that was great. Um, yeah, I mean, just my my overall thoughts on it is I never I never thought I would like these characters as much as I ended up liking them. Um, and the, the and I was talking to Kezra about this the other way, and I was complaining, and she told me to keep reading, and she was right. Is that what, one thing I liked about it is that it showed the characters differently than I would have imagined them, and you know the fact that Salazar Slytherin is someone who redeems himself in the end, but that's been forgotten by history, even though he did really, really, really awful things. The fact that Godric Gryffindor, I wouldn't characterize this character is like the bravest person I ever met. I would say he's very noble. I would say he's very protective, but I wouldn't go with brave is, is the first thing. Um, you know, Helga was closer to maybe what I expected. Rowena, I was much more attached to than I expected to be. And I like the fact that it's a story that focuses on their parents. It's a story that focuses on their children and not really them as much. They're very important, but it shows the entire picture. And the thing that's interesting Two is Rowena lives to be 117 years old, and the the gap is is one thing that's interesting is sometimes when you hear you know a thousand years ago thrown out there, it's like when they say a billion dollars, you can't visualize what that means in your head. Mm-hmm. You know, Dumbledore is 120 years old when he dies, and 
you know, Rowena dies a hundred years after they find they found Hogwarts. So now that's one fifth of the amount of time between them between their two lives is already taken up. So the the thing that's interesting about the story is because we see the children oh sorry, someone's moving their mic. Because we see the children and because we see the grandchildren and because we see, you know, Dumbledore's ancestors, the thing that's interesting for me is that actually closes the gap a little bit. So it makes the time of the founders a little bit closer to the contemporary time. That just makes the world like a little bit smaller kind of, which was interesting for yeah. me a little bit. It just wasn't, you know, way in the distant past. It was these people, you can see connections to the characters that we know. So, like we were saying earlier, you know, people look back at the ancient Romans and think they were idiots because they didn't have flat screens. But it makes these characters seem a little well, bit more see, accessible. you just said that, and then you went on and said they were idiots for not having novels. <laughs> I, never said, I never said they were idiots for not having novels. I said I believe they had novels. Different... <laughs> I thought it was a really good story, and it's definitely, I think it was just the general mood I was in today when, you know, I was like Bertle and I was thinking about death, but it just was one of those ones that really appealed to me, and I, I thought the, especially the ending was, was very bittersweet with Rowena going to be with her family and, and leaving Hogwarts and having created something, and I, I just think it was just a really, really wonderful story, I'm very glad that we covered it, and it was not what I expected it to be. And I think it's great, and I'm very glad that Hermione didn't discover the tombs. That's very important, yeah. That was incredibly important, and I will I will leave it there. What do you guys think? I thought it was a great ending. Um, I, I, unlike Ryan, am open-minded and would love to read more. What the hell is that? Unlike Ryan, I am <laughs> open-minded, period. Well, you said you didn't want to read new more Founders Fix, and I would like to read more Founders Fix. So you know why I don't want... Unlike you. You know why? I will say this. I don't want to read other founder fics unless she wrote them, because I'm really afraid that most founder fics will be, you know, the four people in the big room. What bad founders fics? <laughs> when I said I want to read more founders fics, I would have, I implied... How many good ones could there be? Here's the thing. Everyone writes about Harry. 15,000 stories has got to be a few good ones. How many... How many really good founder stories can there be? I'll find one. If I find one, will you read it? I will find one if you read it. No. Oh, that's what that's that's not not not. I will read it. If I find one, will you read it? Stop. Brenda, no, what did you think right. of the story? It's like... <laughs> you have to love that. I caught that. It didn't come out quite right. So. I think I, I thought I said it right. Damn. <laughs> Linda, what did you think of the story? I really enjoyed it. I thought it was very well developed. I think that Star of the North is a very talented writer. Um, I like that the characters felt more accessible. You know, I know I'm, I've gone on record in the past, you know, it's the same problem that we discussed when we talked about Gear Darkness, was that generally if it doesn't have the characters that I care about in the story, then I don't really care about the story. And to, it's strange because in it, to an extent, I still absolutely hate reading Marauder era fix and I will avoid them if at all possible, but I really, really enjoyed this story. I think that's what I feel too. I feel like I hate taking the subway late at night and I've done it just this once and I wasn't killed. So I feel like that was, I don't want to push my luck and read another one. I think that's, <laughs> that's really what I feel like. I'm like, I don't want to do this. Like, oh, that wasn't bad, but I can never do it again because what are the odds I'll get another good one? So. Right. Exactly. I'm going to find another good Founders fic just because. That's my new task. This was very well written. I like, she's just very well at 
placing it in history. Like they're they're having their councils at Stonehenge. Everybody's riding around on horses because apparition hasn't been invented yet. Um, they don't have the flu network. All this stuff. Um, Merlin is still a historical figure to them, but close enough that some guy is trying to pretend that he's Merlin's great-great-grandson, and that's why he can lead the council. Um, it's very well centered. It seems like a real place. I mean, I have no idea what it would have been like a thousand years ago, so I can't say, oh, yes, she got everything absolutely right, but it seems real when you're reading it. I really liked having the excerpts from Hogwarts of History, just so you can get that difference between what she's writing actually happened and what ended up being passed on. Yeah. Um, I noticed a number of places, depended on how picky and mood I was in while I was reading. Um, I don't think she um, has English as a first language, because a lot of her tense yeah, things are a little off. Tenses, I noticed. But it's always, issues, it's yeah. Just yeah, there tenses, were but spelling things, problems, but it was kind of like... I think you're probably right, Scott, that she is a native English speaker because um, it was the kind of spelling where it's like it could make sense if you disregard the pronunciation of English. You know, like the word could be conceivably pronounced that way in some language or something. Yeah, I noticed a couple – like there, I think it was um, – uh, Salazar and Helga were walking by the lake, but none of them wanted to go back. I'm like, there's only two people there. <laughs> like. Yeah. Either of them. Or um, there was a case where each of them were going instead of was or whatever. I mean, there were some tenses, and Ravenclaw was spelled in reverse a couple times, which I'm not sure why the spell checker didn't pick that up. But well, What do you mean by all. spelled in reverse? You mean it's in reverse? Raven? It was like Raven. The C and the L were reversed in Ravenclaw. No, it wasn't like Lost where the kid's talking backwards. It was like the C and the L were transposed. But That was probably a typo, but... Yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm a Ravenclaw, and I'm always typing it with C-A-L-W. <laughs> I like, always type Hufflepuff with a G instead of F's. I always type Hugglepug. Hugglepug. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you Who know, just you know, snorted? Own up to it. Who just did that? You know, I can't... <laughs> times, I always have to check that my screen name is spelled right. I always have trouble. I mean, it's like... Yes. You have two letters in it. <laughs> Flat Slytherin. I have I, I always have to make sure Slytherin is spelled right. You know, even though it's my you know, I type it multiple times every day logging into various places, I still, you know, can't type it automatically. You know PS yeah, is I, drunk when she comes online and she's <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean that. I meant Slytherin. No, I know what you mean. I'm always typing Slytherin wrong as well, getting the L and the Y mixed up and stuff. Yeah, and I mean like I feel like that's you know, I be typing it like everything else I can type automatically you know you know I've gotten to the point where plaid is automatic but you know Slytherin my fingers oh I see what it is oh my I wish fingers... we were doing a fourth season I would love to put in the intro uh, a quote I've gotten to the point where plaid is automatic um, <laughs> hey, look at the keyboard see the Y T H and R where they where they mm-hmm. are my fingers trip over each other when they type them that's what it is. Yeah. How big are your fingers? <laughs> You've seen my fingers. They're not. That, that's a very odd sentence to end a podcast with. <laughs> You've seen my fingers, and I've gone to the point where plaid is automatic. No, see, okay, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I've Fine, always crawl out of the ditch. I'll see. I've always do. been self-conscious about the size of my hands. 
Because when I was when I was in little league, one time I left my mitt at the field, and the coach found it, and then he came and gave it back to me, and he said, "I knew it was yours because it's so big." Because it's what? It was so big. He knew it was mine. He knew it was my mitt because it was so big. You have large hands. Uh, I didn't know this. Your hands. I don't. I don't think I. I don't. I've always been self-conscious about the size of my hands. Maybe you've grown into them. Ever since I was eight. And, I mean, it was, it's a Ken Griffey Jr. mitt. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know where the really... Maybe that's why you didn't put your hand up to stop the door. Oh, my God, you could have broken the door. <laughs> I, my hands aren't that big. Hang on. Is there a ruler I'll measure my hands? It's true. Like, when JK was coming up with the founder's names, she... she came up with some pretty complex names. All of them are a little odd to type in. I always remember just laughing and laughing at Hufflepuff. <laughs> I'm watching and McGonagall's there and she's like, while you are here at Hogwarts and giving a little speech and she's just like, you know, Gryffindor, which sounds, you know, like well, not good and solid and um, Slytherin and Ravenclaw and they sound decent and you know just like I don't I know they sound Hufflepuff can never be taken seriously it's like Hufflepuff <laughs> is never taken seriously because it sounds like such a stupid name that's what I it mean comes, it it's comes like, from the three little pigs look Ryan you've seen my hands they're not that big I didn't pay that much attention to your hands when I met you I didn't but you didn't like think they were unnaturally big I'm not like I'm not like that Seinfeld episode. I don't have man hands. Well, you didn't rip the door handle off my car, if that's what you're asking. But I, don't I really have didn't. Man hands. I'll, I'll check out your hands the next time we meet. Well, you know what the thing is? I'm picturing now. Now the four houses were based off the surnames of these people who lived a thousand years ago. Could you have imagined if McGonagall standing up on those stone steps at Oxford University, which I've been to by the way, and was like, the, the four houses are Gryffindor, Hufflepuff, Ravenclaw, and Lipschitz. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? Like, this could have ended, right? Like, I want to be a Lipschitz. Like, who is, like, Hello, Bob. No, 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 you don't know me. I just picked your name out of a book. Yeah. I'll go with a name like Bob Lipschitz. You got to be a fun kind of guy. Because, yeah. uh, talk about the fic, because we're now doing Morgan Minty quotes. Nanu, nanu. I don't think that's the fic we were talking about. <laughs> that was that's such a more. great show, though. That's more. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think it jumped the shark when they had the kid, though. Anyway, the fic. Jonathan Winters. How could it not? All right, Carrie, I'm sorry, Carrie. <laughs> I enjoyed the fic a lot. I particularly liked the characterizations. Someone was saying on, on an author's website that I was on the other day, how, how do you personally make a fic more readable? And then they went on to three paragraphs of how they cut and paste it into this one and they change the background dark because it's better for their eyesight. And Then they run it with spell check and then they do these 60,000 other programs to it and then I read it. How, how do you make a fic more readable, you know? And I'm like, well, you know, if... If I find it that difficult to read, my only strategy is to hit the back button. <laughs> and that's what normally happens if I find something with too many typos, too many punctuation errors, because they usually go hand in hand with a fic that's eminently unreadable. And I found in this fic that I could ignore most of those errors. I could just go, oh, that's the wrong word, and move on, because I just found it was an engrossing story. And the characters were new and refreshing, but familiar and the world was familiar but new at the same time and I think 
the, the author really pulled it off, I reckon. Really and I will say, I didn't notice the typos until um, yeah. uh, Mike pointed them out to me a few weeks ago. So I will always now picture these four characters whenever I think of the houses. And basically, I'm very proud to be a Hufflepuff, because I thought Helga was really cool. Slytherin, I thought... I w- you know what? I'm kind of glad that Deathrill had the night off, because I think he would have been very upset by the fact that... Well, actually, no, maybe he would have... I'm trying to think of his reaction to Slytherin, because Slytherin came around at the end, but he'd somehow make the whole thing out to be Slytherin got the bad... Anti-Slytherin propaganda. Yeah, Slytherin got the bad shake in the whole time. Like well, then the, well, then the... <laughs> it's also Slytherin is Scott Brown. But then the issue I had, too, was once Salazar left, the Slytherins kind of stopped beating the crap out of the Muggleborns. So then a thousand years later, where does that hatred come from? Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, if he just up and left, why is there even still a, a Slytherin? I mean, like, I thought it was their uh, groups. I, I'm pondering that maybe Tom Riddle reignited the Slytherin thing. No, he was a Slytherin. Oh, he, I, you don't mean the Slytherin house, you mean just the Muggleborn thing. But yeah, yeah. So, so, so they it stopped being all rivalry and it settled down. But you get someone like Tom Riddle who comes along who hates Muggles. Well, I was being kind of rhetorical, too, because I think that if Slytherin is remembered as being the, the great Muggleborn hater, that over a thousand years, when you like look up what house you're in, it's like, we, it's like we talk about George Washington as being honest, and that's the thing he's remembered for, when in actuality he may be not was very honest. Slytherin, that's what he's remembered for, so it kind of takes on a life of its own, so it kind of breathes fire into all future generations to take on that personality trait or be cognizant of it, so maybe... That's where that comes from. And as for why Slytherin House remained after Slytherin left the school, I think he just, like, blowtorched his name on the door or something. I don't know. And they just couldn't get it, so they just kept it. I don't know. It's on the crest. <laughs> they made the crest. They're not exactly going to modify that. He was the artist, after all. I can't... Exactly. It was in the binder that uh, Rowena left for Tristan, or whatever his name was there, and scared the <laughs> shit out of him to keep the name. I don't know. It's in your Welcome to Hogwarts pack. <laughs> it is. Right, the they printed out 50,000 of them, and they can't get rid of them until the recycling, so they have to use all of them before they can change the names. Well, I did like the fact, too, that 117-year-old Rowena is walking with her walker through the moat to get the note that says, Death is Fun. So she's, like, schlepping up the... She's, like, rappelling up the side of the hill to get to the damn thing. And she's thinking, you know what? All these kids, all they think of me is I'm a teacher, and that's all I'm remembered for. Like, I've done so many cool things, and everyone forgets. I'm just a teacher. I personally was more amused by how this had better be worth it. <laughs> <laughs> then she opens the note. That would have been great if she's like, oh, man. But I thought it was a very wonderful gift. It was a very nice thing. And I think that Helga put a lot mm-hmm. of work into that. I don't know. Helga, I think, is just a pain in the ass. <laughs> she, she gets to the afterlife. She sees Helga. And she's like, Helga, your little stunt killed me. <laughs> I got all the way out there. Couldn't get it back to the castle. Well, I'm trying to figure the damn thing out. I'm like, I think Rowena's just going to drown herself in the lake because <laughs> she's ready to go. I'm like, just take some extra pills or something. Good God, that's awful. Poor guy has to go find her at the top. Of the- and that's the thing. Do you notice how Hogwarts always uses the kids for child labor? When they can't find the headmistress, they send the kids out to look. And someone <laughs> finds her face down in the stream. I don't know. They all were very realistic people, though. I mean, I mean, there are a few yes. background characters, certainly, but everyone that we spent any time with had some depth to them. Like, Ambrosius wasn't just a copy of Fudge, for example. Right. There were definitely some fudgy qualities in there, but uh, he had his own kind of thing going fudgy on. Fudgy qualities. I like that. 
That's what you say, replace. He was a Fijian. <laughs> Merlin founded a colony on Fiji. Yeah. You know, his last word was Roslyn, and all I can picture is he had, like, an affair with Rowena, and, like, he was really... I keep thinking you're saying Roslyn. Well, that's what the texture says, and I refer to her as the Laura Roslyn character. So I'm just picturing that she had, he had an affair with her, and he was really the father of Rowena, and was going to go off in this weird soap opera plot line or whatever. And all I could picture is somehow it would turn out that, like, John Edwards was the father. And, uh, oh, God. Because <laughs> he's everybody's daddy nowadays. John Edwards is his time travel. Did you hear now there's a sex tape? What the hell? Yes. I've heard that. Oh, good. Can you imagine if he won? Oh, my God. All right, so we will leave off on this fic, this wonderful fic by Star of the North, by saying it is a good thing that John Edwards is not the father of Rowena Ravenclaw, or else the entire story would have been icky. (laughs) So on that note, have a lovely night, everybody, and we'll be back next week for the first set of chapters of Steel and Harry. See you next Thursday. See you next Tuesday. (laughs) And uh, P.S. will post somewhere what chapters you will be reading. I did. It's it in will, the thread. It's whether, in the schedule. Well, tell I, people now. Okay, I'm bringing it up. You got to Stealing Harry it. by who? Who wrote the thing? Sam. Sam Vine. Upper badge. He has like his, five names. Yeah. yeah. It's all based on Sam from the Terry Pratchett books anyway. And the chapters are? The chapters are chapters one through six. You sound like you're talking to small children with helmets on. (laughs) (laughs) I was actually, I was trying to imitate those voices where they replace part of the recording. And it's like, she's like... What are you doing, a Fandango voice now? (laughs) Today's chapters are one through six. Oh, God. This is what... This is what happens when P.S. gets hit by a door. You really have to make the numbers completely different sounds than it works. It's like, this week's chapters are one through six. Have a good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Good night. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. Hey, everyone. It's Sue. And in this episode, we have two special guest peons, Itai and Julia. And Scott, no matter how much he tries, just can't stay with us very long. It's typical peon cast. What can I say? Hope you enjoy the episode. Oh, my gosh. This is so exciting. I just love this part. are coming. Welcome back to Peoncast, the next generation. I'm Sue. I'm Scott. This is Oliver Scow. I'm Itai. I'm Julia. I'm surrounded by Hufflepuffs. Always. That's not a bad thing. And you requested to be so. Today we are going to be discussing... The Legacy of the Thinking Cap, which is written by Andrea 13, and it can be found on Fiction Alley. We have, in the past two weeks, gone over a couple of her other Thinking Cap stories, and this is the last of the short ones. There is one that's quite a bit longer that we will not be covering, but that you are welcome to go and read if you like these Thinking Cap stories. And it starts off with it awfully boring being a disembodied mind in a hat. Oh, I should let Itai do that. I know that he likes that saying. 
Yes, disembodied mind has become, I think, one of my favorite things as a result of the story. So it was awfully boring being a disembodied mind in a hat. And I agree. It would be. I imagine it would be. Pretty dull existence. So this whole series I found very, very, for lack of a better word, very cute. Particularly because of the way that the founders sort of, the back and forth between them. Mm Mm-hmm. And there are some questions I have, but I don't know if I should ask them now or wait, or how are we going to do this? We tend to sort of go through what's happening in the story and then go back and do general impressions at the end. So if you want to ask the question when we get to wherever it is, will that work? I can probably do that, yeah. And of course I dropped in the middle of saying that sentence, but oh well. So who's going to narrate this? Scott. (laughs) (laughs) Right. That's going to work real well. It starts off with them saying that it sounded like a great idea when the four founders decided that they should do a spell putting their disembodied minds into a hat. And it was kind of fun at first, but it got old and boring pretty quick. Really quick, yeah. They had a good time with it at the beginning because then they could be on each other's heads and kind of read each other's minds, and they kind of thought that was really fun at first. Wait, I was a little confused. How did that work? Like, if Godric Gryffindor put the hat on, then the other founders would know what he was thinking? Question mark? Yes, because the hat is terms so that it reads the mind of whoever it's put upon. So they would take turns putting the hat on and... The founders inside the hat would know what the person they were sitting on was thinking, but the non-disembodied people would not. Okay, I get it. So why was the last practice curtailed? I mean, it says it was undermining the dignity of the school, but... The hat running through the hallways singing at random students was sort of startling, and, you know, they wouldn't respect the sorting hat as a wonderful magical object if it was just playing pranks on everyone all the time. Ah, so... The sorting hat was at one point Peeves, yes? It was the Fred and George of their day. Sort of, kind of. It could scuttle along on its brim, I think. The sorting hat and the role of Peeves, very good. That's such a funny image. I would love to see the sorting hat just, like, sort of scuttling along. It'd be a great picture. I think our sorting hat would want to get out of Sue's office right now. I could see him trying to run away. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be hilarious. Like, you've put me on your head once too many times today, so I'm leaving. And then it scurried off. The Sorting Hat just had a conversation with Rita. I'm scared. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. The Sorting Hat had a conversation with who? Rita Skeeter. Oh, dear God. But we are off on a tangent. What else is new? Kind of. <laughs> One of the things that they really like doing is meeting the new headmasters because it's become the best kept secret in the school that they are actually inside the hat. So the only one that knows that they are in the hat is the current headmaster. And when that headmaster leaves or dies or whatever, they leave instructions for the next headmaster to put on the hat. And It's kind of like what happens in Half-Blood Prince when the new prime minister meets the mm-hmm. portrait in his office. Right. He's like, huh? That thing isn't supposed to talk. Right. It was cute. I liked that scene where Dibbit like almost fell through the floor. Dumbledore figured it <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, I can like, see seconds. Dibbit doing that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like everybody just presumes that Dibbit was like a blivering idiot. That's kind of sad. I just well, they assume that because he couldn't see through Voldemort. Of course, now it's obvious, but at the time, I'm not so sure that it was. Yeah, I was going to say most people couldn't see through him. I think Dumbledore was really the only one. 
So he unfortunately got the reputation of blithering idiot, deserved or not. But that we can leave for debate another time if you want. The one headmaster whose name escapes me at the moment could be seen for like a week arguing with oh, the Phineas Nigel. Phineas, there. That was how he became the most unpopular headmaster Hogwarts ever had. Ah. And I love that Dumbledore had a feeling that they were in there somewhere. <laughs> we talked last week about how the hat kept dropping things on people's heads. They obviously started earlier with this because they dropped parchment, too. Yeah, so did we ever figure out what was on that parchment, or did I just miss it? It's just instructions. They don't tell us. We don't know what the instructions are. No. He was supposed to duck. <laughs> All right, that was from the last yes. one. And he did. They told him to duck, and he did. And then he came back and said, thank you. This will be helpful. So, Scott, you wanted to say something about Albus? Oh, I just enjoy his uh, introduction to the hat and how quickly he actually figures everything out Mm -hmm. as compared to some of the other ones. I thought it was very interesting that he was seriously considered to be a Slytherin. I can see that, too. I can, yes. But I hadn't. Mm-hmm. But then again, and this is one of the things that I kind of find irritating at moments and clever at others, depending on the mood I'm in when I read, is every one of the founders seems to think that any student is going in their house, which is clever when I think about it, because each of us has the potential to go in any of the four. It's annoying when it's the same argument over and over again. Well, I imagine it's really annoying for them, too. They seem to enjoy it, though. (laughs) That's true. It's the only thing they can do. Godric and Salazar. Especially, yeah. I mean, Helga is a a peacemaker. Well, we are Hufflepuffs. Ruina just seems to be above it all. Mm -hmm. Would you leave me alone and just stop it? Um, Did I get us off track again? No, you're fine. I was just adding Scott again. I have trouble doing three things at once. Why? I don't know. Sue. I know, I know. I'm supposed to be able to do three things at once, but... So, one of the things that we find out is that Salazar goes off in a funk, which is really difficult to do when you're in a hat, but they give him his space, Mm -hmm. and he kind of broods a lot about the fact that Tom has set himself up as the Dark Lord and is supposedly doing Salazar's bidding, and it's not what Salazar really wants. Yeah, but they get really tired of it really quickly, don't they? Well, it goes on for months. Yeah, Yeah. and I don't know how I feel about that anyway. Was it they gave him three months, right? Yeah, but I don't know how I feel about Salazar being upset about this. I mean, did he not want to rid the world of non-purebloods? Not this version of him, apparently. Okay, so this is the time for the question. What exactly did he want, and how exactly was he being misused? He wanted the school to be safe from muggle attack, but that didn't necessarily mean he wanted to kill the muggleborns. Say it again? He wanted the school itself to be safe from attack by muggles. So that's why he bred the basilisk. It was meant to protect the school. It wasn't meant to go around killing the Muggleborns in the school. And we know this because... That came up in one of the earlier ones in the series. Oh, it was in one of the earlier series ones. Okay, I didn't read those. I read all of them. I'm just, I'm wondering where I missed... Where was it, Scott? I think it's in the long one, because I think it goes into that Salazar was afraid of, like, the witch trials, maybe the Inquisition, and all of that. Oh, okay. All right. That persecution during that time 
And so he was scared and was trying to protect the people in that school. Okay, so I feel considerably less stupid now because I didn't actually read that one. Oh, no, I'm paraphrasing from Scott last week, so don't feel bad. (laughs) I read the other three, and I just didn't see a reason in the other three. Well, see, I am having my soul slowly eaten, so I haven't read any of them except for this one. Yeah, it came up in Riddle of the Thinking Cap, which is when we first hear about the basilisk and Tom being sorted and such. He bred the basilisk as a means of protection. Yes. Yes. It's an interesting way to look at it. I guess it makes sense. It's just sort of a, I don't know, it's a very dangerous version of a pit bull. Then again, so is Fluffy. That's true. But see, the difference between Fluffy and the Basilisk is that you can do something to quiet Fluffy down. A Basilisk, you have to sort of kill. Well, if Salazar was there, Salazar could control him because Salazar could talk to him. Her. Yeah, but didn't Salazar assume that he was going to die at some point? Or the heirs of Slytherin. There were other heirs and there were other parcel mouths. Remember, it wasn't always considered a dark trait. A dark art. But it was still really rare, though. Rare, yeah, but there's a difference, truly between rare and dark. Well, I know that. The point wasn't that it was dark. The point was that if nobody else could control it, what's the, mm-hmm. like, then you've got a problem. Well, but Slytherin's line can continue, and apparently the heirs can speak. I guess. Must be genetic. I'm not saying it makes a tremendous amount of sense, but there is that way out if you want. He just didn't realize it was going to die out as much as it did. He didn't plan for that. He's human enough to make mistakes, I guess. Okay. Well, let's let's just take the way out and move on. Because we can sit here and argue about this for hours. It's time for the new sorting, and they ask Salazar if he's ready to join them in the sorting, and he's not really sure he wants to. He tells them just to go ahead without him, and it comes out that he is compelled. It's part of the charm that he has to be in the sorting, but he's still sulking. So the first few kind of go without any argument, because he's not there to really put up a fight. And then he starts arguing, and it gets fun. Yeah, and the first one is serious. I like the way that they kind of put this together, because normally he would have fought really hard for Sirius because of the family connection and everything. And Sirius was the first one sorted that time, or at least in the story. And he was still sulking, and he didn't put up a fight at all when Godric wanted him. So I thought that was really an interesting way of seeing how he got into Gryffindor, because otherwise there would have been a fight. I'm sure that Salazar would have really tried to have gotten it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really interesting to me that, unless I'm missing it, that Godric and Salazar will fight. Ruina and Helga will fight, but rarely will Helga fight with one of the other two. It has happened in a couple of them, but it's not as often, certainly. Yeah, she fights over... Um, Hannah? Remus? Neville. Well, that, but she fights over somebody in this one, too. She we'll fights over it. Hannah, that I remember. She fights over someone in this one. Or Susan. And she'll fight over Remus. It might have been Remus. It might have been... It might have been James. Didn't everybody fight over James? Yes, everybody fights over James in this one. So the next one that gets sorted that we kind of know about, it says that two Ravenclaws and a Hufflepuff follow Sirius, and then... Ooh, here comes a redhead. And Godric laughs and said, you are not taking one of my Weasleys. And it's like, <laughs> wait a minute, this isn't a Weasley. She's an Evans. And you know that he's going to fight for her. And then he's like, oh. Muggleborn, oh, never, mind. never mind. And after the fiasco that was Tom, he's 
not at all interested in. Justifiably terrified. Yeah. And I never thought I would justify Salazar, but there we go. I definitely, like, something that was evident. In other versions, like, Salazar's definitely emphasizing his S's. Mm-hmm. It's a show of his emotion, whether it's anger or temper, but it's definitely a lot of S a lot of, all the time. Yeah, there's a lot of hiss. By the way, in my text reader, I don't get that at all, so <laughs> I completely missed that. I was just going to say the same thing. One. When I look at it now, I go, oh, wow, look at all this, because I don't get it in my text reader either. It doesn't even read them out as S's? It just reads the word. It doesn't elongate the hissing sound at all. That was actually kind of cool. I liked that Salazar, like, when he gets annoyed and pissed off, he, he s's a lot. Mm-hmm. I think that's a cool little character trait. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Helga was apparently a horrid 11-year-old. That's fun. (laughs) It's good to know. Someone asked me just the other day if Hufflepuffs were all evil and angry. So, If Hufflepuffs were evil and angry? (laughs) Who asked that? (laughs) That was me. It was a Quibbler employee. Oh. (laughs) Was it Rita? Was she mad at Oscar? Uh, I don't know what Rita was up to, but yeah. Didn't we talk about that, Sue? At least briefly? Yeah, I think we did. I like their interactions, though. Like, Salazar says he can draw conclusions from a limited sample, and apparently he drew the conclusion that Godric was an arrogant, headstrong idiot with too much time in his hands and not enough brains to fill a thimble. <laughs> yeah. And that was after the first time, and, and after the second time, he drew that conclusion that he had even less than that. Well, that isn't very nice. Remember when I said I liked you better when you were quiet? <laughs> So shut up! No. Yeah, I loved Gryffindor in this fic. He was like my kind of guy. Says the only <laughs> Gryffindor in the room. Gryffindor! It's just as well that you like him, I guess. Usually it's Kelly's the only non-Hufflepuff in the room, so she was really looking forward to podcasting with you tonight. Oh, it's too bad she's sick. Well, I feel her pain because I too am podcasting under the weather. Are the rest of us here Hufflepuffs? Yes, we are all Hufflepuffs. Yes. Hufflepuffs are particularly good finders. Who are we fighting for? Gryffindor, give it all for the red and gold. Who are we fighting for? Gryffindor, this is battle, this is war. Where did you come up with that? It's a Ministry of Magic song here. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Now we're going to Remus, and he's so adorable. He's really cute in this. He is. Please let me stay at Hogwarts. Please let me stay. Yeah. Please, please, please don't expel me. Don't expel me. I love that they always get excited when they see hair. Oh, look, it's hair. Oh, boy. Somebody new is coming. It means we get to interact with someone other than ourselves. That's an exciting thing. I mean, if you've ever spent your days interacting with only a very finite number of people, you will know how much of a pleasure it is to interact with someone else for a change. Yeah, I know. Yeah, never underestimate that. It's very important. I wouldn't. Oh, look, they're fighting about Remus. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, so cute. But that's what they do. They'll fight. Well, of course you'll stay, Helga exclaimed, sounding more the little mother than Mm -hmm. ever. Yeah. But I love, <laughs> and you know what, it's an accurate comment, but Salazar's comment, wait, Remus, Lupin, were his 
parents asking for him to be attacked by a werewolf. Yeah. <laughs> I loved that. That was so funny. I've actually read a fic where that isn't his real name, and he changed it after he became a werewolf because his parents didn't want him associated with their family or something like that. Okay, who did we lose? Because it wasn't Scott. Julia. All right, this is too weird. I don't know what to do now. Uh-oh. Oh, no. i got to find her. Hang on. Oh, no. I can't hear. Oh, now we lost Scott. We <laughs> and then there were three. <laughs> it's interesting. The two that they've all fought over have been Hermione and Remus. And I guess there was some of that with Harry as well. Did they all fight over Lily? It was more Godric and Salazar, yeah. Gryffindor kind of called her. I think he gets all the redheads. Yeah, he has a thing for redheads, apparently. He hogs them. He likes wheelies, as my text reader likes to call them. Wheelies? For some reason, doesn't notice that there's an S there, so it calls them wheelies. Oh. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Bloody annoying is what it is. Remus is so excited about being there that he's like done almost half a year's homework, so Rowena is sure. Sounds like Hermione. He should be in Ravenclaw, yeah. and Helga's like, no, he's a Hufflepuff, you just don't want to admit it. And they're saying, oh, no, he's a Gryffindor, and so they're fighting so much that they just can't even get close, and so they decide to see what he would like. And he's thinking that Dad was in Gryffindor, and he'd be so proud of me. And then he's thinking, what's taking so long? Maybe I'll just sit here forever and they'll never sort me. And I'll get expelled. Poor little Remus. I like Helga. He needs friends and he'll get the good friends in Hufflepuff. They won't be judging or anything like that. But Gryffindor is where he goes. Hooray! Your house isn't the only one with good friends, Godric Side then suggested. Why don't we see if the boy has a preference? Mm Mm-hmm. And that when we hear about the fact that Dad would be so proud if I was a Gryffindor. Right. And then they go on and list the stereotypes. We go into this slight diatribe about why do they mm-hmm. always want Gryffindor? Because it's the best. You know, you'd think the rest of the houses were full of dolts and ruffians. That's another word that I like. Dolt is a wonderful word. We don't use it enough in American English. No, I think we should bring back ruffian. Ruffian's a good one, too. <laughs> Ruffian's a great one. Scallywag, <laughs> another good one. That I can take or leave, but dolts and ruffians I like. So it turns out that the Hufflepuffs are the dolts. Oh, no. eh. that's BS. <laughs> I call BS. They're going to declare shenanigans. <laughs> yeah. Yours is the one that doesn't come out of the library long enough to get noticed, and mine is apparently the House of Evil. <laughs> the House of Evil. Actually, it's so funny. Like These days, I've noticed everyone wants to be either a Slytherin or a Hufflepuff. Nobody wants to be a Gryffindor or Ravenclaw anymore. I started you a Gryffindor not very long ago. That's true, you did. But, like, in fandom in general, Hufflepuff and Slytherin are, like, the two huge houses right now. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Hufflepuff is easy to explain. You just say Sue Upton, and that yeah. explains it all. <laughs> Truthfully, I never anticipated myself to be a Hufflepuff until I took the test. It's like, okay. I thought it was a Ravenclaw. And I was like, okay, well, we'll try this. And then it, I just, I like our house, and I think I fit well. Says the Hufflepuff head of house. The funny thing is, is that every personality test I've taken... Comes out differently? No, has made me a Hufflepuff. But anybody who gets to know me for even a brief period of time tells me I belong in Ravenclaw. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said that before the thing, but you and Hufflepuff, I had you as a Ravenclaw for ages. 
But I think the fact that I'm attempting to be a marriage and family therapist kind of tips the scales in that direction. But I mean, that's also going to be your second master's. And considering that you've talked me through my bachelor's, I think that tips the scale towards Ravenclaw. It was fun. Fun. It was fun. Every paper was like pulling teeth. It was terrible. Oh, God. Every time this would happen, it would always end up with me, like, crying on the phone to Itai, throwing things, having a complete nervous breakdown. And I kept coming back. I'm an idiot. No. Thank you. I take this as a sign of your love for me. It's his loyalty. <laughs> and, and, and his, his hardworkingness. His, his Hufflepuffness. There you go. And Thank back you. on topic. Yes. <laughs> there we go. All right. I guess that proves it. You really are a Hufflepuff. And thank you for doing that before I could tell the story of Kate and the really boring sex. What? <laughs> oh, no. 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 Oh, my God. It's so funny. Okay, if you have to. Okay, go ahead. I really do. You can choose to edit it out if you really want, but it's so funny. I have to tell it. Okay, go ahead. Okay, so here's the story. Itai and I were at the end of writing one of my papers. I was frustrated. I was annoyed. I just wanted to be done. And so he was sitting there on the phone making suggestions to me, and I was just sitting there going, Yes. 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 Okay, we get the point next. I had moved on. As I was doing this, I had the door open to my dorm room, and my neighbor Kate sort of walked by, and she, she stood in the door as I was sitting there going, Yes, yes, and she sort of coughs, and I look at her, and she goes, you sound like you're having really boring (laughs) sex. (laughs) How did I know it was going to be something like that? And so I cracked up laughing hysterically, and this one is on the other end of the phone going, what, what's so funny, why are you laughing, where's where's the, hello, what did I miss? I'm trying to kill myself to write her paper, and she, she's <laughs> and I was like, oh, no, it's it's nothing. Kate just thinks we're having really boring sex. And, then, and he, like, freaks out, and he's like, what? What? Kate, we are not having sex. Boring. <laughs> what? Kate, on the phone. Put the phone in me. She, I have to understand we are not having boring sex. What? Give her the phone. Oh. <laughs> I don't so sound I put like her, that. I put her on speaker. I put her on speaker, and he's like, "Hi, Kate. We are not having boring sex. We are writing a paper. There is no sex. This no sex here. Sex no." Was it a paper on sex? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask no. because I don't remember. So where are we in the actual fic? Oh, who knows? Salazar is now pouting again because of Tom, and he wants to let the whole world know that this was not his plan, that Tom's plan was not his plan. And he's like, but I can't exactly shout it out to the Great Hall that it's not how I want things. And Helga says, well, you could. Well, you can, but you'd scare the shit out of everybody. If you don't mind throwing away a thousand years of secrecy and scaring the professors, come to think of it. It would be a way to ensure that this year's sorting is remembered for a long time. Oh, yeah. So they decide that that's not the way to do it. And then 
I like that Rowena says, you know, we can only do the best we can. We put the children into houses that will help guide them through life, but they're still the ones who have to choose what road to take. And I really liked that part of this. Yeah, that's great. And it's all about choice, after all. Right. It's always all about choice. And that's key. Actually, I really like that. Well, I think that that stands to even Pettigrew's sorting, is that, yeah, he was put in Gryffindor, which I don't think we've gotten him yet, but he made those choices, and it wasn't Godric's choosing him to be in that house that caused him to turn out the way it was. It was his own choices. Right. As it was with Remus, as it was with Harry, as it, yeah. Exactly. As it always isn't. I mean, I was sort of along those lines, I was going to say that, you know, that one line just goes to show that, I mean, I don't necessarily want to say that this universe is bigger than Joe Rowling, because that just doesn't sound right, and it's inaccurate, sort of, but I guess what I'm trying to say that Joe set up a universe in such a way that the power of choice is really pervasive. You know, it's everywhere, and it's beyond just the canon, and that it's even gotten into the fanfic, and it's it's timeless, you know? It's not just specific to Harry. Right. It's everyone. It's everyone, and it's such a powerful theme that it pervades a lot more literature than just the Harry Potter universe, and it's fanfic. Mm-hmm. Right. True. And I just think that Joe said it so perfectly. It's not right and wrong. It's what's right and what's easy. You know, there are so many choices you can make that are the easy way out, but they're not full of integrity and the best decision that you can make. And it's just, it's life. It's it's Howard Madoff and, and Enron and, and all of those things. All those choices they made were probably the easy choices. The easy choices, yeah. For them, selfishly, when it probably wasn't right, but it was those whistleblowers that were the ones who made the right choice, that it wasn't the easy thing to do. I didn't realize how much of a basic distinction there was until I read Harry Potter as a series, but it it really is that basic. It's what is right, but is easy. It somehow always ends up being those two polarities, which is really interesting. Yeah. Right. And so Salazar says, well, what if they choose evil? then that's their choice. We couldn't live their lives for them even when we were alive. All we can do is give them the tools that they need. And Salazar kind of goes silent and thinks about it. So Godric picks up the thread and he says, For everyone that chooses evil, there are dozens more that will choose the good way of life. Students that we have sorted are going to stand up against Voldemort and maybe even some of the ones that we're sorting today. And Salazar says, yeah, but some will stand with them. And Helga wants to give him a hug. I know, I love that. I wish you were still in body so I could give you a hug, but we're just, again, disembodied minds in a hat. Oh, those Hufflepuff huggers. There's not a lot we can do, but Salazar, we can do something no one else can. We can put these children where they belong, and after that, it's up to them. Mm -hmm. And even then, Salazar is not satisfied. Right. And all we get out of him is, perhaps... And it'll drop, but he's not happy. So we move on a little bit. And then Peter puts on the hat. I love the... Godric, he's a mouse. How can you even claim he's Gryffindor material? I'm not claiming he's the bravest child we've ever seen, but... There's not a brave bone in his body, but there is a great deal of cunning. I take it back, he's not a mouse. He's a rat. Yeah. Ooh, prophetic. See, this is what's interesting to me about what... And I forget who said it. I think it was Godric who said he was brave because he stood up to everybody on that train. No, I'm having a brain fart. Look at how much he admired those boys on the train for being willing to speak up against the older students. Yes, that's it. 
And he's always chose to surround himself with the brave ones, not the sneaky ones. We should be encouraging that. And who said that? Godric. Godric, yeah. So that's Godric's argument, which I think is really a case of wishful thinking. It's just what they all do, and maybe I'm just saying that because I know who Pettigrew will turn out to be and what he did. So I could be very colored by the fact that he's a traitor, and I'm a Hufflepuff, and we don't do that. But I really think that this is the one case of wishful thinking. That Well, where would you have put him? Not Gryffindor. <laughs> maybe Slytherin, because he is opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Gryffindor is definitely not where I would have put him. It's not... Only because he betrayed James and Lily. I think Sirius said it best in, in the Shrieking Shack when I said the core of his personality is that he surrounds himself with people who are bigger and stronger than him so that he feels protected. And when that happens to be a bunch of Gryffindors, then he'll do that. Mm-hmm. And when it happens to be a bunch of Slytherins and, and Voldemort's crowd... He'll do that, too. He has a very keen sense of where his own best interest lies, and he will go there mm-hmm. consistently. And that's not a Gryffindor trait. Mm-hmm. No, definitely not. But would he even have been in a position to betray them if he went to Slytherin? Like, I guess my estimation may have been that he would have just been a general lackey. He would have been a crab and a goyle. And- sure, you know, he probably, his role would have been far diminished. He would have never been the rat that caused so much problems. No, he would have been a rat, but he would have been a rat among rats. Rat among snakes. He never probably would have become an animagus, for one thing. Mm-hmm. That's what I meant. I'm sure that if it would have been advantageous, that somebody in Slytherin could have just as easily done that. But what point would there have been to do it? The whole reasoning was for Remus. Yeah. No, I understand. You know, so... No, and I'm I'm not disagreeing with you. I guess I'm just playing devil's advocate of... And you have a point. Where would this story have been if this didn't occur? Peter's an interesting character. You wonder how he might have done being in Slytherin or being in Hufflepuff, for that matter. If he had mm-hmm. people yeah. encouraging him to be loyal to other people, would that have worked? Or would something else still have happened that he ended up on the Death Eater side? And that, of course, raises the question, and this is just me being philosophical, so if I'm going too far, let me know. That, of course, raises the question, is it absolutely necessary for James and Lily to have been betrayed, you know, Mm -hmm. in order for the story to have unfolded as it did? Yeah. Uh, Yes. I think so, because if they weren't betrayed... They wouldn't have been found. They wouldn't have been found, and Sirius would have never gone to Azkaban because he would have never gone after Pettigrew. And so even if they were found, Harry would have had his godfather and hadn't gone to the Evans. Mm-hmm. But also, Voldemort wouldn't have been destroyed on Halloween, so he would have had however many more years to build up his power base. Right. Mm-hmm. It's all a butterfly effect. Isn't that interesting how we can take any point in this universe? as Joe has written it, and any point is potentially a linchpin if we remove it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It all hangs together. I think that is the genius of fan fiction, and good fan fiction, is that it demonstrates just how much of a ripple effect there is. Because you put one toe out of line and everything shifts infinitesimally and you have a completely different story. Mm -hmm. Right. That's genius, in my opinion. 
Yeah. That's really good writing. Yay, Joe. <laughs> I personally don't think Peter was that rat-like at his sorting. Otherwise, he might not have made it into Gryffindor. But I love that in this one, the reason he gets into Gryffindor is so Salazar can escape from Godric's bad puns. They kind of sneak him in. Uh And then the next thing we know, we have a shaggy head. Has he ever heard of a comb? (laughs) I'm confused now. Do we have Snape first or do we have James first? James first. He comes before S. (laughs) Well, that's what I was thinking. And then I was looking at something and I was like, okay, I've messed this up. No, so has he ever heard of a comb? And he claims that it grows that way. Well, it does grow that way. <laughs> yeah, it does grow that way. But they don't believe him. No, well, nobody ever believes him. So it's like a madman, reckless to a fault, always out exploring and making mischief. That sounds like a Gryffindor to me. Don't be ridiculous, Godric sniffs indeed. Don't be ridiculous. I always, always flew like, like a, a lunatic, lunatic, not, not like a madman. Mad <laughs> <laughs> and the difference being... You'd have to ask him. Uh, close enough. All right. Where does he belong? Rowena hums softly and look into the young Potter's brain. What a fine mind. He'll do very well in his studies. I can tell. She sniffed disapprovingly and added, he'd do even better if he studied from time to time. Yeah. And that's the thing is, you know, both Sirius and James had absolutely no need to study and did fine, and they knew they were stars. And those are the most insufferable people that there are, because they're talented and they know it. (laughs) Yeah, I hate those kids. They make me look bad. (laughs) They make us all look bad. It's not just you. And so I like that Helga says, well, then he should certainly go into a house that will encourage hard work. It'll do him a world of good. Which it would have. Yeah. Look at the capacity for loyalty. The boy needs a good set of friends around him, which is going to start the friend discussion up again, I'm sure. Well, but which he got in Gryffindor anyway. (laughs) That's true. I love how they all fought over James, especially just because they all fought over Harry, too. So this is something that I find very interesting. So if, in this case, if he needs good friends around him, and that's Helga's argument, Mm Mm-hmm. And he ended up getting it in Gryffindor, right? Right. That leads me to the question of why do we sort? Because it sounds like each of the houses has the potential to bring out fully well-rounded human beings. It's the means that each house uses to the same end, right? Mm-hmm. So that kind of leads me to think, well, what's the point of houses? Well, that's sort of a tradition of British boarding schools in general, They aren't probably as specific as the Hogwarts houses, but they will have a dorm or a house thing that they play their school sports with or various things like that. So this is sort of an outgrowth of that, and she's taken it a few steps farther probably. It's the one defining trait that you have. Like, we've all been talking, and, you know, you, Itai, thought you were a Ravenclaw, but you're Hufflepuff. And I thought I was a Ravenclaw, but I ended up at Hufflepuff. And, Julia, I'm sure you have other traits that you could... We all could be anywhere, but what is it about us inside that really lights our fire? And I think that's what they're trying to find, that one bit of spark in everyone. That's where they should be. I mean, I know I'm ambitious, and there's nothing that's going to stop me, but... 
and not ambitious to a fault. And I'm stubborn and I feel like I have courage, but I still just want to hug everyone. So, you know, it's, it's finding that right balance and really meshing with everyone else who's already been put in the house. So maybe like by starting off when they put black in Gryffindor, it, it set that ripple effect that these are who has to be wherever so that they all fit together. So if they put black in Hufflepuff, does that mean that those four marauders would have went to Hufflepuff? Who knows? It just means he would have fit differently in Hufflepuff, I think. But would he have fit as well? I don't think it's a question of, of well. I think that if we all have the potential to go anywhere, I'll say it again, if all roads lead to Rome, as they seem they do, because he ended up getting good friends in Gryffindor, too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they all became an animagi, right? Mm-hmm. Anime guy, but yeah. I've heard it animagi, and it sounds Italian or Latin, so which it is. See, Ravenclaw. <laughs> <laughs> because I know Igor is fond of saying that all roads lead to 91, which what? is a Connecticut joke, and it's also what? true. Igor says that all roads lead to 91. In Connecticut, that's true. Yes, well, since Igor and I both live here. But the point is that sometimes if you take Route 6, you go the long way. Or if you take 84, there's often traffic near Hartford. But, I mean, yes, all roads do lead to 91, but it's the way that you get there that matters. It's the experiences that you have along the way, and it's the kind of person that taking that road turns you into. That's what matters. And this process of sorting is to put you into the best possible person that you can be. But, Julia, you end up becoming the same anyway. Your destiny is... No, you don't. No, your destiny is what your destiny is. Okay, yes. But how you get there makes a great deal of difference. I'm just playing devil's advocate here. So let me know when you want me to stop. <laughs> Back you over the head. But, but if you become the same person regardless, okay, if your destiny is to, in your case, become an English teacher, what does it matter how you got there? You're going to be an English teacher anyway. But it'll matter on the type of English teacher she is, the type of person that she is. Just because she gets there and as an English teacher, the way that she gets there will shape the way that she teaches. And what she's passionate about. Right. So in that case, the sorting is not really about where we belong. It's what are our passions. Yes. Yes. But it's about what motivates us, what makes us tick. I mean, if you put me in a house full of Ravenclaws, I'm never going to want to do anything because I'm just going to feel really inferior. Oh, sweetie, you do fine. Well... Thank you for the compliment, but really, I would feel really very inferior. But if you put me with a bunch of people who are Gryffindors, then it's a lot better for me because, you know, we all value the same things and we can all play off each other really well and sort of motivate each other. I'm convinced that, I I mean, you'd fumble around a bit during the adjustment period, but in the end, you'd do fine. It's this whole idea of you set the bar high enough, eventually people will meet it. Well, okay, here's a little example. When I was in high school, all of my best friends were Ravenclaws, I guess. In terms of class rank, my best friends were 1, 3, 4, 5, and 8, okay? And I was 31, which isn't to say that I was an idiot, because there were 275 people in my class, and so 31 was pretty damn impressive. You were 31, I was 74, and we had 306. But still, the point is that like when you're hanging around with 1 and 2, and you're 31, you know, you're smart, but you feel every day like it's a struggle to keep up. You know, you feel like a total idiot, and if you can avoid that, do it. Julia, I agree with that. I agree with that that feeling, and I think I've been there. So my freshman year of college, 
I lived on a floor of all female engineers and all striving for the same things. And it's like, talk about living with a whole bunch of Ravenclaws that I got lost in the shuffle because I started to doubt myself. But you made it. And when my roommate was a 4.0 student, you know, it gets frustrating. Like, what more can I do while still wanting the things I wanted out of life? Whereas she was comfortable studying all of the time in our room. I wanted to have a life experience and wanted to have friends and to go out and do things, not necessarily bad things, but go out for coffee and see movies and see shows. That's why I chose to go to the school that I went to. And that's when you start to feel that break. And I think that if I could have had that Hufflepuff house where, you know, hard work is encouraged and and everything, but it would have made that freshman year that much better. I'm not just saying that I had a bad freshman year, but sometimes the studying and the intensity of it just got to you. I completely understand, and I, like Julia, felt also very stupid because, again, my best friends were one, two, and whatever, you know, they were high and I was 74. Uh, the point is that, you know, you are still an engineer and you made it through, regardless. True. So um, just be proud and appreciate that fact because that's still an achievement. Thank you. It is. And so I think that we are all exactly where we need to be and doing what we need to be doing. And once you find that, you know, it's, again, that destiny issue. But I think I can see, you know, where are our passions, and that I can sort of buy and understand as a reason for sorting. But otherwise, look at how the founders are arguing. It seems to lead to divisiveness in general. I mean... This is not a very peaceful process. They're not intuitive. They're all very much fighting for what they want and their points of view. And this does not, to my mind, lend itself to peace and harmony at all. No. I think it was Aldous who said, you know, sometimes I think we sort too early. Right. I don't know that sorting is necessarily a smart thing, especially if we all end up in the same place anyway. Here they are fighting over James. And Helga is really passionately fighting for him in this. And I love that Godric's is like, now be reasonable, Helga. And she's like, I hate being reasonable. You always say that and then steal my students. <laughs> and Godric's like, he's my student. You just won't see it. And she huffs, you are very irritating sometimes, Godric. And he's like, I've worked very hard at it. And she's like, all right, just this once. But I get the next one we argue over. And he laughs because he knows that's not going to happen. Of course not, because he's too charming, and he'll win anybody over. Mm -hmm. Including Salazar. Yep. Gryffindors are very charming creatures. Oh, thank you. (laughs) We're also stubborn as mules. Oh, I know. Just so that you know. I like that I'm going to drag us back here. That Salazar says there are entirely too many Gryffindors this year. I think you're doing something. Godric says, it's not my fault. There are so many fine, brave, daring, honorable children starting Hogwarts this year. Besides, you three have had plenty of picks. I'm just the one you all argue with, (laughs) she says. And Helga says, that's because you're so good at it, dear. And I can see Helga saying that. Can't I have any children without a lot of you arguing a blue streak with me? And this is the only time they all agree, because they all chorus, no. So there was a moment when they all agreed. Wow. Well, at least three out of the four. Well, that's better than nothing. Yeah. And then Hat sits on Snape's head. Aww. And Godric is rude. We're going to have to be washed after this boy. Godric, be nice. Poor Helga's so sweet. <laughs> but he's probably right. Greasy-haired git. 
But no, no, listen to Helga. It's like the poor deer can't help it. He can wash his hair a little bit more. But if it's all about choice, he can help it. Ooh. Maybe he doesn't have a good family life. You're 11. <laughs> How could you help yourself at 11? <laughs> he, I don't, uh. Maybe it's his choice to be like that. Maybe. If it's all about choices, there's always a choice. I'm not saying that as an 11-year-old he can, you know, decide to strike out on his own and all of a sudden spontaneously combust and turn to the forces of good. But, I mean, he didn't necessarily have to treat Petunia the way he did. Mm-hmm. I mean, that no. there was nobody around there compelling him, imperiousing him how to behave. Right. Sure. No. But that goes back to the nature versus nurture uh-huh. debate. I know. And we don't know enough about the state prince family to say whether he clearly had a rough childhood because he mentions that they're always fighting and it's not nice to be in the house and he'd rather be outside and he'd rather be far away but nobody told him to behave that way but he has a huge desire to prove himself as salazar states and a need to be recognized and Rowena says he certainly wants to be the best he'll thrive in your house i think salazar and they're like okay yeah and, and godric says just a moment and Salazar's like, no more. I let you have all the ones you've wanted, and it's my turn. Only after a good argument. Yep. Mm. Look deeper for once in your life. He's ambitious, yes, but look at that bravery. I'd wager he could stand nose to nose, and this is interesting, with the devil himself, if need be. Yeah. And he did. Yeah. He does. He did. Well, nose to snake nose. He did, does will. Take your pick. And if he can do that now, there's no reason to steal him from my house. And then Helga pipes in and says, I'm sorry, Godric, dear, but I think he's right. She's such a mother, is one. <laughs> she's freed the house, so she didn't enslave them. Oh, God, are we really discussing this? I just momentarily <laughs> channeled, so I'm done. Okay, because I took my headphones off to blow my nose, and I came back, and all of a sudden Sue Upton was here. And I was like, what? I momentarily channeled, so I'm done. Finished. No, it's only funny because over Shabbos I was sick, and so I stayed in bed and read Harry a History. And there's a bit in there about how they're always arguing mm-hmm. about ourselves. I thought it was funny. Always, always. This fake definitely makes the argument that she couldn't enslave anything. Oh, yeah, that's true. Even if she wanted to. We're way on course. So he goes to Slytherin, and Godric and Salazar start arguing, which they do a lot, and that will probably be continuing it for months. It's like an old married couple. Yeah. And I love Helga, who says, well, that's okay, because that means the rest of them will either be Ravenclaws or Hufflepuffs. <laughs> Ooh. I love that the women were just like, how about we just finish this up and let them do their thing? <laughs> Let him argue. We'll handle the rest of this. It's one of those boys will be boys things. That it was like, we'll just take advantage of this situation. The women laughed, ignored the men's arguments, and continued with the sorting. The end. <sighs> I really liked these. I love the banter among the four. I thought it was really well done. I liked seeing the different people getting sorted and the different ideas. Because, you know, in canon you get... One house. Well, except for Harry, who's not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin, not Slytherin. But here you get to see, oh, well, this is why he ended up here. And, oh, well, he could have been here or here or here. So I've enjoyed this series very much. Being that I am now on my second master's and studying to be a counselor, 
and being indoctrinated with psychology thoughts and frames of mind. It's really interesting to me because what this allows us to see is really into the essence of all these characters and they become a lot more three-dimensional than they were, at least when they were originally written. They're not as much of a cardboard cutout anymore. Right. And again, the fact that anyone could have gone anywhere and that there are legitimate arguments from all of them for each student under the hat. Granted, you know, some of them are a little bit less kind than others, but the arguments are still legitimate. And that still leaves me with that, you know, philosophical question that we talked about earlier and and will never be resolved. But that to me is what a good story does. This whole series is just Very, very cute, but there was a lot more to it than that. She's very talented to have been able to write this like this. Very well done. I agree. Seconded. (laughs) So I guess we'll just end it out if everybody's done with their comments. Yeah. I'm too tired and sick to come up with anything more eloquent. (laughs) This is Beyondcast signing off. Good night, night, everybody. Night. Night. So awesome.